Thursday, February the 17th. 2022. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. Recorded this, put it all together on Wednesday. Schedule for me is going to be a little bit different this week, folks, as uh, I'll be heading out to Sam Houston. Going to hang out on the broadcast for a couple big days over racing at Sam Houston. Five stakes on Saturday night, so I'll be helping out on Friday and Saturday on track. So, we... The, the schedule for this show will be slightly different. You're going to get a ton of content, but I actually handicapped, I started on Saturday with Sam Houston, I handicapped that card, and I wanted to get that out of the way here, so I'm not going to have Friday Sam Houston on here, what I am going to do is I'm going to post a video on Thursday, going through all the DRF past performances for the full card for Friday, so I'll post that Thursday evening, if you're looking for some Sam Houston Friday, don't worry, we'll have full card for you, but I wanted to get the Saturday stuff up here, and we have some really cool conversations on this show. First up, Super Bowl recap with Eric, and then we get into NBA with Eric. We talk about the trade deadline. Then we head on over start talking some racing. Friday, Santa Anita, best bets. Martha Clausen joins us to preview the big day Saturday over at Sam Houston. And then I'm going to run through the Sam Houston card Saturday Fairgrounds with Emily Gullickson. She joins us to talk about the final four races on the card, all graded stakes races. And then we close things out wrestling with Chad Cooper, but... Chad joined me early in the day, so we don't talk any AEW. We'll talk AEW next week. We previewed the Elimination Chamber. We recapped everything that happened on NXT um, on their big show on Tuesday night. So you'll get some NFL with a Super Bowl recap. You'll get some NBA trade deadline and everything happening currently in the NBA. Then we get into racing Friday, Santa Anita best bets. Martha Clausen helps us out with Sam Houston Saturday, and then I run through Saturday. And then Emily Gullickson, fairground stakes for Saturday and wrestling with Chad Cooper on a loaded episode. So yeah, just pay attention throughout the weekend because I'll be posting a lot more stuff on social media. I'm not going to be doing as many live streams this weekend because I'm just not quite sure what my connection will be like in the hotel room. So I will, I'll do some videos. I'll have some posts and tweets here and there. I'd, I'd rather not try to do things and then have them not look good or the connection's not great and, and it's all fuzzy and keeps cutting in and out. So we'll get you the con- the same amount of content. It'll just be in some slightly different ways this week on this episode of That's What G Said presented by Better Than Dot Vegas at BTV Bets. Give them a follow right now on Twitter. So much great content each and every day over at Better Than Vegas. They want to make you a better, better, everything free at BTV. Flip on those notifications and you'll be alerted anytime they go live at Better Than Vegas. First up, Super Bowl talk with Eric. We recap everything that happened in the big game over the weekend. We put a bow on the NFL season. The final time talking NFL this year for a few months, I'd say. We say that probably a couple weeks before we start getting into draft stuff again with Eric. But putting a bow on the NFL season with Eric. We have come to the end of the road. So, to the end of the road. Eric, Eric joins me to put a little bow on this NFL season. Eric, it was the longest NFL season of all time. We had a, a Super Bowl in the second week of February, and it was a competitive game. I think, you know, the game wasn't, both teams maybe didn't play incredible football, and we'll dive into it, but. If you're the TV networks and for all the people that were at Super Bowl parties watching all around, you want it to be a close game down to the end with, you know, teams getting the opportunity to to drive and win. And that's what we got. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't the best played game, but it was an entertaining game. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. And I don't even know coming out of the game if we feel like they were the best 
two teams But that's just that's the way sports work Especially in a sport like the NFL Where it's not a series We watch basketball It's very rare in the basketball playoffs That the best team doesn't win In, in a series You know Because you got to beat them four times So you yeah. can have a fluky game or two But for these two teams they were both solid teams. I think the Bengals we were 150 to one to win it at the beginning of the year, so they were farther than most people expected them to be at this point. And they the ball bounced their way through their playoff run. The Rams they were probably more the more likely of the team to be here and to win the Super Bowl, but they definitely have some flaws. And man, I would this was not a great McVeigh game. No, not at all. But I will say this. E. Morris won the game for you guys, man. He made a key adjustment in the second half. Yep. The Bengals didn't adjust, and I mean that—that that was the game. Like literally, I'm sitting at my—I'm sitting on my couch, <laughs> excuse me—and I'm like, why aren't the Bengals adjusting their line protection? And they did—they had a great plan to negate Donald in the first half. Second half, um, Morris adjusted by putting five up, and um, so basically, like what the. Uh, Bengals were doing is the center would just shadow Donald. So whatever side Donald was on, he would just shadow to that side to help. What Morris started doing in the second half is he started putting five down linemen up, and then Donald was on the two side. And the center keep on kept on adjusting and shadowing toward Aaron Donald. So the Rams were just constantly getting to Burrow because they're basically rushing three on two. And the Taylor and the offensive line coach, offensive coordinator, just no adjustments whatsoever. Yeah, the the box score when you dive in pretty evenly matched. Uh, the Rams had 18 first downs, the Bengals had 15. Both teams, the Rams were a little bit better on third down, and that you know probably proved to be the difference. They were six of 15 on third down, and they uh, they got their only fourth on that little play to cup. Whereas the Bengals were three for 14 on third down and one for three on fourth. That's honestly when you dive into a lot of like that was the difference in the game. The total plays are really similar. Five more for the Rams. Total yards, the Rams had eight more total yards. They were basically deadlocked in 13 total drives. The yards per play actually leaned towards the Bengals. They were at five and the Rams just 4.7 with uh, you know, the two interceptions thrown from the Rams, but one of them was an arm punt. You know, like it, it was Stafford. It was a third and long that he just took a big. Yeah, it was. He it just was took a gamble, and he, it, it, and he, Van Jefferson was open too, so he underthrew him. Like, and he then just he, let him a little bit. It would have been a TD, which is kind of funny. And the other one was completely Scournick's fault. It went off his hands, yeah. so it wasn't like yeah. Stafford was like awful or anything. Um, I mean, really, even like time of possession, thirty forty seven for the Rams to twenty nine thirteen. I mean, this was. A pretty evenly matched game between these two teams And it was like watching a lot of it It was a stubbornness from McVay That almost almost lost the Rams the Super Bowl A stubbornness to continue to Want to establish the run Right, that's fine If people want to run But you got to get creative with how you're going to run Take a look at what Shanahan does With how they run sometimes And all the moving parts and pieces Get more outside I mean, he was running up the gut with nothing with acres over and over and over. I mean, where Sony Michelle only got two touches. If you're gonna run up the gut, why not give him a couple more looks? It just I I was kind of, what is going on for a lot of this game? It just makes zero sense. I mean, you have acres who they rush back way too much from that injury. He's not hundred percent. You know, as I said, he only averaged two point eight yards per carry going into that game. He almost fumbled um, them out of the playoffs. Yep. You know, acres did. Darryl, 
Daryl Henderson, and I get it, you know, if you feel he's the best receiving back and you're depleted at the wide receiver's position, if you want to line him up outside and you want him to get some run at wide receiver, I get it. But they kept constantly lining him up in the backfield. I have no idea why Michelle wasn't the bigger factor. That's just something that is absolutely mind-boggling to me. I mean, I just killed the acres under just because you could tell he wasn't 100%. Now they're bringing in Henderson. They're going to cycle in three guys. I just – it was the easiest bet in the world for me. Yep, for I had that one. It was, was 65. I was like 65. Oh my God, I, bet it, I, I bet the adjusted under 40. Yeah. Like, like it was – Exactly. Just, it was it was just a no-brainer to me. Um, I just – he does get weight. He turns into a pumpkin in these big games. He's done you it know, twice just, now. The both of his Super just, Bowl games have been awful. And he last the Tampa game was good. The 49ers game was like, eh. You know, um, I, I don't wouldn't really like, but his his play calling was eh. In the 49ers game, his decision making was like like a little kid who was out there and was nervous, like yeah. and didn't didn't realize what was going on. And maybe now that he's won, he'll relax a little bit. And I don't know, it's, it's so weird because he was coaching like he was coaching with all this pressure on him for a young guy who's got a ton of, you know what I mean? It's like the way that he was making decisions in some of these games was like, this is was almost like this is it. And that's why the funny rumors of him maybe retiring being out there, because it just seemed weird for for him to be so tight. Like, dude, you're back yeah. in, in the... You know the conference championship for the second time in four years. You've been pretty successful. Why are you calling weird timeouts? Do like the the play calling? I mean the the decision making more than the play calling. I think in the conference championship was bad. In this game, it was way more the play calling. That yeah. just and didn't that's make sense. part of sports. There's always excuse me in sports. There's perceived pressure. Mm-hmm. You have McVay. The Rams are supposed to be there. You're playing against somebody who used to coach under you, who's not supposed to be there. You're supposed to win this game. This is your second time here. You know what I mean? He had all the pressure in the world, and it showed. And, you know, luckily for him, he had Cooper Cup and Stafford that were able to make some plays, and he got the win. I mean, basically all that drive at the end was just basically Cooper Cup and Matt Stafford just doing their thing and getting the ball down the field. Um I don't think the game would have been that close if Beckham didn't tear his ACL because the Bengals really had nothing to stop him whatsoever. And when he went out, it allowed them to kind of be – they were contained Cooper and Van, and Van Jefferson. Completely agree. I mean, that was – I think that was kind of a key thing. Well, because there was um, – the, the you know, Higby would have been big in this yeah, game. Higby wasn't there either. And, and so if know, it, there was no – and then that the Rams-Blanton guy got hurt too. Their yeah. other – their backup. So all of a sudden, the, the guys who would have been there – Two and three are out And then the other tight end who actually had a pretty decent Game a couple weeks back you know I think we had like five catches he sort of stepped up and made A few big plays so you Just have a bunch of guys out there It's not I think what people May not understand is like these guys are All NFL players right they would all be Super capable but these are guys that haven't they, There's no chemistry they haven't Run the routes they don't have a whole lot of Chemistry with Stafford and so You're in the Super Bowl you're Stafford, of course. You're going to be a little bit skeptical of where you want to where you want to throw the ball to with some of these players that you haven't had very many reps and, and a lot of chemistry with. Yeah, and plus, like it forces like Van Jefferson instead of being the field structures playing over the middle now. People are just playing different positions. Henderson's mm-hmm. playing a wide receiver role. Uh, yeah, it's just 
it forces everyone to come out of that comfort zone and in critical situations, quarterbacks aren't going to throw to who they have no trust in. But I, you know what? I will. This was such a Stafford victory. It that, is. You know, I will give him all the, like playing with backups, shitty coaching, bad officiating. I mean, this is this is a Stafford win, and I feel happy for the guy. And it just amazes me. There's like, I have no idea. Like this guy's never in the media. He's not going on the McAfee show and like saying stupid shit. He's not dressing like an idiot before the game like Burrow does. <laughs> he just he walks in with his black t-shirt. He literally has no social media whatsoever. And like, just can we let the guy just enjoy a Super Bowl? I know because everybody right away is like, "Oh, is he going to be in the Hall of Fame?" It's like just let him. Like you said, he's not done yet. So why do we? Why don't we? And plus, like, he's not a douchebag. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's not like. He he's not out there like I'm put me in he's not saying put me in the Hall of Fame. I'm a Hall of Famer. And so that's like a thing that needs to be debated. No, he hasn't said one thing at all. He's, he's just he's just trying to take his three dollars to Disneyland yesterday. It's like that's dude, all he was trying to do. I was on a team that lost a bunch. <laughs> I went over and won the Super Bowl, and now everyone's telling me why I'm not a Hall of Famer. Like, what the hell? You and know? I'm not even petitioning to get into the Hall of Fame. I'm just, I, 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 I just want to enjoy this. Just, I know, and it's it's just like let it play out a little bit because hell. If the guy does stick around and they win another one or two, then he is a Hall of Famer. I will say this for Sherman, you know, props to him. You know, I had no clue he had a podcast, so he's the instant advertising, but. You got it, yeah. So, you know, but it's just, it's a mute point to me, because why are we even having this discussion? Because he still has run left in him. Mm -hmm. So there's no point. It's not like he's retiring right now. There's no point in having this discussion at all. It's just talking heads looking to talk, and they're talking about somebody that, for whatever, the one thing that the media does is if they like you, they give you a pass on stuff. If they yep. don't like you for whatever reason, they don't. And we can see that with Burrow. Burrow gets a pass on everything right mm-hmm. now. Cam Newton would, if Cam Newton came in wearing exactly what Burrow did in the Super Bowl, think of think of what everyone would be saying on social media. They'd be, but everybody, but it was since it was Joe Burrow. Oh, this is cool. This is awesome. Blah blah. Whatever. So it's, no, it is. It, it is. What it is. Yeah, no, it's funny, and it's not a, it, like you said. It's nothing against Joe Burrow. It's just funny the spin that gets yeah. put on certain things, right? Because mm-hmm. the the perception of it and um, Stafford, great stuff from him. That that drive the to win the game that was Stafford and Cup. You know that, and that's what you do at the end. It's super. That's like the you, the stuff that you practice over and over, or you dream of. That's what Stafford and Cup are doing. That that was like them out at the park. Learning reps in the summer You know just the two of them Oh hey get open boom I'm I'm going in On you because like we said It's the final drive now Who are you trusting you're trusting your guy Cup you just keep going Back to him I didn't And I know a lot of people were were like We're talking about how the the, Towards the end of the game there might have been one or two Calls that were like yeah They were iffy calls and that there weren't A lot of calls throughout the game There weren't a lot of penalties throughout the game the officiating to me didn't have anything to do with the result of the game There were there were equally Equally bad The worst missed call of the game was on the Ramsey Face mask That, oh, that ended up being a touchdown for the Bengals I'm not saying that there weren't a couple There was actually a play that Early in the game, the one where Chase Went deep, like he he, I think they, they, had, they spotted him At the 4, and then they went to a commercial When they came back from commercial The ball was at the 11 and it, they said that he stepped out of bounds or he was touched earlier. He wasn't touched there. He probably was down at the four. And then one or two of the plays late were were close calls that maybe could have been let go 
because the refs, which I like, weren't calling a lot throughout, but I think that was more well, of just sort of Bengals I, fans toward the end. Yeah, I mean, like, by the letter of the law, yeah. Um, I think there's, <clears throat> excuse me, there's two ways of looking at this. Number one, someone brought this up to me. He believes that if the Rams would have made the extra point, that play at the end, the hold, wouldn't have been called. Because he was like, you know, they could have kicked the field goal, tied it up. Um, but also, and someone else was just like, look, when you're the best player at your position, which Cup is the best wide receiver in the league, you're going to get the benefit of the flag. You get those calls. It happens you in the get, NBA you know, all the time. Yeah. The pitchers you in baseball, the the if there's a if there's a call that's on the corner, they get the they get the the benefit of the doubt. If it's a, yeah. you know, Kershaw and gets I mean, the outside pitch, you know, that's just what that's what's going to happen when you're established. At the end of the day, you know. You, the counter argument is this: you, Joe Burrow had the ball with a minute left. You had two opportunities to get one yard, and you couldn't do it. And Samaje Pirine is on the field instead of Joe not Mixon. Joe Mixon, not the guy that you paid for this moment, and B, not the guy who Mixon had a good game. And any time he was tackled, he was going forward, mm-hmm. not to the side, not backwards. He was going forward. Getting the extra yard, getting the extra yard and a half. Why is he on the sideline? I have no idea. See that, you know, and that's and what. It... On the flip side, the Rams, cup, 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 mm-hmm. cup, cup. You know that's the difference between winning and losing, right there. Giving and the ball to your superstar. The things that we worried about with the the Bengals, they came out in the biggest moments. It was sort of. I, I think we we would all give Zach Taylor a lot more credit this year than we were than we would have expected. I think he did a very good job getting his team all the way here. They were leading in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl with a chance to win it. So the guy is he's he's done better than what I thought. But the problem is when you you know when when you look at certain teams and they have certain weaknesses, you're worried that at the biggest moments those weaknesses might come up. And I don't know if he's a great coach or a I don't think he's a t- I don't think he's a terrible coach right now. I don't think he's a great coach. We'll find out if he's somewhere in the middle to average to above average to below average to where. But he's he's not awful to at least he, the players at least like him enough and care enough to listen to what he says. This team wasn't penalized a whole lot this year. They were disciplined. But the problem is at the very end like you said, when the game's on the line, there's no Joe Mixon on the field. It's it's you you're, you give the ball to Samaj P Ryan on third and one. And then on fourth down, there's an empty backfield. And you can't do that against the Rams. You cannot, you need some help back there. With the way that they had been going, with, with the way that they, they had started to build that momentum. I mean, the, the last few drives, it was just getting really difficult for the Bengals to move the ball at all. Donald was just teeing off. You need some help back there for Burrow. And so, unfortunately, the things that we worried about with the Bengals the most... The offensive line and you know the coaching when it comes down to it. Well, on the last play of the game, what happened? You know, maybe a, a bad call or maybe a play call or a play design or scheme design that could have been a little different on the final two or three plays of the drive, and the offensive line couldn't protect to get them one yard. No, because like you, can, you can't hide things. Like, Those things know, can't, can't hide, right? Always, you Eric. You can. Yeah, you can like, get lucky sometimes to where those you don't need to, those things don't have to play a big part in the game, right? Because if the Rams wouldn't have scored, then hell, the Bengals would have won the Super Bowl. 
Yep. Like we wouldn't even have seen that that happen late, but when they needed to make a big play, their offensive line couldn't hold up against a really strong defensive front. And so for all the crap throughout the game of the Rams, that was like the most simple handicap of the game when we were previewing it before is can this defensive can this offensive line hold up against a better defensive line than they've seen and can they do it I, over and over? I will say this though, another key thing is Burrow was getting the ball out in the first half, two seconds or less. He was holding on to the ball a lot mm-hmm. longer. I don't know why. So that that also didn't help at all. Mm-hmm. Um in terms of the Bengals, um front played absolutely great. But you know, Eli Apple you know, he made some costly mistakes. He hasn't been playing good the last month, as I said. Um, there was just, like, some mistakes at some key times that came back just to hurt the Bengals. And, unfortunately, in a game like this, you can't have mistakes. Well, when you're – it's funny, because if you look at the difference between these two teams, right, the Bengals – the Rams were always graded by a lot of the metrics and everything as one of the better teams in the league because they don't have a whole lot of weaknesses when we were digging into the game. They have a pretty good on the offensive side, pretty strong here, pretty strong here, pretty strong here, defensive side here, here. The way to kind of attack the Rams was in the middle of the field, but they're good on the defensive front. They're good in in deep coverage. The Bengals aren't just overall quite as good of a team, so they don't have as much of a margin for error. They can't make as many mistakes because their AAA game just isn't quite as good. As some of the as as the other best teams, so their B game isn't quite as good. Like the Rams, their defense is so good and can make such big plays that they do have a little bit more of a margin for error. We saw this with the Rams in this game. We saw this with the Rams in the game against the 49ers where, you know, early in that game, they squandered probably 14 points, but they were still yeah. able to win because they've got so much talent that they can overcome it. In this game, you know, they had an Odell injury. They had a couple interceptions that weren't Stafford's fault, I don't think. The the arm punt didn't bother me, and then the other was tipped. And then McVay was really kind of not good, just plain and simple with his play calling for a lot of this game and sort of predictable, stubborn. They over they were still over to, to able to overcome all of that just because of their like their floor level of talent, you know, and that that's kind of the difference here. If if the Bengals would have played a perfect game, they would have won because the Rams didn't. But if these two teams both start making mistakes, then the Bengals are in trouble. They have to play pretty perfect right now because they do still have weaknesses. Yeah, there's the margin error of them isn't that um isn't that big? And <clears throat> excuse me, I know people are saying that hey, you know, they're young, they'll be back. People were saying the th- same thing about the Thunder. When you look at well, how about agents, the Browns last year, yeah, the Browns almost beat the Bengals or the, almost beat the the Chiefs, and you figure yeah. they're going to come back and be better, and you just don't know injuries, yeah. people, get, things that happen. You have to start paying people. They're set up pretty well, you know. With with I think they have a lot of cap room, and you sort of know what they need. But dude, look at the AFC: Mahomes, right. Allen, Herbert. You know the other quarterbacks that we're just talking about right there. Um, and plus, like you look at their payroll, you have Higgins up in 2003, Mixon, Chase, and Burrow 2024. So, I mean, like they have like basically one more year with that core, and then you know, Burrow's gonna want uh Chase there, so that means Higgins is gonna have to walk. Is Mixon gonna take a discount? You know what I mean? Like, 
the team starts deteriorating really quick because now you have to play Burrow. And, 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 and you start thinking about you, yeah. and you start thinking about things like hmm, Mixon, he's already had a couple injuries too in his past, yeah. and now you got another year or two of a lot more mileage on him now. Is he still gonna be as explosive of a guy that you've had, you know, in a year, another two years? So yeah, it's it goes the window's quick. not as big. No people are, are talking about it. People say they have a young team, like literally, like it's not that um, excuse me, it's not that big. Injuries could happen. Like you said, Herbert, uh, Allen, Holmes, Ravens basically were playing with their practice. Oh, yeah. I mean, people are just completely forgetting about Lamar Jackson. You know what I mean? Like Browns who could figure it out. You got the Steelers. Hypothetically, let's say Deshaun Watson ends up with the Steelers automatically immediate bust up. What about Aaron Rodgers going to the the Broncos? Yeah, you know, automatically just up or Russell Wilson goes there. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. or or. Rodgers, Wilson goes to the Colts You know, there's a lot of stuff Can happen, so that window eh. And and what's funny is even even Just comparing this, their team To the Rams, who are in the Super Bowl And they're a little bit older And we don't know what, what some of the Rams Key players are going to do, they have a lot of decisions To make, because the way The way the Rams have built their team Hey, it worked, because they won a Super Bowl But they never, they don't have long windows, they a lot of time they go all in They brought in big key players But look at the what we were just talking about And compare the AFC to the NFC In the NFC right now You just had Tom Brady retire from the Bucks. We don't know if Aaron Rodgers is going to be back with the Packers We we think he's probably not We And we don't even know if Kyler Murray is going to be back with Arizona San Francisco is going to be starting uh, Maybe a rookie quarterback Or a second year quarterback that I haven't been that high on And so that they may have some growing pains there uh, The Saints They're not going to have their head coach Things are going to be quite different for them over there So look at the NFC Comparing to the AFC And like I feel a lot better about the Rams opportunity To get right back Or to be you know have another deep run With, with just coming right back With a lot of the same pieces Because the NFC feels like it's going to kind of There's a lot more questions there And it, it has an, it, There's an opportunity for it to not be very strong if we get you mentioned those guys. What what if Kyler, Russ, and Aaron Rodgers all go to the AFC? Yeah, like it's the NFC is completely wide open. The AFC has so many young quarterbacks and teams that need a quarterback that stuff could change a lot. But I mean, is Whitmore is Wit is Big Wit retired? I think he's got to retire. I'd imagine he's going to retire. I'd imagine. You I, know, I, in my eyes, he's retiring. Me too. Um, God only knows what you're going to get from Bobby Trees. God only knows how long Odell's going to be out. See Odell, you know, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like, want to. They got some holes, you know. Absolutely, a free agent. Um, and Donald, just, there was the talk of it. Donald's going to retire. That kind of stuff. I mean, like I said, there's been a lot of talk about McVay. Is he going to come back? So it is extremely wide open in the NFC. If the Rams rolled back with a lot of what they had, they'd be in a good in a good spot. But they've got a ton of questions. Uh, t- we're gonna have some fun, Eric. I think in the off season with with just what it feels like talking yeah, about these kind of things, right? With a lot of this player movement, because I don't does Brady come back even? You know that he's already even teased a little bit of like never say never, and he he might look around and see the lay of the land like we're doing right now. Like if if a couple guys from the Rams retire and a couple of these NFC quarterbacks leave, and Brady looks around, he goes, hey, I could go to the 49ers and we could be pretty good. You, you know, like that would. That's not something to just completely discount. Yeah, if he goes there, that's an immediate uptick. Um, yeah, there's a lot of 
lot of different moving pieces. Are other teams going to follow this Rams list stars and studs approach that the Rams do? Like it's dude, that's it's, a, it's such a copycat league. You never know. And it's, it's hard. That's a hard approach. Like we said, they got, you don't want to say lucky. Cause I do think that you, you win the super bowl. You don't get lucky, but if you don't win the super bowl, then all of a sudden you're feeling like, Oh, we, you know, we went all in on some of these players and now Odell's hurt. We don't know if he can, you know, we don't know what's going on with, uh, status another year on Stafford and now there's McVay and he lost another Super Bowl and you know so it while while like we're saying it's you know it's no guarantee for any team to get back at least with Cincinnati it was like we were never supposed to be here it's yeah. it's a little less disappointing for them because it's like wow we made the Super Bowl we had a really good year with still a young group but a young core and we have upside for the Rams you had to win you went all in you, you know you had to win this thing and uh, the Rams Get the job done. Anything more like tactically or uh, about this game that you wanna you wanna hit on uh, uh, as we nah, finish up? Um, put a bow. I just uh, it's gonna be an interesting off season. Um, yeah, I just I thought it was. I thought Raheem Morris was the key for you guys with the adjustment he made. And the end of the day, Bengals just didn't adjust. Eric, buddy, I gotta say, man, I think I think last year about the middle part of the year. You started coming on every week in NFL, and then we t- we you came on every week in NBA, and then this I think this might have been the full the first year where we had you talk about every single game in the NFL season with me here. Um, I didn't even I used to have other NFL guests come on. I would bring I brought on like one or two this year to talk about a few of their best bets. But you know what? Like I let the way you and I discuss each game is the way I've always wanted to. And man, I can't tell you enough and thank you enough. For all the work you put in, the hours of time and effort, and coming in and always being so flexible and whatever you need helping out. I mean, it's gambling. That's what I love about our conversations too. Is some shows will talk just from a gambling standpoint. Some shows will talk really basic stuff about the games, or maybe more, you know, more analytically about the game breakdowns. Some shows will be fantasy shows. We can hit on, and we do hit on all of that. All of it in our conversations which is so Great and you know that way if Someone's interested in fantasy or someone's just a Fan of the Bengals they can tune In and, and hear our, our preview for The Bengals game and see if they think we got you know If we think they got a shot or if they want To play you know hey well, who are Some of our best bets so man it, I, I can't thank you enough man it's been uh, You become a really good friend over the last couple of years And you work so hard I really appreciate It thanks man you know I appreciate coming on you know talking to you I feel The same way um it seems like only I feel like we should ago, have, we should hug or something right now. I was gonna say we should like hug or something, right? Like put yeah. your on, you know, <laughs> this little bromance going on. But, uh, but yeah, uh, man. No, it's, it's been great. fun. Um, I will say this: one thing I learned during the playoffs, and I am definitely gonna start doing it more next year. These at these like bet, betting shops, they have outcome of drives, and if you really like oh, understand nice. the game, yeah. it's easy to do. On one shop, the Rams were. Plus two ten to score a touchdown before that cup's t- touchdown to win it. So I mean, you got like, there's a million ways to make money, and I'm just finding out about this now and kicking myself I wasn't doing earlier. So definitely something to make sure you guys are doing uh, next year during games and everything. Hey, we're always learning uh, ourselves, and we're always adding to our, our repertoire. I'm try to be a sponge, try to listen and learn from uh, as much as you can. And some some things you'll like, some things you'll say, I'm not going to do that, and then others you'll. Look at and say someone oh that's cool I, I like that I, I'm gonna pick that up 
If you want to hear more from Eric, stay tuned because we're going to talk a little NBA in just a minute. But one more time, man, thank you again for everything, buddy. This was a, a, a hey, what were you like plus 50 units or so on the NFL season? A fantastic NFL, year. I finished a little over 50 units. Yeah. Um, I had a couple hiccup weeks, but you know, overall, that was good. the key. It was just there weren't many for for either of us this year. We didn't have many of those really, really bad weeks. That was what was nice. And when we play some dogs and some dog money lines, you know, you can have weeks where you go three and five or two and five, but you make money. Yeah. You know, so that's what's nice. Okay, uh, folks, NFL season is in the books, but we'll be back again real soon. Anytime there's a, a big. News or something I'll bring Eric on We'll do like a little emergency uh, breaking news podcast We'll talk if there are any big trades Or any of these major quarterbacks move around We'll do one when when free agency happens And uh, we'll definitely start Early with our uh, our previews again Fantasy previews and uh, and we'll get into The divisional previews and futures And all that stuff once the season comes But for now Eric Take a couple weeks and kick back a little You know now, now we can relax a little For these next few weeks and have some fun Because the work for NFL is uh, is work like we we you don't really have to put in for any other sport. No, no, it's a completely different animal. You know, drafts right around the corner, so you know, back to the grind in a couple of weeks. So cool. We'll uh, we'll link up with you then and uh, and get some of your draft knowledge. You always have a, a really good feel for that. So don't go anywhere, folks. Lots more to discuss on that's what G said. We've got some uh, NBA coming up. We're going to talk some horse racing this week in wrestling with. Chad Cooper weekend racing a bunch more on this episode. So you want to set the mood? You're looking for something all natural, soy wax, non-toxic, baby. Scents for every season. Now don't be afraid, baby. Just spell it out. Dot com, and don't forget. Promo code Gino gets you 10% off. Mm-hmm. NBA! Who's hot? Who's not? Who's hot? Who's hot? Now, here on That's What G Said podcast, uh, basketball time, college and uh, professional basketball. So, Eric, who was with us for all the NFL weeks, each and every week this season He's going to be back and we're going to check in And always talk about what's going on in the world of NBA And recently It's been the NBA trade deadline Lots of player movement As we uh, head into the All-Star break Eric's going to join us now To discuss some of the uh, the trade deadline moves And uh, and what's going on in, in basketball So total shift in focus now Right for us buddy uh, we, move from, uh, we move from a lot of focus on the NFL And now Gonna be watching a lot of uh, a lot of NBA on TNT, ESPN, all sorts of NBA packages, and uh, got the NBA League Pass all uh, fired back up. So I'll be watching some of the local broadcast. Time to get in basketball mode. Hey, you know what? It's just a different animal, and let's let's. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, it's starting to take shape. There's some hiccups with COVID stoppage, but it looks like all that's behind us. Yeah. So you know, well, I'm, teams are starting to take shape. You know, stuff's starting to get a little interesting. Mm-hmm. And now well, we know we got some some big moves at the trade deadline that we'll uh, we'll discuss. And as Eric hit on, it's all around we're seeing sort of some restrictions being lifted, mandates being lifted in some places, and so we're we're having less and less players be missing because of COVID protocols or just kind of random teams on random nights. I think we're starting to get a real feel now for what some of these teams look like. 
I'm going to roll through the uh, the trade deadline moves. We can discuss some of them. Um, some obviously a lot bigger than others. How about this one that I uh, Celtics got back Daniel Tice, the Celtics are a team that you want to talk about. They uh, the Rockets got Schroeder and his and his freedom and Bruno Fernando. How about Schroeder who turned down that hundred million from the Lakers last year and then went and was was like playing decent for Boston is like a nice piece that could some nights have a lot of scoring and I think a lot of people forgot. That Schroeder played pretty well for the Lakers last year when LeBron and AD were hurt. He there were a lot of nights where he carried that team and he was playing through injuries. And then he just he at the end of the year he was miserable in the playoffs. And it a lot of it was because he was coming off of COVID. But I just think about where this guy could have been had he just decided to make that deal, decided to sign that. You wonder if the Lakers, I mean, if they have him, they probably don't make the move for Russ because they just trade for Buddy Heald instead. Yeah, that was those were the two decisions, and so like I'm sort of mad at Schroeder now for for what he's done to the Lakers. It's like, damn it, man! If you would have just taken that money, I would have preferred him than Westbrook because he, from a fit perspective, it's crazy how quickly things can fall for people. Now you're Schroeder, you end up in Houston, and the the rumors are that he may get bought out and come back to the Lakers. I mean, the moral <laughs> of the story: the same thing happened to Narrows Noel back in the day. If you're one of those, like, I don't want to say fringe type players, but not but like you're not an all star, mm-hmm. you're not a 1B, you're like a CD player, and you get offered a good chuck of change, you take that. Take it. You just take, take it. it. Don't don't gamble at all. Just take your money and be happy with it. Because at the end of the day, not really a big difference between five to 10 million, but there's a big difference between like 100 billion. Mm-hmm. And like, what is it getting now? Like 30 billion? There's a big difference between that. So. Mm-hmm. If you got a chance to get paid, just take it and move on. Take it. Dal- um, we see Washington basically just uh, Beals hurt, and then they just gave it, gave up. I mean, they basically traded Dinwiddie, Bertans. They gave away, or they gave away Aaron Holiday for cash. They traded Montrez Harrell, and they took back Porzingis, who's pretty much done for the year. So they they just went into tank mode, um, and Dinwiddie Dinwiddie's kind of interesting. He's had a miserable year, but for like the fit with him on Dallas is you know it, you get another ball handler, someone who can take a little pressure off of Luca sometimes. And Bertans he's also had a horrible year. He got it one of the most one of the craziest contracts a couple years back. Just so overpaid. He couldn't even get on the on the court for Washington a lot of the time, but he can shoot threes. So. We do. We will see now at this point of the year. Some of these teams they threw up the white flag and like, eh, we're done. We're tanking. Tank mode. Washington was one. Yep. They just gave up a lot of their on a lot of their players. But you know what, Porzingis like still kind of has a high ceiling. You know, it's I a good said it sure two years ago. Luca and him just don't get along. You know, and at this year it's been a disappointment because they really felt like you need to take that next step. And the team as a whole, they're. They haven't taken the next step really at all. Still kind of a middle tier Western Conference team. So, you know, getting rid of him, not that bad of a move. Washington, you're taking a gamble on a guy who maybe will get back to what he used to be before the knee injuries and being in Dallas. It's going to be interesting to see, though, because Luca, I have some friends that like work for NBA teams and they don't say the most pleasant stuff about Luca mm-hmm. dealing with him. And it's going to be interesting to see the first time when. Dimwitty has the ball and Luca's calling for it. And he doesn't and get he it. Waves, waves him off. It's mm-hmm. going to be interesting to see like what happens. Like 
that's why I thought Brunson was a good good fit because Brunson's dad played in the league. He understands, you know, hey, this is my role, and he's fine with kind of being the point guard but not having the ball in his hands. That's why I don't really know if this whole Dimwitty move to Dallas is going to work out. Mm, small move, uh, the Suns get back uh, Tory Craig, who helped them out a little bit last year. The Celtics. And the main thing with that move with Tory Craig is before he got hurt, like these good franchises are always thinking one or two steps ahead. Tory Craig was doing good defensively in the finals against Giannis. Now, granted, it was only a limited amount of time before he got hurt. So that's why that move was made for the mm-hmm. defensive end. Cause he can, it's another body Giannis. you can throw at him, yeah. even if it's five, 10 minutes yeah. in each, each half, and you he, know, he did well with them. So that, that was a big, that was it's a smart move because like there's always these moves that happen and just kind of like like last year Tucker PJ Tucker the, yeah last year Tucker to the Bucks no one really talked about it but then come playoff time you're like oh oh shit. he's making Durant you know, was, work yeah you know he's making people work he's making threes and it was a key part so yeah I I like this move like for like the five ten minutes he'll play Boston trades Josh Richardson to the Spurs for Derek White. So Richardson was kind of it was good to get rid of him for because he was coming off of a big performance. White also, you know, he kind of had a little bit of a down year, but they would they were pretty high on him. He kind of has a little more I think he's got more ceiling and more upside than Richardson, who we sort of know what we've seen from the last few years. He was kind of disappointing. He was the big centerpiece of that uh Jimmy Butler trade a few years back. Everybody sort of felt like he was gonna, you know, take the next step and he kind of hasn't. But so you, we can talk a little bit about Boston kind of right now. We're talking about some of them. You, you, they've been playing some really good basketball as of late. They've been playing great defensively, and I've always come on here. And the main my my main issue with Boston is the ball becomes too stagnant, and these guys go too one on one. Like the game I've watched with White playing, that doesn't happen. White's a one second player. A one second player is you give him the ball, he passes one second, passes, shoots, moves. He's driving, you know, he's doing something. It's not the stagnant stuff, and that's what Boston needs, and that's helped. Um, I like to add a Theus because it gives them the physicality Mm -hmm. that I feel was missing. However, I do think when you look at the size of the East, they are going to struggle a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I really think they're missing, they're missing um, like one more piece. One more big. They need to just at least to another body, at least to yeah. throw at some of the the big guys there and the bigger teams. Because I, I agree but, with you. I they're mean, playing they way playing better. better defensively. The ball with White is moving a little bit, um, but there's always. I feel there's always going to be tension in the room between um, Tatum and uh, what's his name Brown. Brown. Mm-hmm. So I heard someone made a made a comment. It seems to me like we're talking more about these two relationships than any other relationship, like in the world. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, are these yeah. two getting along? Are they fighting? So, who should be the one? Should one of them yeah. take a? Should we trade one of them and keep one of them and build around them? Do they have too many like similar skills? Right? Like you were saying, the problem with with Boston for a while has been that your best two players are both sort of ISO guys that are good, but they don't really make other guys better. Yeah, and they just don't. That's like when you're a good guy on the wing, you're able to when they run twos on you, just hit the person that's open or hit the person that's cutting. Those guys, it's always a second late with a pass, or they just force it up. 
So that's why I really feel like White, like when you put him in there, it's just going to be everything is just going to be running just a whole lot smoother. And also now Smart doesn't have to play the one, which is huge because Smart will jack up these threes that are just god awful. And then the big one, Philadelphia 76ers get James Harden and Millsap. The Nets get Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Drummond, and two first round picks. So I will I say the big one was Marcus Bagley going to the Pistons. Oh, there Marcus, we go. You're yeah, oh, back to that, Bagley, baby, a former. Is, is, uh, is that is, I thought because I thought Bagley, Bagley and Cunningham are the new Shaq and uh, the new Shaq and Kobe. It makes right? sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, so one of uh one of the calls that you and I had last year when they put that big three together, yep. we immediately said they're not going to win. Immediately, they're not going to win a title, and it's not. And it was just because the combination of the three of them. The injury history with these guys, the attitudes, the egos, Kyrie, who we've seen, we saw take, just leave in the middle of the year, and then they won't get vaccinated, so now he can only play in some games, he can't play in other games, you never really know what's going on there, it didn't work, it just never worked with those three guys, there were some, there were a couple of games when the three of them played, and it was like, oh shit. They, yeah, these guys would. These guys might be, fan, but we just we knew that it wasn't going to sustain, and that they would never be able to get through four playoff series rounds. You know, with everything working well, and the fit. I think both of these teams. I feel like could be better, the Sixers and the Nets, with the fit. Now we'll get into Embiid and Harden, and like how much you can trust the combination of those guys. Let's kind of start on the on the net side, though. If Ben Simmons is close to the version of Ben Simmons that he was a year or two ago, this is a really good fit. He could be the guy in the dunker spot there for the Nets. He could be in a situation where he's not asked to do a whole lot offensively other than maybe playmake. He's never really going to be asked to make perimeter shots or, you know, outside shooting. So the the entire dynamic for him in with in Brooklyn with the Nets could be a lot more playing to his strengths because when he's with Philly and he's the guy that's the ball handler, he's inevitably going to be out on the perimeter a lot more. And that's going to force when you're out on the perimeter and you can't shoot threes or you don't even attempt to shoot a three, it makes you how much easier to guard. They sag back, they they block the lane. Now you got you know you got clogging there for Embiid. I don't I like this for both teams because I think we we realized for both of these teams the versions that they had before weren't going to work. So you got to change it up. I like it a lot for the Nets. Let's start off. A, you're subtracting Harden. So that's 25, 24 shots that you're freeing up. So that means like the other guys are going to be more engaged because they're going to be more involved in the offensive end and not just counting to play on defense. And they did. They do have like Curry and they've got Patty Mills. You know, they've got some other Playmakers too that can Score that can put the ball in the bucket so They're not just those three guys And nobody else they're they're actually They have a little bit of depth there And they got Patty Mills and you know what I mean They got some dudes um, Their lack of rebounding really Showed against the Bucks. bringing in Drummond is huge for that if Drummond's Able I don't want to use the term stay Focused because we know he can go on these Like bouts where he thinks he's Magic Johnson Dribbling and doing behind the back passes But if they he just rebounds Mm-hmm. That's all they need from him. Mm-hmm. So, and, and what's nice about him is he gives them, like Drummond is not going to be playing necessarily maybe against every t- single team, but they it gives them options to be versatile. 
if they need to go yeah. a little bit bigger and have a guy who can, you know, is a big body to defend against some of the other bigs. Like you throw him out there yeah. against Embiid, right? Like he can pick up, you get, you can get his his fouls against Embiid. He'll make him work. He'll put a little body on him. Like that's right there. He's already going to be serving a purpose. And also, um, Joe Harris has been hurt. He hasn't been playing. That's another, you know. So now you're starting to add shooters to get spacing. Um, you add Ben Simmons. Now I wrote this blog for my um, website way back when, saying that Simmons needs to go someplace where he could be the three, not the one, not the two, not mm-hmm. the three. This is the perfect fit because that's what he's going to do. He's going to be the three. There's not going to be counting on the score. He can get the rebounding, and more importantly. I mentioned this with Craig. He can play defense on Giannis. Giannis yep. struggled with it. And now Durant can play off, play play a Connington in the quarter, and he can rest in the defensive end and not be able to use all that energy body and Giannis, who's a physical dude, and he can rest because at the end of the day, you know, we can debate who the best player is, but I can say that I feel that the guy in the NBA can score the most versatile ways is Kevin Durant because he can yes, drive, he's the, he can pull yes. up, mm-hmm. he's got ultimate range, hands down, versatility of scoring. Yep, when healthy, not hands even, down. No, no, no one's in the ballpark. I don't, I don't ballpark. think there's even close. No, to be honest, yeah. I don't think there's yeah. even really a close second right now. Like when Kawhi yeah. is playing really well, <clears throat> really well, and he's got that mid range down where he's like, it looks like he just places the ball in. He would be yeah. in like the next conversation, but right now it's Durant for sure. Yeah, so I mean, I like if Durant is healthy, which is a big if, you know. Uh, I like this move for the Nets, um, but and, and, he's and gonna it, come back. And right now they're at eight; they don't want to be in that play-in tournament. No, they want to get up to six. They so they, they, they might got a little work they have to do, but and we don't really I, know when Simmons is gonna play because he no. he's like he he's gonna play, dude. He gave mm-hmm. up nineteen mil. Oh he yeah. Gave up 19 mil like you don't give up So here's 19 mil to get out of Dodge so here's my Wanting to get out my I think Like next year I like the Nets I like the Nets with All of these pieces together my biggest Concern is right now Is there going to be enough time For them to get Durant Back healthy I don't know From what I've been reading and looking it doesn't Look great for Joe Harris the rest Of this year and then Kyrie, if he's playing yeah. every other game, if he's playing on the road and not at home. And and then if I think when Simmons plays for them, he will be very good and very motivated right away. And he'll want be wanting to prove a point like, hey, I'm still good. I'm going to lock down on defense. I'm going to do all these things I'm really good at. But I don't think they will want him I hadn't thought about this, but I think it was uh, Zach Lowe who mentioned it, and I was listening to uh, um, uh, one of the podcasts last week. I don't think they're going to bring Simmons back until Durant's ready. Yeah, because I don't think they, they want him out there. Him. No, exactly. Like you don't want him to put him back in a bad spot right away. You don't want him out there where he's got the ball and all of a sudden he's got to score twenty five points because Durant's not there. No, you you do you don't really want to put that on him immediately. You want him to kind of get back to the point where he can have games like that, but you don't want him to have to be the focal point. So I that's my only worry with them is what you were just hitting at. They're they're struggling because they've not had Durant around. Harden was doing the stupid Harden stuff, you know, where oh, I'm checked out, I'm done, you know, I'm I'm out of this now. And 
So I don't I like their team way better now Than I did when it was the big three I just am not sure if it's going to be Timing wise enough for this year For them and that, that's so I don't I'm, I'm you know they, if if it's the playoffs And they've got Durant and they've got Simmons and maybe even Joe Harris is back Even if he's not But they got the rest of everybody And e- even if they do get Kyrie for like half what the, How weird is that going to be If they're in a playoff series and he can't play at home But then he can play on the road That's yeah, going to be really weird But I mean like like I said I think like everything's going to be You know the It's all on Durant plantation. Yeah. Right if he's not around Like if Durant's Durant It's like what we were saying with um, You know we were talking about the Rams in football a little earlier on Their floor is way higher when you've got Durant out there And he's healthy because he's going to make tough shots He can he can carry you a little bit And do some things and kind of fill in on the margins For some of the games maybe that Kyrie's not there And especially if Simmons is playing defense And and Durant can do more offensively If you give me Durant, Simmons And a couple of those role players Start playoff time and they're healthy They're going to be a tough out I just don't know right now If I can completely believe that that's going to be all set up by that time because it's not that far away. No, no, not, not at all. And that's like I said, like they don't want to be in the elimination games, elimination tournament, whatever it's called. Um, maybe it is. Maybe they do shut down the rant because another thing to keep in mind is you don't really reach the peak of your NBA body maturity until you're 27 years old. By the time that happens. Durant's contract is basically going to be toward the end just because mm-hmm. they've re-signed him. And you have Simmons, let's say, hangs around Durant, gets all of Durant's good um, good, uh, good vibes and everything, learns his work ethic. They could be set up now for Simmons to take over the reign. And I don't know if you heard Bruce Brown, who I love, Pistons drafted him, used to play at Miami. Guy's a little a little warrior. He scored 19 points in the Nets win over the Kings. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you heard the comment he made. He said stuff is a lot. Uh, oh God, what was it? Stuff's not nicer in the locker room now. Mm-hmm. So, Addition by know, subtraction. You know, anyone that doesn't want to be there, get yeah. him the hell out of there. Yeah, right? Like, if you don't want to be there, that's fine. You know, just leave. Uh, but like, like, like we said, like, there's only one ball. You only only can have two guys that are so ISO dominated, and they had three guys that are all liabilities on defense. So not really, sorry, two guys that are liabilities on defense. One guy you don't really want to play defense because you want to rest it for the offensive end. So it just, the writing was on the wall for it not to work. It didn't work, but I like the position the Nets are in more than the 76ers. So I like the position the Nets are in moved for the future. I think that this year, right now, the 76ers have a tiny chance to win the conference. And it's it's tiny And it was a zero chance for me Before they made this trade Now the reason why I'm okay with it is like I'm not the biggest Harden fan in the world either I'm a little higher on Embiid than you are Mainly when he's on the court My issues with Embiid are When he's not on the court Or you know his durability and stuff I think when he's out there he's He still does a, a, a pretty damn good job And I like the fact that With this They basically Got Harden for a guy that wasn't playing, uh, Curry and Drummond were out there. They were doing they were doing things for them. So that, you know they're getting rid of them, but they're bringing in Harden as exactly the type of player they needed—a perimeter guy who can handle the ball, 
Late in the game You don't have to go to Embiid all the time Because that was where Embiid would have a tough time And get stripped Now the complete counter to all of that Harden's been really bad down the stretch I mean in, in, in like big games Right Harden's like not He doesn't have a great playoff track record Although this will be in a spot where You know he will have Embiid there To help him out So I don't I still wouldn't pick them as the team to beat the like the Milwaukee seems like the the most solid team if you're going to pick, I just think they're better now than they were a week or two ago, and I feel like there's at least a tiny chance for them when I never thought there was a chance for them when they had Ben Simmons together because it didn't all fit. So I don't know if it's like I'm, it's not that I'm high on them overall. I guess it's just I'm higher on them now than I was before, and when I look around and see, oh maybe the Nets don't. Get it all together this year And maybe next year is the year for the Nets With Milwaukee If Milwaukee and Miami like had to run into Each other or something and one of those two teams Took the other out I could see a road Where Philly ends up being in the conference Finals tell me why you don't like uh, Why you don't like Philly and, and why you don't Really like the matchup or like the, the combination Here well a the first thing is The big video on social media After the trade Embiid is practicing the James Harden Step back why I know. Like, I why, know. why? Like, he's just doing his dude. Just, why? I know. But that's just zero. And real quick, what the hell was Harden wearing last night? Did you see that thing he was oh wearing? God. The jacket with the know. arms? It was like. But in fairness, Wes, Wes Matthews did rock that like three years ago. And I was yeah. making fun of him on Twitter. But uh, uh, here's my thing. Like, A, I look at the 76ers as a whole. You have a coach that has now blown not one, not two. Three, three, one series leads in his coaching tenure, you know, so you're not going to get a bump in coaching during the most critical times because this guy has proven three different times. He can't close out games. He can't close out series. Uh, number two, you have two guys who have a track record of not taking care of their bodies and have a track record of being hurt. Uh, and bead, it goes back to my thing. People give people passes they like. People like Embiid in the media. They just do. They give him all the passes in the world. The end of the line is he was their best player last year. He was being guarded by Clint Mother Effing Capella and Solomon Hill. And you're not able to win one game against the Atlanta Hawks. You're not even a playoff team this year. You know, when like, I don't know, like Embiid gets a lot of passes to me when I really think like he shouldn't for any reason. You look at um, case in point. Okay. I, I like the Bucks. I'll use Giannis. Um, when they blew that 2-0 series lead, Giannis um, was getting criticized. The Bucks were shooting 29% wide open threes. He was giving the ball wide open, and they just weren't making it. And then and, the league had Andrew say- comes on, and she asks him. She just starts like, oh, are you going to leave now? Blah, blah, blah. He just got up and left. Wasn't having any part. After that series, Embiid was throwing Simmons under the bus. You can't have that leadership as your best player. And expect to win. I've been in coaching and I've played at a high level. Level, if that's your one A, you can't win shit. That's well, just the, fact the of life. the leadership. I'm I would be worried about with with the three of them. Now, I actually think Doc is a pretty good leader, but he's not a good tactician, right? Like he people like Doc. The players like him. His guys like him, but he's not good at, at like adjustments. Like you were saying, he's not good in game. The one thing I wouldn't want to buy stock in this team. Like long run at all Like if I was you know if we were doing like a dynasty Draft give no thank you The only thing that 
I wonder is we do see when Harden goes to the place where he wants, he does have a little window of being motivated and sort of being like, you know, remember last year, right when he left, all of a sudden he shedded a few, he shed, shed a bunch of weight. It was in Brooklyn and it's like, oh my God, he looks way better than he was before. And then he did get hurt. So he was brutally hurt down in the playoffs. He was bad in the playoffs last year. And there aren't many games that you can dig into where you see like huge clutch moments from Harden, but I will give him a little more credit because that Houston team won a lot of games and they won games in the playoffs. They went twice toe to toe with the Warriors, a team that was much, much better from, from, uh, than, than them. If he's got like 80% of the Harden offense that he had at his best and he's just motivated for this. Run like next like you're right next Year if if we were talking at the beginning Of the year I would like I'd, I'm not going to put any faith in Harden and Embiid Staying healthy all year Maybe they don't like each other after a while right I could see them not like Harden gets doesn't like Any of the stars that he's with like you said Embiid I don't I think Embiid I've given him plenty of critique but also Of some passes so I think I've been pretty Fair on Embiid I feel like a couple years ago, he was getting crap, but since he stayed healthier, people have been a little less hard on him than because at least he's been out on the court. And and then last year, you're right, he didn't get as much crap as he should have, and that was just because Ben Simmons was the easy target. Yeah, everyone. I mean, you know, he just wasn't shooting the ball, so everyone was going to pile it on Ben Simmons. So I I kind of look at it like you do and say Embiid should have done more, but then on the same side, I look at it and go. Damn, if Harden was there and just giving them anything, 12 points, 10 points, just shooting from three and opening up the court a little bit, making the spacing a little bit better, making people at least know they got to guard Harden out from three. I don't, I still have a tough time thinking that they could get through a bunch of tough series. But like in my head, I'm playing it out, like I said, and if they get to certain spots, I might play them in certain games and in a, in a particular series. But I have such a hard time trusting them like I did. I mean, like, to me right now, I'd call it right now, they lose to Cleveland second round. See, like, I, would... I could totally see this because Allen can guard. Allen can guard, um, what's his face, Embiid. Now you have Levert, uh, Garland. You got guards that can get, make, I think, Denny Green. I think Denny Green's insanely overrated. Tobias Harris turns into a pumpkin. I could see a team like Cleveland. Like you know what I mean? Not one of those like top tier teams, and I'm including Boston without whether playing in the same group as like the Nets, um, the Bucks, the Celtics. Like those three teams, like we can all agree that we can see them beating the 76ers in the playoffs series. Heat two, I forgot about them, but I could see the Cavs easily beating them too because I think they match up great with them. The the matchup is there, and then but I could all but then like I if. Because we're we're talking about all of the worsts of Philly, right? But we there is a world where like they have a ceiling, right? Like there is a good version of James Harden, and and there is a good version of Joel Embiid. We can't just expect that we're going to get the worst of them. In certain worlds, those guys together, that's a one-two combination. That's a nasty pick and roll because. You just Embiid's not like a slam roller, but he's just like he's got a nice little touch in the mid range, and you can't really leave hard and open. There are worlds where that works, but those guys got to buy in. We need, we need, and then because at least you get everybody slotted better for them right now too. Like Tobias Harris goes back to being 
your third guy, right? He's not like someone who you need more from. You need him to be your main perimeter scorer because all of a sudden Ben Simmons can't do that anymore. I I don't I'm fascinated by this because I'm not convinced it's going to be great, but I'm not convinced it's going to be miserable. I do think it's going to be a little bit better than what the the Simmons Embiid was. Just just based on fit, I think. Yeah, because right? I mean, like that doesn't I mean, mean that they're they going to there are six teams, like you said, that could beat them. We're not even talking about the Bulls. They're yeah. like, if they get healthy, they're a team that was playing really, really good basketball. And the Heat I, are just getting toy like the Heat are the best record in the East. And like yeah. it's kind of funny to be like how they're constantly just like when people are talking and like I was I forgot it too when I was mentioning those teams, like people are just skipping over them and they're playing how they're gonna punch you in the face. You know how hard they're gonna be to eliminate in a series with Lowry and Butler? And some of those dudes, like they're gonna be. But uh, for them, dude, it comes down to like when you sag off, um, bam, can you make a jump shot? Mm-hmm. Like that's what it comes down to. There's like little things, like you can finite he, stuff. Like he hasn't yeah, taken the steps forward because yeah. he didn't do that against the Lakers a couple years ago, and he, he hasn't been it, able to do it against the Bucks when the Bucks swamped them last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and they because he gets he gets that open shot there. Everybody yeah. wanted to make him the next AD a couple years ago. They were kind of projecting him, but some of these guys they have he doesn't have the shot quite yet. Like yeah. that mid range game, some of these bigs are just compare him to like some of the Jokic or Embiid or like Anthony Davis's mid range game when they're when at their best. It's not even not even comparable. So, I'm, but I do I I do have a question for you though. Yep. Okay, I'm gonna read some stuff off. You tell me which player you give the MVP to. All right, player A, 29.4 points, six assists a game, 11.3 rebounds, 55% from the floor, 30% uh, three-point range, uh, 72% from the stripes. Uh, Team B, 29.3 points, four and a half assists, 11.1 rebounds, uh, field goal percentage, 49, 3.36, three throw, 81. I'm going A. Mm-hmm. And who, um, like right now, who would you give the MVP to? Like, because like it seems to me everyone's giving it to Joel Embiid, right? Yeah. I just read. I now I just read Giannis's stats versus Embiid's stats. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a fatigue thing. Honestly, yeah. it becomes a fatigue. That's like, oh yeah, Giannis a couple years ago, but yeah. he doesn't. Uh, you know, it's not like anything crazier than what it was before. But and that's yeah, you know, that's just. What he's doing, like he scored fifty points last night on twenty-one shots. He's always going to be so much more efficient. <laughs> it's, just, too. it's just crazy he, to be. He is. He like, is really good. I was. And this guy just like, and it, I think it goes back to like, I don't know if the media is upset because he elected to stay in the small market in Milwaukee, but this guy doesn't get the same amount of respect as like these other guys in the league do. He's done. What did he do last year? Last year he won the um. Defensive MVP, the finals MVP in his career. Defensive MVP, um, all-star MVP, regular season MVP, and finals MVP. That's Hakeem, Jordan, and Giannis. That's it. Those are the only three people that have done that. It, it um, ends up, it's, it's like a total what's new. People that have won two MVPs and a finals MVP, there's 12 people that have done that ever. One of them's Giannis. Like, this guy is on the trend, like, I don't want to say, like, you know what I mean? Like he's on the path of having like one of the best careers ever and nobody's talking about it at all. You know what I mean? You have Dwayne Wade going on and saying how 
Anthony Davis is better. It's just mind-boggling to me. See, that's a that was a still like I don't get doesn't and that bothers me because you Dwayne Wade could have said it in a way better way and just been like, well, Anthony Davis is like a more skilled player, but Giannis is better. Like Anthony Davis can do a little like when you look at some of he's sort of like a more complete player because he can and but the problem is Anthony Davis is Perimeter game has completely fallen off Like the thing like he was never like a Like a marksman of a three-point shooter but he Was just able to do a little bit More his mid-range game and his deep Like you can I can understand where Wade would be going or where people would be Going to say like overall And hey like up until Giannis Won last year we hadn't seen Giannis do it at the highest levels yet And then what he did last year Had to absolutely put him at the Top it's just because people Got Voted him he's MVP crazy. a couple years in a row, and it's like he's just not flashy. Is yeah, as flashy. He plays, he plays in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Doesn't play like in a big market. Doesn't talk and a lot I mean, of trash. Doesn't wear the stuff before the games. You know. Doesn't wear the stuff like his post. His his Twitter post game. He's not like Embiid and posting little memes, making cracks at Simmons. He's posting dad jokes of why the chicken crossed the road on his Twitter handle. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just a completely different thing. That for whatever reason, people just don't gravitate to. And like what this guy's having, because I like to appreciate like what Brady's taught us, because we're assuming he's done, is you don't really appreciate greatness until it's gone. And we're in the midst of seeing one of the all time greats, kind of like LeBron. Yeah, people, years ago. people are going to crap. Just take it for yeah. granted. Yeah, they do. And people are, I was going to say, it's it feels a lot like how it was with LeBron for a while, too, because you just sort of get. Like, oh, you you forget about him because it's like, oh, wow, look at Embiid's numbers are kind of gaudy and he's doing this and Simmons isn't even there, you know, so that becomes a narrative. And it's like, oh, Jok- Jokic, you know, he's doing this with with missing players, you know, so the narratives with yeah. with the awards and the narratives get built into like the, the national coverage all the time. But they're the, like they're the most likely winner of the of the NBA finals again this year. I just like I told you, I still think they're the most likely winner. I think I would have They're getting healthier now and they've been looking a lot better I, I would have liked to see a little more From them and I still have some concerns When when the game short Like slows down for them As long as Giannis just leans Into what he was doing last year Which I think he will and just say like F it I'm going to go at you every time and You're going to have to stop me at the rim When he tries to do some of the things that You know when he tries like a football coach when he tries to get too cute And he tries to continue to force some of the shots That aren't there like some nights he'll have That shot keep then take it that's fine If it's not there don't get cute go to the rim. Just go they go can't on. they can't stop but I mean you. like right now in terms of big picture Like the thing that's killing the bucks Is they just have no guard depth Like right now the depth on their guard Insanely lacking so like Um the guy they're, from the Nets I'm spacing out they're trying to sign him They may try to, try to sign Drodic Yeah I was gonna say there's what, there's been some rumors out. Of they like a buyout guys Yeah they definitely need to add someone at the guard position Because how their backcourt is Right now because Connington's out now As well they just don't have enough depth In the backcourt to really compete Right now with anybody okay, the, One of the top tier teams Um Real quick one of the team I'm sorry I don't mean to blabber um, No keep going Yeah, One of the teams that has honestly and i'll give this team credit like i wasn't that high on them this year and they are doing better than i thought they would uh the minnesota timberwolves i mean they're 31 and 27 seventh seed right now um in the um in the west five games up on the lakers 
who are in the ninth spot. For them to get in the playoffs and avoid the playing game, I think would be great. Anthony Edwards is really showing me something with mm-hmm. him getting to the bet. He's a stud. And also, he's not backing down. Like Butler He did this had, last year. He yeah, did this last well, year against LeBron a couple times. Like, he's got a... got in his face, and he didn't back down. He went right in his face. And for me, that's a big thing. You don't want to show anyone in the basketball court that intimidation that you're scared of them. That was great. Um, Morant, I mean, what he's doing in Memphis and Ever Bain Incredible. was ba- great. I love seeing what's going on uh, with them. And I will, the Kings, I have no idea what the hell they're doing. Um, oh, yeah, they made that trade, move. Let's just worth, yeah. let's just mention it. They traded, they traded Halliburton. So who is someone who people were really high on They end up trading Bagley also Which is crazy to think about where they where they pick Bagley But they trade they end up trading Halliburton Healed and Tristan Thompson They get back Sabonis, Lamb, Justin Holiday And a protected 2020 That was sort of like the other big trade that You mentioned Bagley goes to the Pistons And another one, Clippers get Hood and uh, Semi Ojale, the Kings got DiVincenzo That could hurt the Bucks too um, Yeah, they did... because of losing that guard Like They have no mm-hmm. real guard depth right now Um I don't know. They if get back at Baca. And um, Sabonis and maybe Sabonis and Fox have some sort of relationship. But the fact of the matter is, you had Halliburton for five more years and he wanted to be there. To move on from him, I don't know. Like, <sighs> and I don't know. Like, if he develops into something, it's a bad move. If he doesn't, it's a good move. Mm-hmm. So that's the hard thing. Um, another thing, and at first, I didn't understand what the Blazers were doing, but now I kind of think I do. Um, they free up, fred up, fred up, freed up a lot of cap room with the trades that they made. Um, Simmons has developed very nicely. Someone they can play alongside mm-hmm. Lillard. You let Lillard sit out. There's some dudes in this draft. You know, you tank, you try to get a good draft pick. So I kind of like after they, like sitting back on it. I agree. I kind of like what the Blazers were doing when it was happening. I didn't like it, but after kind of sitting back and looking at it, now I you, like it. Um, You're not going in all this year. You're you get rid of McCollum because the McCollum Dame stuff was never going to work. It had a ceiling. Those guys were never going to get higher than like a second round, maybe conference finals at the most. And now you, Josh Hart is a as an NBA rotation player on a good team. He yep. is a good player that can play defense for you, hit shots. He can defend multiple positions. Like you got, he's got a spot. He's like your second guy off the bench. You know, or or can start if you you know if you need a, a like spot start guy, and then Alexander Walker you take a flyer on. So, and, and then you hit on the the Cavaliers one earlier. They picked up Lavert. That's a nice yeah, move for them. Great for them, which because he can get to the rim, and that's someone that can take pressure off of off of Garland. Um, Pelicans are a complete dumpster fire. Uh, Zion has to have a second surgery. Uh, I do think adding CJ is good because it is a little veteran that could kind of help some of those young guys, but they're they're in a tough spot, especially with all the news that came out about last year with JJ Redick and the um, Griffin oh and God, the ownership Griffin. and stuff. Yep. Yeah. Like and who wants GM. to go over there now, you know, and go play there. So bad and with Zion. And yeah, your, your boys, uh, Shelburne, the, the Ramona, was that her name? Ramona Shelburne. She tweeted out how the Lakers had a pick on the table, not to move a first round pick. Like a trade and they wouldn't have to give up a first round pick And then I read some report that There was a trade but it fell apart In the ninth hour 
that was going to send Kristen Wood and John Wall to the Lakers. Did you hear that? I know, and that would have been I would have loved that for they would have gotten rid of Westbrook. It was going to be Westbrook and I think THT for Wood and Wall and Wood. Like I like Wood and Wall at least. Wall, you have somebody. He he, Wall is a better fit than Westbrook because Wall can shoot the three better. Like he can at least shoot it. So and he'll. Yeah, and he he knows his role more too, right? Transition, yeah. Yes, he like he understands it, and I think he'd be so hungry just to play. I know in a spot like that again to be like next to LeBron and AD. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I would have loved that. Now who, they're stuck. Who backed out? I think it was the other side. I think it was because uh-huh. I think it was Houston. Just like ah, we don't want Westbrook again. You know, yeah, like which it, which which makes sense. And I don't know, like I mean, don't get me wrong. There was a time when this guy was just a pit bull, mm-hmm. but. Like, I don't know what team would want him right now. Me neither. It's got to. It have to be a bad team that would want. I mean, the, the one that keeps coming to mind is the Knicks because it feels like a Nicky thing, especially because of how bad they were this year. But mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah, it's a bad. I mean, we. I'm the biggest Laker fan in the world, and I, I. I don't think I one time ever had a positive conversation with you about this fit. I just we just knew it was never going to work from the very beginning. So it's nothing, and it's such a bummer for the Lakers because. If the the like you look around the West this year, if the Lakers just kept the same exact team they had from last year and rolled it back, they would at worst be in like the third or fourth spot right now. At worst, yeah, exactly. And, and and they would have a legitimate shot to go out there with their two stars and then a bunch of really good role players. And now, unfortunately, they've got two stars and then a bunch of veteran minimum guys. That yeah. that's their team. And Westbrook is an is a minus. And now they're going to have to stick this out. They're going to have to end up getting in like a play-in game, most likely, where it's just going to end up like that's how their their year should end. They should be in a play-in game and just lose, and like that should be the reason. Because this is blame for, and and we're just finishing up here. I know you uh, you got to go in a minute. Where this is blame for, like I blame Westbrook because Westbrook's played poorly in his games, but I don't even blame him as much as I blame LeBron, Genie, and Rob. The three of them. Yeah. Signed off on this deal they well, three LeBron of, and AD want to play with them Yeah they were the ones that wanted to play with him So they looked yeah. around and they were like Oh yeah let's go get Westbrook when You know what would have been better right now KCP, Kuzma, Caruso Like Buddy Heald <laughs> Those yeah, four guys for Buddy. Buddy would have fitted perfectly with what you guys are trying to do Perfect right? it would have been awesome He's a yep. And now unfortunately they're in a spot where Anytime LeBron and AD are on the court And playing well they have a chance to win a game but they don't have a chance to win a series against any good teams. They got against a good, good team. Like the matchup against the Warriors is kind of funny. They played them the other day, and they actually the Lakers played maybe one of their best games all year after the trade deadline. And so that that matchup is a little interesting. But yeah, just a. I mean, you're lo- looking at it right now. How like I mean, because right now Lakers are in ninth. Trailblazers are in tenth. And the only reason why they're okay there is because the Trailblazers are going to drop. They're not yeah, going to drop, but I mean, like who, I mean, the Spurs are kind of, I don't even know what the hell they're doing. The like, Spurs, Kings and Pelicans all could, could play, all. you know what I mean? They, they have reasons to keep playing. They all made moves to try to get into the, the play-in games. So, I mean, I, I think the Lakers will probably finish the Clippers. Unfortunately, they're probably going to start to drop too. They got a really tough schedule coming up. And so I think the Lakers will probably finish eighth or ninth, which is just embarrassing. And it's a bummer because you just wasted a year of LeBron. 
You just wasted a year from this guy who doesn't have yeah. many left. And LeBron has had some points of this year. Where he's been so good, so good at this age, still fantastic. And then you, j- it's like ah, oh, they just wasted it. They wasted it. You're never gonna waste your time when you uh, tune in to, to Eric and uh, myself here talking NBA. As we will be doing each and every week with you now Moving forward, Eric, I know uh, We're just uh, finishing up right now And uh, we gotta run, but give a, give me your plugs What's uh, what's coming up on the podcast for the week And where can we find you? Oh my god, uh, this week My boy Brandon, who's a professional iRacer, I mean He knows most of the NASCAR guys NASCAR season started up, Brandon and I talk NASCAR, we hit our first NASCAR event At the Clash a couple weeks ago, Daytona 500 um, So that's gonna come on it's Mainly going to be a shorter podcast this week because uh, I'm going to be at my nephew's because it's his birthday. Uh, Chase and I do the cocktail hour every Tuesday, uh, which is him and I just talking sports and kind of shooting the shit, telling stories. Last last night I told the story how I almost genuine the R&B singer almost killed me one night in Los Angeles by mistake. Um, Hell yeah. And, yeah, was it I mean, was it my was genuine? Was that him? My whole life or who which one was, yeah, genuine? That was genuine? That's it. That was genuine. Since like, you came uh, in, I knew back then you Oh, was, that's a jab. That's <laughs> that's funny. That's I, funny. Genuine, yeah. I was uh out uh in Los Angeles, same time as the Soul Train Awards. He almost ran me over in his car when he was bumping his own song, same old G. That is so yeah. funny. And then he invited me and my buddy into Jermaine Dupree's after party after the Soul Train Awards, which is a whole different story of this shit that happened there. So, yeah, uh, we kind of shit like that. Um, and then I'm on Cutting Nets. I'm not going to be there this weekend, but I'll usually I'll be there every Saturday and with you every Thursday. Eric, buddy, thank you so much. I hope you have a great rest of your week and uh, watch out for Genuine on the streets out there. I will, man. I, ever <laughs> since that day, I have. Uh, your whole life has changed It really has ever since yeah. that day <laughs> Okay uh, Eric Have a great one and uh, don't go anywhere folks Still have a lot more to come on that's what she said racing fans many of us have been using the drf the daily racing form for years studying the races keeping up to date on news with all the articles i remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack wherever i was going now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use drf with drf.com and the newly optimized drf mobile you can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to drf.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic past performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And 
any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances. You get an interactive format, which is very similar to the DRF classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering, multiple formats to view. You got the overview page with recent speed figures, current day's odds, easy access to expert selections and analysis. You got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse. And you got those traditional DRF pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones. They are constantly upgrading, improving, and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at DRF.com. Better. You want to spread your pony knowledge by. Download the Stable Duel app and play today. Big contest all weekend long with Stable Duel. Like on Thursday, the throwdown with Turk at Gulfstream Park, 10 bucks to enter. Gulfstream also has a $100 double up. There's a $25 game at Charlestown and then a free ride on Thursday at Sam Houston. You want to get a little action but you don't have a ton of money? Check out the Sam Houston free game on Thursday. Then on Friday, Gulfstream Park with a couple different options. They've got a $5 double up. Or 150, or they got a $150 double up or a $5 game, $1,500 in prizes, a, a three limit entry on that one. Santa Anita with a $75 top five game, and Sam Houston with a $40 4000 game on Saturday. Gulfstream, Santa Anita, and Tampa, all with big game options for you. At Santa Anita, there's a $100, $15,000 game. And then on Sunday, Gulfstream, Golden Gate, and Santa Anita. All options for your stable dual games this weekend. Let's get over to Santa Anita for Friday. Let's talk a little bit about the early pick five at Santa Anita on Friday. So get the past performances out. We're looking at February the 18th. We're going to start with race number one. $25,000 claimers a mile on the turf course there. The one Zabava comes out of a good race. I like that Bye Bye Birdie race that we've seen Bye Bye Birdie come back and win. Now, uh, Bye Bye Birdie actually beat a new piece back on January the 17th there. And a new piece looks like a major pace factor to me in here. Sugary looks like the one to beat. I'll use those three. One, two, and five in race number one at Santa Anita. In the second race, I'm looking for stalkers. And I'm not talking about like creepy people that you have to get a restraining order against. I'm talking about horses that can just kind of sit off the pace a little bit. Like the 5 too late and the 7 Dream Robber. Now, Dream Robber has only shown speed, but I think because he's drawn towards the outside, that should let him sit. And I, I sort of feel the same with too late because the inside horses all maybe a little bit quicker than him. That should end up putting too late in a spot where he can kind of sit off a little bit. And maybe now is the first time gelding, they can relax a, a little. So I'll use 5 
7 The 2 Quantum Quest of the Speeds I think is the best of them So I will in, uh, include those 3 I'm going to go two, five, seven in race number 2 In that early pick 5 at Santa Anita on Friday Moving along to race number 3 This race I had a Sort of a difficult time with The 2 is the one to beat No doubt Cosmo I do think the 5 Swiss Woo Stretching out We played this horse last time and at 23-1 to one, He finished 2nd and he ran really well And I think the the plan for him has got to be send hard on the stretch out. So we'll use the two, the five, me, B, Bubba T, the three. Also going to jump in uh, on some of our tickets coming off that pretty good turf form when you sneak into it. And then we'll be using the four, four, Bender, also going to be on the ticket. So I'll be going two, three, four, and five in race number three. I'm also going to spread out a little bit in race number four because I'm going to have a single that comes in race number five. In the fourth, I'll use the two. Warren's Queen B blinkers off as uh, Warren's Queen B will now drop in class and will go second start off the bench. Sweet California didn't have the best of, of trips in the debut. Admiral Ashbeck is the one to catch. And the so that's two, three, four. Then towards the outside, the six, the first timer, Princess Alexis, is actually my top selection here for uh, a sneaky good barn with young horses. The Palma barn doesn't get the kind of stock that others do, but they get them ready to fire early on. And we'll use the seven Roman Empress, another one who's dropping in from the Calbred Maiden Specials to the Calbred Maiden 50s. The blinks go on there. She wouldn't have to improve a whole lot to, to beat this group, and she's got some recent races and, uh, and some seasoning. Two, three, four, six, seven. It'll all come down to the single for me, Song of Fire, who now comes into the John Sadler barn, comes down from Golden Gate, and gets back to the grass. This is a soft spot. This looks like a wind type spot for Song of Fire, who should be forwardly placed in here, maybe sitting third or fourth in this race. Uh, the two right to the inside might be a little quicker, and that puts Song of Fire in a great spot. So we'll single the four. Song of Fire, one, two, five, with two, five, seven, with two, three, four, five, two, three, four, six, seven, single the four on the back end there. That's the early pick five for Friday over at Santa Anita. Good luck Friday at Santa Anita. So I will post a video with some plays for Saturday. Santa Anita also, as I'm recording this on Wednesday, the races for Santa Anita hadn't, hadn't even come out yet. Um, so we'll, we'll have a, a video for you. Probably Friday for Saturday stuff for Santa Anita. So I'll, I'll post some stuff over the weekend. That way you can all have uh, have stuff the night before or the morning of with the with the DRF past performances, and we'll uh, we'll do some digging into uh, into those. Next up, we head on over and start talking some Sam Houston for Saturday. Martha Clausen joins me. We're gonna do a, a little primer for Saturday. We do a preview of the five stakes. We talk about the big day on Saturday, Texas Preview Day. Martha Clausen hangs out. We go about 40 minutes or so previewing the Saturday card. Following that conversation, I will dive into the card and share my selections. It is a big night of racing coming up at my favorite racetrack to bet. You hear me talking Sam Houston. We've handicapped every Sam Houston thoroughbred race so far through the meet here on That's What G Said. And for the first time, I'm going to be making a trip live and on site to Sam Houston. I'll be there on Friday and Saturday, and I'll get to hang out on Saturday for the first time with Martha Clausen, who you've heard on this show many times. Martha joins me to help preview the big one. So, Martha, I'm super pumped. I'm really excited. I'll finally get to, to make the trip on out there and, uh, and get to take in some of that great racing live and to hang out with you. 
Well, we we so appreciate your enthusiasm for racing and your support of Sam Houston Race Park and all the great things you point out about us. You know, it's funny. They're so competitive in racing, trying to get people's attention. And But one thing, you know, with, with the reduced uh, takeout and uh, the good fields and, you know, the nice purses that we have this mm-hmm. year. It's nice that people are following us. We we our post times change all the time, so we need people like you to say, "Hey, don't forget, Sam Houston's racing." First post coming up, yeah, <laughs> exactly. No, I'm so looking forward to seeing you, and I know we're gonna have a great weekend. So Texas Preview Night, which is the 19th, is a really cool day because it's like a big prep day for the March 26th Texas Champions Day. So we're going to get. Familiar with a lot of these horses this weekend that are going to be pointing for the big big race coming up in just over a month This weekend we have five stakes on Saturday all of them worth 75,000 each as nice little stepping stones for the hundred thousand dollar ones that come up next month Yes, that's exactly right. And there's one little caveat that I'll point out. It's kind of tricky and it won't happen in all the races, but a couple of the earlier races that are, um, you know, sponsored by uh, Texas uh, Thoroughbred Association, they've actually put an addendum in that if you're sired by mm-hmm. one of the stallions that's part of that program, you can race even though you're not Texas bred. But when it comes to t- Texas Champions Day on March 26th, they all have to be Texas bred. So it's kind of just a little interesting twist and we'll make sure on Saturday. Night, we explain when I do the interviews. I always kind of ask what's the next step. And some of them, we had a really nice filly last year that won everything. But she star of the come. north, right? Yes, thank yeah. you. Yeah, because <laughs> even though she was she was part of it, she was sired by uh, the Hulk who's standing in Texas, but she was foaled in another state. And s- same with Pinky Ring Bling. Uh, I think that horse is a uh, Oklahoma bred. bred. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you won't be able to see him next, but you know, we'll definitely talk about where he's going to go if he wins. But anyway, it's just a little different in the terminology and you know gino all the handicapping you do you have to read the race conditions, conditions. oh yeah i think it's pretty creative that they're doing that and they're giving these horses an opportunity to run in texas and you know for the um purse money but not all of them all of the winners or first second place may not be able to advance to texas champions day but nonetheless just a little caveat there that's cool and so there are five stakes races mm-hmm. on the card for right. saturday and nine race card on Saturday and the first of those stakes races Martha is the Jim's orbit what a cool horse he was Texas bred multiple graded stakes winner he ran in the derby he right. won the grade <laughs> three derby trial he won the grade right. two Ohio derby he was yeah. in the champagne the Louisiana derby he uh, he was in some huge races and it's kind of cool that um, these all these races that we're talking about have been renamed. Well, several of them have been renamed to honor a legendary tech, uh, Texas horse from the past. Because, you know, we didn't even have paramutual racing in Texas until 1994. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when you go back at some of these other tracks and you see, you know, in Kentucky or New York or California, and they, you know, they've been racing for, uh, you know, even Louisiana uh, with uh, the Super Derby. It was like over 100 editions of it. So it's kind of cool that we're noting some horses. That may not have gotten, you know, uh, put Texas on the map when they started running, but that's just because of the way it was at the time. Pinky Ring Bling is the yep. is the horse to beat in here. He won right. the the prep kind of for this. He won the the Texas Stallion yes. a couple weeks back on the well, that was uh, Jan in January, January the twentieth. So he's Correct. the horse who's the heavy heavy favorite in here. He defeated. Uh, Grammy's boy Grammy's boy put up a good fight On on January the 20th They turned for home kind of locked up together And then pinky ring bling I think the class kind of 
wore wore down a little bit there. And Ronnie Cravens is the trainer, and uh, Jimenez uh, uh, Valdez has just been fantastic. Oh, um, I love he, him. I'm, he's so underrated know. and just kind of like <laughs> under the radar, right? Because yeah. he doesn't get bet like the top jocks do around. Right. So a lot of his horses aren't going to be. Short price favorites but he's A real quality rider on both Dirt and turf yeah we'll talk About him when we go into the H town talk About Mr. Moneybags but you know Originally and he's very calm Quiet and very modest uh, Gentleman Ernesto he's a Sweet sweet guy and you know he started out Kind of riding Arabians and so Nobody Mm -hmm. really thought gave him a chance to ride Thoroughbreds uh, but a couple people Did and they were very well Rewarded to me he's a speed rider If he gets a horse clear in the front Oh my gosh and he's Mm -hmm. brought home some long shots So it's nice of you to recognize him As an underrated rider you know I really I'm 100% In in agreement with that And Pinky Ring Bling is a very Interesting horse because he started out In Texas and then he ran an open company in that Kip mm-hmm. DeVille uh, in Remington. That was a little bit tough for him, but he still hit the board. So he was ready. I mean, they were all pretty much primed and obviously it was a heavy choice and he's going to be two to five on um, on Saturday as well. But I like the other horse that you mentioned, Grammy's boy, Mindy Willis. I was in the winner's circle afterwards and she said he ran pretty well off that he layoff because he, yeah. had, he hadn't run until uh, since last uh, September and he's a good looking uh, gelding, real good looking gelding. So, you know, that'll be an interesting race. I mean, obviously, um, you probably want to go a little deeper in some of the other legs, but mm-hmm. still, I think Ronnie's super impressed. He's got a great ownership group, Gino, called Lone Star Racing Club. Ronnie and his wife, they really wanted to make, you know, ownership a little more affordable. So they kind of sold shares to some of these guys. They're real modest guys. They don't, you know, they don't have a huge amount of money to spend, but they actually chipped in and bought this horse for $5,000. And as you can see, he's already, um, you know, quadrupled that. I mean, he's made... Uh, uh, you get the black type. Already. You're a stakes yeah. winner now. Like yeah, that's really cool. Exactly. That's that's what yeah. horse racing because there's so many more tracks day in and day out that this is the story, right? right. Not the <laughs> million dollar things that we kind of see in the headlines all the time. Like yeah, this is exactly. how the tracks are day in day out, where you have groups of people, a couple friends coming together. Hey, let's let's get this course. We got this course for four thousand, five thousand. You know, we we joke a lot at Lo, Lo Sal here in Southern California. A lot of people. That's where it's affordable for lower right. level owners to claim horses for five thousand, or and then they can go run them back at Lo Sal at night. So really cool to see the Lone yeah. Star Racing Club stakes placed with Pinky Ring Bling. He's the heavy favorite in the Jim's Orbit, which will go as race number two on Saturday night. So. And uh, just from, I'm sure from a hunch play perspective With Tom Brady and the retirement news There'll be a few people jumping on Chief Brady Towards the outside there (laughs) Yeah, I don't think there's any relation Although one of the newscasters in Houston Did email me, does Tom Brady Have any ownership in them? (laughs) Not that I'm aware of (laughs) (laughs) Let's move along To our next stakes race and talk a little bit About the fourth race, which was the Two Altizano Another awesome Texas bred here This guy was a nine-time winner Or this gal was a nine-time winner Six stakes, four graded stakes wins She won the grade three fantasy uh, The grade two fantasy The grade three Fairgrounds Oaks The grade one Coaching Club of America Oaks The grade two Monmouth Oaks And she won the Sam Houston Oaks So shout out to a, a very, very nice one uh, Nice lady who this, uh, this race is named after 
Yeah, beautiful mayor. And at the time, Mr. Goodman, who was, you know, really, really uh, involved in Texas racing and breeding, and Michael Stidham trained to Altizano. And it was very, very interesting when he also, you know, picked up a lot of the horses for Stonerside Stable because Bob, the late Bob McNair had a big interest not only in Kentucky, but he had a good operation in Houston. And I remember talking to Mike about to Altizano and he just, a smile just lit up his face. I mean, she was mm-hmm. very, very gifted. So it's nice to see again a race named in her honor because she was pretty special you know and i think the race will probably be a little bit more wide open i mean we had a two to five morning line favorite in the other texas thunder beat a lot of these in that texas stallion on january the 20th and he was she was really impressive in doing that she went gate to wire that day The, the horse to that they'll probably have to beat the most proven is eagle express who is another who's been You know, this is a nice Texas bred, but this is a horse who's been in some really tough open races. Yeah, I mean, you see a a filly running in the grade three Schuylerville at Saratoga. You better look out, you know, Mm -hmm. and I don't really know if they had any excuse for her last, uh, you know, finishing off the board in the last couple ones. But you never, you know me, you never count out uh, Steve Asmussen. He's just so terrific. He's second in the standings right now behind Carl Broberg and you know he really likes this this the her sire Eagle is a first crop sire in Texas don't have a whole lot of information about Eagle but obviously you know to produce a stakes placed uh, filly like this first out is impressive that particular race you know Texas Thunder was kind of uh, you know had a couple on the board finishes and then just came into that race on the January 20th just it set up perfectly for her and again you got Ernesto getting her to the front um, Carl Moore who's been a very prominent Texas owner uh, a lot of times raced uh, ran with Brett Calhoun but now he's got Karen Jacks Karen's a very good horsewoman and uh, what she told me in the winter circle she said we knew he was uh, she was sitting on a good race she just needed to get a little more comfortable she likes a firm track I think she'd run a little bit when it wasn't as firm and she just wasn't as comfortable she liked the surface Ernesto sent her to the front and boy did she respond and big price 28 to 1 she surprised a lot of people that day mm-hmm. yeah she's <laughs> the one that they'll have to try to catch again in here but right. uh, it, it is it's a fun race yeah you can have i'm a lucky charm who was good on the turf we'll see if they show right. up here i know she's entered in another race uh i think tomorrow or we're recording on wednesday i think on thursday and then jan's turn to win talk about connections that just win tons of races oh together caldwell and luzzy i mean they just right. all continue to be taking their picture Right, and really turning the the um, corner at the right time. Again, these are three-year-old fillies. A lot of them don't have a lot of experience. And, you know, I always like to see Danny Pish, who's got a couple starters in there. Danny Pish is, um, or, you know, at least one. He's got the Faster. Uh, Danny is really underrated. I love Danny mm-hmm. because he's very modest, too. And I remember usually on Texas Champions Day, I mean, he never goes without winning a stakes on Texas Champions Day, but sometimes it's with a little bit of a surprise. And I'll kid him. I said, what's, what's the deal here, Danny? You've got some favorites but what do you really think he said texas champions day is the day that some of my horses step up and even surprise me <laughs> nice <And laughs> yeah he's so, a fun guy so, so I just think to- right i mean yeah, even though you're, um, you know, obviously we're on to the top two that are definitely going to be prominent. I think there could be a little bit of a surprise. And keep in mind, Texas Thunder was a huge surprise when she ran in the Darby's Daughter on January 20th. So this race could be real interesting. Uh, Karen Jacks also has that I'm a lucky charm who um, is uh, fairly lightly raced, but just broke the maiden. You know, that's one handicapping angle maybe never, not everybody talks about when you break the maiden and you move up. 
a lot of people will tend to think, well, no, no, you need a little more experience. But these are, you know, to get black type and to come step Mm -hmm. up when you know the track surface and you're comfortable and it's not a huge field. You're not battling 12 or 13 horses. I wouldn't leave out. I'm a lucky charm either. And just to give a a little mention, because we were talking about Danny Pish. I'm going to talk in the second race, which we just talked in the gym's orbit. I think yeah. the first time starter he has is a little bit sneaky in there. And so when we talk on Saturday night, I'm going to give some endorsements for Valdina good. Dreams, who yep. actually has some pretty good Texas bred breeding. This is a half to Gishi Sparkles, who won the first two of her career. And Gishi Sparkles was a Texas bred stakes winner, too. So um, I'll get into Valdina Dreams, and maybe that'll be the surprise on yeah. uh, the Saturday <laughs> card for Danny well, Pish at 20 to 1 on the morning line there. There you go. Well, you know, when you got a bunch of exotic wagers that we offered, good, you know, always throw in a long shot in that. Could be oh, yeah. Cool. We had last week we had a $71 turf winner who was really, who really spiced up the exotics. And, uh, you know, uh, it was kind of interesting because everybody was talking about English Channel, but they forgot about Dynaformer. Mm-hmm. Don't forget about Dynaformer when you're handicapping turf races, people. That horse is good. And then $71 horse, that was pretty exciting. Anyway, but uh, yeah, it's going to be a great race. Uh, I like the two Altus. I think that could really be exciting in, in uh, uh, producing maybe a little bit of a price that we can carry on and get some money in those exotic plays that we're going to have. Another cool race with some really familiar names coming up in the fifth race. It's the Houston Turf, and the mm-hmm. conversation has to start with Sunlit Song, who has just been so good over the last couple of years. This is a 12-time winner, and this is a horse who was a five-time winner last year, just continues to show up and it's it's surprising when he's not right there on the wire. He's so right. good. It, it, it's like, what? What happened? Why wasn't he right there? Why didn't he win her? And last time, it was just because he was a little bit wide. I mean, yeah. he just had a really wide trip all the way around, and he still kept trying. It was a race where he had every right to just get a little tired and back up, but he's just a cool horse right now. And now he's at, at seven years old. This is right. we got some. Older hard knockers here we got our, our buddy Mujab who we know is going to be coming from the back He likes to sit back and make one late run He's up to eight now this, that's last year's Winner of this race yeah that's right last year's winner And last year was a really interesting race For those horses because they were also competing Against Redditory who was a former uh, Texas Thoroughbred Association Horse of the Year Alan Dupie trained him Dupie was a, a rider a rider Back when Sam Houston opened now he's training But it was interesting because they've had a great Rivalry and Mindy you know Mindy's Funny she said I don't know back on saying what what I don't like or what I love Mindy. She's a coo- she's a hook. But um she basically felt like the horse went she says here's her exact quote. I'm not sure I put it in my notes because I put another quote in there, but she said, you can go wide when you're running a one-turn race, but you can't go wide in two turns. You're going to give up too much ground. And so she felt that, um, you know, that was just, uh, you know, not the best trip for Sunlit Song, but she's super excited that she gets Stuart Elliott. You Mm -hmm. know, Stuart, you know, rider of, um, you know, uh, Smarty Jones and such a cool, calm, collected guy. Everybody loves him, but he rides first call for for, uh, Steve. But Steve, you know, they have an understanding if he's off, if Steve doesn't have a horse, he can pick up other mounts and Mindy and him have done extremely well together so she's very very confident that Sunlit Song is going to have a good trip uh, with Stuart you know in the saddle and uh, that could be really good Mujab you know he was a surprise last year obviously but Mm -hmm. he's been you know he's a good good well-bred turf horse and he you know I don't know why he was such a surprise because he's never 
ever really been out of the money and he runs really well at Sam Houston. But, um, you know, that that's going to be interesting to see. Dustin is another one. Uh, Sarah Delaney. Uh, I don't know if are you for that from familiar with Sarah. She's a really, really nice not lady. Not much. Yeah, not yeah, too no, much. She's um, she's a good horsewoman. She a lot more maybe in Louisiana, but she's had some nice Texas horses. Uh, some, some of her stakes horses go back and forth between Texas and Louisiana. But Dustin could be a little bit of a surprise. And you look just came off a. Of, um, one mile prep and it, mm-hmm. I don't think it was on the turf, but it was a one mile prep. Um, the dam one on the grass too, and is multiple right. stakes play. So there could be a little right. turf. And you know what, Martha, there, if you're looking for horses in this race to include, that might right. be some price horses. There's not that much speed, early speed. Right. It looks like on right. paper. So maybe a horse yeah. like dust them at least underneath can get out front. I thought the one even men of Kyle who has been going five furlongs recently, the race that I kind of like to look at was that one in the assault last year at Lone Star. That was a, a Texas bred stakes. He was look at how tough that group was. He was behind Can I Bob, Mr. Moneybags, who we're going to talk right. about in just a little bit, and Sunlit Song was fifth. And the one men of Kyle was not that far behind Sunlit Song in that race right. and had a yeah. really kind of wide, tough trip. Maybe because they get the rail. I would absolutely use that horse underneath in some, you know, exact as try supers. But anyone who wants to win this race, they're going to need their A game to beat Sunlit Song. Yeah, I, I think I think this the preps for with Sunlit Song. I think he's just coming into it in the right in yeah. the right uh, form, and it's going to be fun. But you know, the horse on the outside. I thought you were going to talk about the horse on the outside. Yeah, uh, who, who beat him last time? <laughs> Singapore. The, those connections Whoa. again, right? Caldwell yeah. and Luzzy. Yeah, and the five to, five to two. So obviously the lodge makers uh, think highly of him. You know, a little bit younger, six years old. But I'm going to tell you, he was a forty thousand dollar claim. Uh, and look who trained him when they claimed him was Michael Stidham. So yep. this horse is a really nice horse too. And we all know Lane Luzzy and like you said, Lane Luzzy and Jay Jared Caldwell are clicking like there's no tomorrow. You know, it's funny what you said. The rail. I I've never ever been that confident in turf horses on the rail. I just think a lot of other horses are trying to get out, you know, and it seems like there's traffic trouble. That's just, that's just my opinion. But I also know the Connolly turf course really well. And for the most part, it is the closers that come get them. It's really, it seems to just be a very, very, we got a nice long stretch and I can't even, I can only think of one Connolly turf cup that was one on the lead one and it's just you know, hard to get get there right it's hard to find <laughs> yeah. that wire with that long yeah. stretch and everyone yeah, exactly. bearing down on you and coming to you as you see the cavalcade and that's what i love about our turf course you see it so for that regard for me sunlit song but i tell you what singapore flash should not be left out of any and of Sing- the singapore flash was uh, if you'll notice in that race last year on March the 21st, that was the race that we're going to see on Texas Champions Day when he was right behind Sunlit Song and Mujab. They were one, yeah. two, three in that race exactly. in March. Yeah. yeah, it's really cool rivalry. And especially last year when you threw in Redatory, who's now been retired, Alan said he's retired. And he's just going to be a pleasure horse. So it's nice to see that, you know, Alan made that decision with him at the right time. You know, you just, you know, it's kind of tricky when you see the older horses, mm-hmm. but some of them, they don't want to stop. I've talked to some trainers and I said, well, how's the horse doing? Well, he's jumping out of his stall. We put him or someone will say, we actually took him home to the farm and he's miserable. <laughs> so well, they bring him back to the racetrack. I kind of like that part of it. I'll see you. I'll see you one uh, TTA horse of the year, Martha, and I'll raise you two in race number six. Because <laughs> <Okay. laughs> we go to the H town, we've yep. got a race where last year's uh, horse of the year or the 2019 TTA horse of the year was Mr. Moneybags, and we right. also have Direct Dial in here. 
so both tremendous horses i mean that the 2000 i think the latest uh horse of the year was a philly con lima that ended mm-hmm. up going up she to was New York. really nice against open company yeah she yeah, was real fabulous. good so we won't see you know this year but still they give divisional honors i mentioned quite a few of them in the in the press release but yeah direct dial oh my gosh you know steve asmussen oh my god he has so many horses but you know what's the coolest thing is when you get to know him and he has a love for some of them that will not go away. And mm-hmm. one of them that he loves with his heart, his total heart is direct dial. Uh, part of it because he's beautiful. You know, he's a gray, just strapping, strapping. Did you see the picture that I sent out? He's just mm-hmm. such a magnificent looking horse. And even Steve says, he's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. don't expect that from Steve. From, the, from someone who sees him so much, right? And it's yeah, like, you, yeah, you feel like you'd be used to it by now. Yeah, so many beautiful horses that he has, but also his affiliation with uh, Mr. Farish, who lives in Kentucky, but obviously is a is a Texan. And oh boy, you know, if, if Steve really, if you can really get him talking about how he got his start, it's all these Texas owners, you know, Mr. Farish and the Ackerley brothers and the Heilig Broads who still support him. And it's very meaningful to him. I mean, you, you wouldn't think that somebody who's won the amount of races that he's won going on 10,000 is uh, gets emotional about stuff sentimental he, starts talking, mm-hmm. he is he's sentimental when he talks oh he's probably gonna be mad if he hears me say that nah, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway direct dial you know you look at his recent form and oh you know maybe he hasn't done as much but he won this last year and easily and if he gets the right setup today and if there's you know some if he can get out and, and get a clear a clean trip um under stewart he's he can't be left out i don't yeah, think you know and those last two losses were against Thus, three losses were in open company. Two right. of them were against Greeley and Ben. The oh, other one, Empire of Gold, is a really nice, really fast right. horse, too. So right. no shame in, in those recent races. But let's talk about the one who finished right in front of him in, mm-hmm. uh, in the Stars and Stripes, who was second and ran a really good race that day, Mr. Moneybags. So he's earned – both these two horses now have earned up over $500,000. Mr. Moneybags is uh, coming up on 600000 soon. Yeah. Uh, just mm-hmm. a really cool horse who loves it at Sam Houston. Super cool horse, and just so many things to say about his connections. Uh, this is the horse that Rock, uh, you know, kind of gave Ernesto Valdez Jimenez the confidence to be able to consider more than an underrated rider, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm so grateful to the connections. You know, Mr. Cobb passed away last year, and Mike Netherland, Mr. Moneybag's trainer, passed away. Both of them, and in, in last year it was so tragic. Uh, to lose them. And, uh, but both of them had an opportunity to replace Ernesto, you know, when they sent the horse out of state and they did, they believed in him so much because he fits that horse so beautifully. He just, the horse likes to run in the front. Now this is seven furlongs, but I don't really care. I think he can do it, you know, and he ran a real good prep. Now who trains him right now is a really lovely young woman named uh, Jaylene uh, Clary, who is actually Mike Netherland's daughter. And she was Mike's assistant and very familiar with the horse. And so bless Mrs. Cobb, who's the widow of um, of the late uh, Roy Cobb. Uh, she wanted to keep the horse running and she entrusted Jalen to, to train. So I saw them after this race, you know, on our uh, Houston Racing Festival day. And both of them said he ran awesome and he's going to be ready for this. So it's going to be really fun to see them out there. And I hope, you know, sentimentally, <laughs> I hope. He wins, so we can yeah. honor these great people and this great horse. He's a, he's another gorgeous, gorgeous. You know how us women like the grays. Oh, we got two <laughs> magnificent-looking grays, so I can't pick between them. I love them both. But, uh, you know, it's a tremendously sentimental uh, 
a thing that they kept Mr. Moneybags training, that they kept him in the family. Um, Mr. Um, Cobb, Roy Cobb, was also the breeder of Kip DeVille. <laughs> and, and Kip wow. DeVille earned $3 million. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he was an exceptional horse. And Mr. Cobb had a stroke, but he would still come out to the races and he'd wear his Kip DeVille hat. And every time I'd look at him, I'd point to the hat and he'd get a big smile on his face. It's, it's really treasured connections, you know, personally for me. I love those people. That's Martha. That's some of the the main reasons why I love having you on the show here is because <laughs> everybody can read the names in the right. in the past performances, but they don't know those stories. Right. You don't well, you don't you get know. to hear those kind of things from you know if you're just handicapping the races and stuff. But th- that's the kind of stuff that you know from interacting with all these people through the years. So how could we not be rooting for for them, right? I mean, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. And let's hope that if they do win, you have maybe come out to the winner's circle with me and make a face so I don't get I too sentimental and start crying. I will. <laughs> because, absolutely. You know, they're just the sweetest, sweetest people. And it's it, tragic, you know, to lose two people in a racing family in one year, oh, it's it's almost too much. But they're so positive and they keep moving forward. So it's going to be one of my races that I'm most excited about. But I guess we can't leave out Can I Bob, can we? Right. The, the four horse in there. He can run on anything, any distance, too. <laughs> like he just shows up. And fires every time And what about Rye Eckleberry Well you know I thought it was Eckleberry but he's really pronounced Eckleberry but you know what about him He's the leading rider right now I mean Stuart Elliott first call for Asmussen a second But look at Rye riding so well Boy can he bring home those winners I think just the first was it set in the first few days and then it just the momentum didn't stop. Normally you'll yeah. you'll see something like that and you'll go, okay, they'll probably yeah. that was a lot of live horses, then they'll probably slow down a little bit. Nope. <laughs> Has not slowed yeah. down at all. Just no, kept... no. He and he does ride for top connections. I mean, he was funny. One of the last interviews I did with him, I, he started talking and I said, Well, so I forget how I brought it up, but he said, Well, when Mr. Broberg, this is funny, Mr. Broberg decided to give me the call to ride some of his horses <laughs> in Louisiana. And then I, I'm kind of laughing because I know Carl really well. Yeah, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Yeah, exactly. Not to most of us, but I guess to the general public. But anyway, uh, you know, Rye, he trusts Rye and he's given him a lot of confidence. And Rye was, uh, Rye's just really strong. My other funny story about Rye, this is a good one, is a f- several, oh God, maybe it was three or four years ago, I was out at, in Hobbs, New Mexico, in Zia for the Zia, was one of the races, the Zia Classic or Oaks or whatever. And uh, Michael Stidham sent in a Godolphin horse for the race and he and gave them out to Rye. And he won. I mean, it didn't even look like the horse was running. It looked like he was just on a, on a magic carpet over in the middle of New Mexico, just, <laughs> you know, torturing the rest of the field. And afterwards, you know, Rye, he was he was just blown away. But afterwards, I said to him, boy, that horse was amazing. He goes, I've never ridden a horse like that. And I had to call Mike Stidham afterwards and tell him because he sent an assistant. He was laughing. I mean, you're talking Godolphin in Hobbs, New Mexico. It's pretty funny. <laughs> well, you know, that's that's going to be a great race as well, Gino. And, and again, thanks for taking the time to talk about all the personalities and all the different storylines. And oh, that's, that's, that's me. What I just started a, a new, and I'm going to have to get a couple of um the riders to join me because I've just started for one of the the websites I work with. We're doing a Monday series of jockey interviews called Riders Up. Oh, and I love it's, it. It's yeah. great because for this reason, I mean, th- we never get to hear them interviewed or talk. Right. It's not even right. like other sports. I, if you hear one of the the riders talk, it's generally right before or right after a race for thirty seconds about the right. horse, right. and that's yeah. it. Yeah. So we got to talk with. I mean, I had Tyler Connor on a couple weeks ago, and then. 
We had William Anton Georgie. We're talking about their favorite musics, the motocross (laughs) they do, the pizza they eat, just all sorts of really cool stuff, like their favorite track to ride, what's the best horse they've been on, what's their schedule like, so you can know them on the track and off the track, and it – it's like I would get done with these conversations and be like, wow, I so I definitely have to get some of these riders from Sam Houston and in the Texas area on when I start doing these now on Mondays because I'd love to get just to get to know some of them so right. much more. We never get a chance to hear them talk and they have great stories. So um, they have we amazing get- stories. And anytime you need help with contacts, you let me know because that's the one thing. Some of them are shy and they need the experience with interviewing too. Because I've had a couple afterwards that are completely tongue tied. And you mm-hmm. know, uh, other sports like you know they have. They, look, you go and you win. Need the or reps. Lose. You know, you got to talk, you know, the football and all the major league sports and they have media people to try and help them. But in racing, it's like they fly by the seat of their pants. But some of them are super interesting and fun. And, you know, there's great storylines in Houston where you've got two father son. Well, two uh, second generation riders, Jansen Melanson, whose father, G Money, still riding mm-hmm. actively in Louisiana. And then Lane Lundsey, who's just making a terrific name for himself. And his dad, Mike, rides in the New York circuit. And I'm telling you, when Mike Lundsey wins a race. The first person to post is Lane. He's so proud of his dad, and uh, he will go after anybody that says anything contrary to him. And I'm getting ready to do a little feature on (laughs) Team Money and Jansen, but it's not going to be easy because they're so different. You can't imagine a father and son would be that different. But Team Money would be another good guy for your Yes, I love Team. I've uh, I've interacted with him a few times out at Delta (laughs) when I would make my trips out there uh, to Delta Downs for Jackpot Jackpot Uh, Day, and he was awesome. Yeah, he was great. One of my good friends. Would help G Money. Uh, my good friend Chad Cooper would do a lot of work with with G Money and just kind of oh, help him right. out, yeah. do some yeah. of his promotional and do some of his social media stuff. So awesome! Uh, yeah, that, that just can't wait to to get some of those great riders on and hear more about them as we get to our final of the five stakes races on the Saturday card in race number seven. It's the Miss Blue Bonnet Turf. They'll go a mile in here, and uh, I think the conversation should probably start with Bernie, who who. Yeah. Has been how'd you, really. How'd you know how to pronounce that name? Good for right? you. Right? Yeah, you did. I know. Yeah. I just listened to Nick Tamaro. You know, yeah, he yeah. called a sharp guy called the races there. So, well, I've heard it pronounced different things, and so before you know, I, I before we talked today, I looked it up. But you're right, Bernie is how it's pronounced. It's a little town in Texas, and uh, it was funny because when I talked to Robertino Diodoro, he said, "I don't know." You know, he didn't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but he sure knew that she's a nice quality mare, yeah. and he's super super excited about her her efforts in this one you know the again the stallion fed biz not that familiar but out of uh seeking the gold uh mayor so you know got some turf influence there but she's just really really sharp and boy her prep oh five length yeah. winner and it wasn't on the turf but it was the six furlong and that was a like good Sam group Houston. she yeah, beat it was an group. open company and right. her last four races they've all been an open company and you know you look last year all of the races that she has, you know, when she was in stakes, the, the more recent stakes races that we saw at Lone Star, she was second just behind Miss Perfecta, who's quality. Yeah. Before that, she beat Zerelda, who we'll see here lined up on the outside. Those races right. were actually on the, uh, th- those races were similar, going like seven and a half in a mile on the turf. She's quick. And she got the lead going six on the dirt last time out and right. was fast. Yeah. So <laughs> she's, she's going to be. Pretty tough to run down in here if she can see it through, you know, going the mile. No, definitely. He's very convinced because I asked him, I said, well, you know, could she come off the pace? And he said, well, she can. But that's not what we like her to do. She mm-hmm. like don't, um, you know, Rye won't fight her. If she goes to lead, he's going to let her run 
the the type of race that she likes to run. She's gonna. He said we're sending her to lead. That's our that's our tactic. So you're right. I mean, I kind of feel like some of these races set up a lot better for closers when you're going, you know, two turns on the turf. But I'll tell you what, she's a nice mare, and uh, she brings good con- connections, good credentials to the thing. You know, the horse that's breaking to her outside, she's our fastest, was just named as champion older mare by the Texas Thoroughbred Association. And uh, I don't know if you've had an opportunity to get to know Scott Gellner, but I got to know him pretty well in Louisiana. He does run quite a few in Texas. Gosh, what a nice man. What a great horseman. His son, JJ, helps him because uh, they're crisscross all over, you know, Texas and Louisiana. It's not easy shipping horses. No. Oh, my gosh. People don't understand that part of it. It's so difficult. But they work together as a team. And he got Stuart uh, to pilot this mare. She's super, super nice mare. Uh, seven mm-hmm. years old, but still winning. Look at all the money she's won. I mean, close to 500000 She's a good quality mare. She won a couple Texas bread stakes last year at Lone Star. So right. she's definitely capable of competing with groups like this. A fun one just to mention. She, I might play her next time on, on Champions Day is No uh-huh. Moss Tequila. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, like I, yeah. I want. I think this is probably going to be a good because they did. She did a similar. She had a similar year last year where they showed up for her first start of the year on February twenty seventh in right. the Miss Blue Bonnet, and she ran a really solid, respectable third that day. But right. the next race was the one that she took the big step forward. She almost won on the Texas Champions Night, or she almost won, uh, yeah, on that Texas Champions Night when she was yeah, she just was, beat that day. She was third, yeah. She was third in in, uh, in the blue, blue Bonnet, the same race, mm-hmm. and that was and that the pattern. Was the one that it feels similar, played. right? So I could yeah, see her yeah. being maybe a little, maybe needing this race a little, or still mm-hmm. running well, but maybe being like late on the scene a little short. I pro- next, she's got the ability in the class to compete For with sure. a group like this. I, I just think well, she and, and look and look at her trainer, Karen Jacks, who you know trained. Uh, the uh, Texas Thunder, the $28 winner, you know, no, 28 to one uh, last season. Taryn's a very underrated horseman. She, so, you know, she's got two in this race. And you're right, no mask tequila definitely merits some consideration. I think you might be onto something, especially, uh, you know, sometimes we tend to look at the last result and ignore it for whatever reason, you know. Mm-hmm. But you have to understand what might have happened in that yes. race, the pace or whatever, and give the horse another chance. So no, no Musk, too, great name and, uh, mm-hmm. and a nice connection. So we'll see what happens with that one. But she also has Happy Sailor, who, ooh, you know, Happy Sailor won two in a row. Uh, last year and then kind of sputtered a little bit. I didn't ask Karen about her, unfortunately, but you know what? Um, again, you've got a nice pedigree midshipman. Uh, she's just four years old, so she may be just getting And Larry Hunsicker has been a breeder, a Texas breeder and owner for a long time. So that could be a little bit and, of a price play too. Yeah. You know? And she could, she could try to help the, she could try to help keep Bernie honest a little bit. You know, she's right. stretching out from six furlongs. Right. And so maybe with, she could compliment the other the Nomas Tequila for Karen Jacks get a little bit of pace for Nomas Tequila maybe to run at if right. if Happy Sailor's up forwardly placed and maybe putting a little pressure on Bernie so right uh, and yeah. then um, and then you mentioned Zerelda earlier too um, yeah because, yeah that's a solid mare David Gomez uh, hasn't run a lot at Sam Houston but he's run quite a bit in Louisiana and uh, he is a little bit you know he's got some he's got some talent he's brought on some nice horses um, to uh, you know maybe not major stakes winners but this horse has some back class as well Zerelda so and mm-hmm. Lane Luzzy and you know again that post I kind of like the outside post That's I do just, too kinda, yeah exactly. and she sort of feels like you know, you look back at the race that she ran against Bernie last year. She was she wasn't far behind Bernie, and she had right. Zarelda had legitimate trouble that day. 
Yeah, like right. she did get blocked. She did have to move out. She was traveling well. She ran right up into traffic, and she wasn't far behind Bernie. And so if if Bernie loses, it's probably because she goes too quick, or there are a couple others that end up pressing her. Right. Zerelda feels like one of those that could could maybe get the pound, you know, could capitalize, maybe sitting right behind them if they do. So real quality. Luzzy's a great speed rider too, but you know what? He's he's good at everything. He can get horses to settle, come from the back, dirt, turf going long, you name it. He's just um, I'm more and more impressed with him every time I see him out there on the track. And I will see him out there on the track for the first you time. Uh, actually, you'll, see him. you'll get a picture with him. He's he's very social too. He's just the nicest, nicest young man, and just couldn't be nicer. And you know, um, that's with an eleven horse field. It's a really great way uh, to cap up our tur- you know, our stakes portion of the card, but also might be worth putting in some of those long shots into the you know late pick four and the pick five as well, because you know that's an interesting race. I mean, you got a good group of uh, group. Group of horses of mare, fillies and mares. You've got a horse that's proven front running, but on the turf course that does tend to favor some mm-hmm. um, horses coming off the pace. There could be big bombs in that. We're gonna have fun talking about about that one. And it's so great that you're gonna be there and you could see it in person. So I know. I'm looking for <laughs> looking forward to it. The last couple of years, it was it was a perfect relationship when I started my show because I was right. just looking for um you know things. I was looking for content places to cover you know tracks and sports and all sorts of stuff and i didn't what's nice is when i have a show nobody really tells me what to do i can put on whatever i want and i like to play the races i like to (laughs) play the races from sam houston and so i i was able to you know talk a little bit about those i linked up with chris griffin and so it's been a it's been a great like marriage over the last couple years because i've i'm always able to you know to provide content for sam houston people really like it and i and I just feel like every year there's more and more people that are that are in, interested, that are curious, that are asking me, hey, you're, you're going to put your show out tonight for tomorrow's picks, right? And stuff like that. So uh, I, I love feeling people so interested and now invested in Sam Houston. And shout out to Frank, uh, Frank Hop over there. I've been talking yep. with Frank over the last couple of weeks, all set up with my travel. You and I are recording on Wednesday. I'll be uh, jumping on a flight on Thursday morning. And I don't. Depending on where when I arrive and get into the hotel, I might even be able to to come out there for the last couple on Thursday and just kind of check everything out. If not, I'll definitely be there full day on Friday, and then I know you'll be there on Saturday. Yeah, I can't wait to see you. That's going to be so much fun. I mean, we go way back to the early yep. TVG days. Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, it was fun uh, on um, uh, Racing Festival Day. We had Scott Hazelton out there, and he and I had a good time uh, reminiscing about the <laughs> Todd Shrupp, Jerry and, the King. And Jerry the King. Infamous. <laughs> infamous the fight. pile driver. <laughs> yeah, the pile Let me tell you, I've never I, – I, I'll – if I live to 100, I'll never see anything like about a five foot seven. I'm five six, and he was maybe my height, but maybe not, you know. And he took Todd Shrupp, who's six foot five, and he pile drove him, driven him, or whatever, with one arm. He didn't even use two arms. He just knocked him upside his head. And I mean, I was like, we were all, was like, oh. but anyway, Todd was such a good sport about it. Love him to death. All the guys from TBG, you know, the people who started out very special place in my heart. Cause we were part of it too. We were the first nighttime mm-hmm. track that they ever messed around with. Yeah. We some cra- crazy. We did some crazy things with TBG. It was super we, fun. You were a big help a lot of nights when there was not, you know what I mean? Like there would have been a lot of nights where we needed Sam, you know, Sam Houston, we needed that content. So, uh, and the uh stuff I'm, that we came up with, 
spanking Barbies. I, I'll never understand how that came up. I, I'm trying to remember how that came. I think I blame it on Todd. Be, he said it something. was Todd or Dave, one of them. You know, you know, <laughs> Weaver will will have some creativity in there too. Also, and. Uh, <laughs> Oh, so great, Martha. I'm really looking forward to this weekend. Thank you. Uh, always. I know whenever there's big day or anything going on in Texas or Louisiana, we'll be uh, we'll be linking up with you to get uh, the lay of the land and to get all set up. And again, another reminder, post time, 655 Central Time on Saturday. It's going to be Texas preview night, nine races on the card, five stakes, $75,000 each. Preps for Texas Champions Day, the Jim's Orbit, two Altazano, Houston Turf, H-Town, and the Miss Blue Bonnet. Martha will be on track on Saturday. Jessica Paquette's going to be out there. Trey and Nick Tamro. We're going to have a full crew with uh, all sorts of handicapping information, all the stakes interviews that Martha does after. I'm really excited. It's going to be a ton of fun, Martha. And uh, I uh, I can't wait. Counting down the moments till I see you on Saturday. Me too, Gino. Thanks again for having me on, and I hope that all the your followers and fans are going to enjoy a great uh, next few days. We actually have a Wednesday card today yeah. too that begins at four a p.m. Pick six carryover. I, as soon as we get oh, done, right. I'm putting my pick six in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, my pleasure, Gino. Safe travels to Houston. We'll look forward to seeing you. Okay. Thanks so much, Martha. Um, we're going to be giving a uh, Martha. Follows on social media too She does a great job there with all the press releases Putting out all sorts of information So make sure we uh, we follow along with her And all throughout the week Over at Sam Houston Don't go anywhere folks Still plenty more to discuss on this episode of That's What G Said Big thank you to Martha for helping out So I'm going to roll through the Saturday card For Sam Houston But I, I will also post a video for Saturday With even more inf- info More in-depth stuff And a look at the, uh, the past performances so as we look at Saturday, February the 19th in race number one, 5,000 beaten claimers. I like the four in here. Home view. Home views. Oh, this whole field has not won in a while. He looks like the one to catch. He was three deep battling for the lead last out, going six and a half. He just tired. If you key off that January 20th race where he was three wide, he loomed up. He had the lead at the top of the lane. He had the lead 100 yards for home and just got beat. I feel like he is the one that's in the best of form right now. Give me the four. Home view. Stacked them 4-2-6-5 in the opener on Saturday. Race number two starts the stakes race. It's the Jim's Orbit in the second. And I thought the one, Valdina Dreams, first-time starter. The dam didn't win, but she produced four fulls, all of them multiple winners. Two of them won their debut. One of them was named G. She Sparkles, who won the first two starts, including a Texas Bread Stakes race. This barn hasn't been as gr- has been a little cold over the last year with first time starters but that's why I like to dig a little deeper cuz this is a very good barn with first time starters uh, 40 for the last 264 16% 188 ROI and just 3 for 41 over the last year I think due for a little bit of luck and kind of regression to the mean this barn did win with a first time starter at the meet a Texas bred maiden special weight as the favorite and that February 7th work kind of jumps off the page to me pinky ring bling's the one to beat Fine start, kind of pushed through up to battle for the lead inside. The sixth Chief Brady also had a really nice start and was battling for the lead. And, and that was a that was a nice effort from Chief Brady. Grammy's boy, I also was impressed with. But I would go one, two, six, five. If you wanted to go a little bit deeper, Valdina Dreams is sort of the price I'm gonna try to sneak into the mix there. In the third race, some horses to include in your exotics. Keep an eye on Holy Creed, who's, you know, the Kind of the logical, really consistent runner in here. Pyramid Princess will try turf for the first time. You'll get Shirley's Temple dropping out of a stakes, who could be forwardly placed. There's not a lot of speed in here. Frosty Flirt also in the mix. I'm not sure what to do with Dr. Francis. Probably leave alone. 
as we move to the fourth race, the two Altizano, six furlongs on the main track. Texas Thunder is the one to catch. Jan's turn to win is interesting. She had a lot of trouble on January the 20th, came right back. They were aggressive. They put her on the lead on January 29th, and I think she can sit a bit if she has to, but she has enough positional speed to put herself in a nice striking spot. Jan's turn to win. Texas Thunder, the one they'll all have to beat is Eagle Express in here, no doubt. And maybe keep an eye on Kim's Texas Bling if you wanted to go a little deeper. The two-back win against Open Company, not bad. Getting to the fifth, and that's the Houston Turf. In the Houston Turf, there is not a lot of speed on paper. So I thought Men of Kyle was an, an intriguing long shot to throw in. Third off the bench, stretches out. Look how when he is going a mile or a mile and a sixteenth, he sits really close. He's got some good efforts going long like this. A win at a mile on the dirt. Second going a mile and a sixteenth on the turf. Two wins going a mile on the turf. He was in a little tight last time. Squeezed back. He had some traffic trouble. Sunlit Song's the one to beat. And if you want to go a little deeper, Dustum, the three, who you know could show some... Maybe he's the one to catch and Men of Kyle sits close. And that, that could be. Singapore Flash on the outside, just a repeat of that last effort would make him tough. But Sunlit Song had such a brutally wide trip. He is the horse to beat. I'd use one six in most spots here. The H-Town. Can I bob my golden M as the long shot kind of to, uh, to include for me? I do think Silence the Oro back in with Texas Breads, a little interesting, but Mr. Moneybags is the one to beat. We spoke about him with Martha there. In the seventh, the Miss Blue Bonnet. I like the 10. Um, I think this horse has an opportunity to upset Bernie. I'm going to use Zerelda. I'll use Bernie along with. And the four, No Mas Tequila, who I, I think will need this race and probably be on the scene late. Corluna, if you wanted to go a, a little bit deeper. In the eighth race of the... The horse to beat is the the outside, Klimico. Take a limo is going to take some money for Asmussen. But I did think Bosk was one that could come closing, could pick up the pieces late, at the very least using some under spots. In the ninth race, to close things out, Jade's Jelly. I needed Jade's Jelly last time, and, and boom, right after a, a tough start, you knew she was in trouble. But she did come running. She's going to get on the grass now after she was on the dirt last time out. Amardine is going to be tough to catch. And Stellazar... Looks like a, a sort of cool wild card to include in some exotics. They're trying to figure out where she fits and stacks up for Lucarelli. So that's Saturday night. Sam Houston, I'll give you a little more of a deep dive with the past performances for Saturday night. I'll probably post that on Friday, uh, Friday night. And then I'll be on the broadcast Friday and Saturday over at Sam Houston. I'll be helping out. So if you uh, want to get a look at some of my thoughts after we know what the scratches and changes in the fields look like, We'll be hanging out Saturday over at Sam Houston. Really looking forward to my first trip out to Sam Houston. So that is Saturday, Sam Houston. Let's head on over and talk some Saturday fairgrounds, those four graded stakes races to end the card with Emily Gullickson. Big weekend coming up at fairgrounds. So we had to uh, we had to put out the bat signal here. Every, every like six weeks, a month, maybe, I get to feel like it's time for Emily again. We haven't had her on in a while. Whatever, it doesn't matter which track, really. If we've got some big races, I know Emily's going to do a, a fantastic job handicapping them for, for us. So we got uh, Emily Gullickson from Optics EQ to help us out with the uh, the last four races on a really good card coming up at Fairgrounds this weekend. Emily, how you doing? I'm doing great. And it's, it's so funny because I was actually looking through these races and I'm like, I think I talked to Gino about this horse last yep. year. 
as, as, it must have been Captivating <laughs> Moon you were thinking of, huh? Is that who you were thinking of? Captivating Moon, 45 to one shot? Exactly. exactly. You, you had, because I think last year we we did this group like each time they had their big prep races. So I think we talked about like a lot of the fairgrounds preps in like December of 2020 and then January of 2021 and then February of 2021. So we kind of got familiar with the horses and you kept preaching how Captivating Moon needed to get back on the turf. Yes, After because they, they kept cross-entering him. He'd be on the same card, and I'm like, oh, I hope they take the turf race, and mm-hmm. then they take the dirt. And I'm and just I've, like, come on, put him on so the grass. Finally, that one day, uh, he did, and I remember seeing you, uh, you You scored that one on social media. You dished that one out. You were talking about it. He was 45 to 1. So you know what's cool? It always we're, – we're human, right? We're not machines. We're not robots. We do a lot of work. We do all this research. But when you're looking through the past performances and you see something like that, it gives you a little smile, a little pick-me-up. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, that oh, was, yeah, absolutely. And then, and then, I mean, I almost feel like we should start with that race. <laughs> yeah, sure. Let's start you know, with I it. Let's go up, ahead. Yeah. We're already there. Let's go. Let's go right there to the, <laughs> to right. the 11th race. Cause we're already, uh, we're okay. talking about the fairgrounds and we'll go back to the 10. All right. All right. Might as well. Okay. Yeah. So I, I ended up like, because he's coming off a layoff, you know, and it's like he's starting off the form cycle and just kind of going back, you know, you could suggest maybe some, some positive intent looking for lightning to strike twice. So I wanted to kind of look at the, the race shape. I mean, last year was a different track condition. It was a, a yielding course. It was really heavy. Um, but the race shape, just looking at, at optics plot, because we're looking at the race shapes, it was a sun contention and a 30 speed rate. So it's a little bit faster of a race than what we're looking at this year. So this year's contention is a fire, but it's a lower. It's a 19 speed rate. And then the course conditions, they're supposed to get rain today. And tomorrow we're recording on Wednesday, so Wednesday, Thursday. Um, so I don't think even if there's some some moisture in the grass, it's not going to be like like last year. So those are just kind of some some things to keep in mind with this one. So I'm not as crazy about him in this spot, nor do I think he'll be 45 to one um, people trying to, you know, find that again, that form again this year. Captivating Moon. So we're talking race 11, which is the grade three fairgrounds on the Saturday card over at fairgrounds, February the 19th. They're going to go a mile and an eighth in uh, in this one and it is a a grade three event there's a really talented runner who we haven't seen since november uh that's santin who's super lightly raced he's only raced three times he was second in the grade one hollywood derby behind beyond brilliant now he'll be making his 2022 debut tons of upside not an easy spot for him he Kind of, does he sort of have the style that you project to get a good trip in here or do you are you looking more at like the pressers than the deeper closers well, you know, I mean, you have a horse like like Stanton who is lightly raced. He has come from off the pace, but this is his second start going nine furlongs. Mm-hmm. And in that Hollywood Derby, just kind of keep in mind the race dynamic where Beyond Brilliant went gate to wire and Santan ran well. So he's, he could be a little bit more tactical, a little bit closer to the pace. I've been watching his workouts that are available on XBTV just to kind of get an idea because, as you mentioned, we haven't seen him since November. So you want to make sure, you know, the horse is doing well, that he's happy. He looks good. He's been kind of close up kind of tracking right off when he's working in company. So I don't think he'll be quite as far back. You know, you've just got to keep in mind, it is a lightly raced horse. And like you mentioned, I mean, he's just a very talented type, has just a really great look about him. You know, obviously I'm rooting for him, you know, to these maiden breakers at Indiana Grand. Yeah. Way through the ranks. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> you know, Showing his class. 
exactly. as, as well. It is a tough spot. You know, he's taking on older horses. He's going to have to get faster. He's going to have to get a trip. So while I think, you know, he's certainly capable in this spot, not a horse that I'm going to be be singling. I think there's some other horses that are that are worth a use. So you're talking a little bit about the way the race shapes up. I mean, on paper, we look like we've got two Emmys who's usually forwardly paced, uh, forwardly placed. You've got 40 under who's probably going to be forwardly placed. It looks like Calvary charge. Some of his best races come when close and they got the rail dry. I'd imagine they'll want to just at least get, get out there and settle into a nice spot in the top three or four. Um, right. So you you know, that's kind of how you're seeing a halo again, sort of another one who's probably going to be forwardly placed in here. Does it look like, you know, combinations of them up close and I don't, Maybe one or two on the lead and one or two kind of tracking behind them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's where it gets different when you're looking at like a fire versus sun contention, because even though you have those horses that you mentioned, and I agree, I think they all kind of want to be forwardly placed. It doesn't necessarily, they're not necessarily horses that are like speed balls, right? No, nope, they'll sit off. Gonna, yeah, they're mm-hmm. going to like go out there and just kind of like, you know, run for their lives. They they can be forwardly placed, but they like it to be a little bit more comfortable up there. So, um, you know, you're going to see, you're going to see that pace a little bit softer. Some of those horses can kind of sneak away and kick. Um, they could get a trip, but I do think it's probably going to be a horse that's just kind of sitting off that group and, and making a run, you know, where class and finishing ability is key. And that could probably, you know, sit, we don't have morning lines, but uh, number 10, Largent. Um, I mean, there's ways to look at this race where this horse, you know, should be favored. You can make a, I, I thought his race last out in the grade three tropical turf was kind of a sneaky good effort just because of the race shape and coming off the layoff and they're going to ship in, um, get a little bit more ground where he could just be sitting a good trip um, with Luis Saez, just sort of the way, uh, you know, and then we have a mm-hmm. wild card like at Amo where he's tough to project of where he's going to be in the race, but I think he'll probably be sort of right around that kind of same, that same position, not quite a deep closer, but kind of sitting right off that first flight. Yeah. It looks like from what I'm seeing two Emmys is your three to one lukewarm morning line favorite. I think Largent is seven to two. I think they posted the four, the four races that we're going to talk about on okay. Twitter in graphics. So two, two Emmys is three to one Largent seven to two Adamo nine to two. Captivating Moon 20 to 1 on the morning line And uh, a couple others Santin is 12 to 1 And what about um, So we're talking about the race shape Do A horse like Monarchs Glenn who's kind of been around At, at Fairgrounds he kind of he, he just He's just such a deep closer He gets kind of you know at the mercy of the race shape yeah, yeah, and and he breaks slow, and um, you know he's just kind of been at this level. It's just sort of one of those like he's one of those horses that's like going to give his honest effort, but you know is it going to be just like kind of quite good enough where he's just sort of one of those horses like he needs like the captivating moon type setup, right? Perfect trip, just, every no trouble, right exactly. race shape, like everything, and then he can probably do it. But even in then, we're st- I could still he still maybe be just like a little cut below. Yes, exactly. That's kind of like just in his class. I mean, those races have been following him, you know, obviously all season. This is fourth start of the meet. And he's just kind of, you know, he's even in those races like he's he's Mm -hmm. running, but he's just not he's not in the top, you know, one, two, three spot, even though he finished third in a couple of those races. It's like kind of circumstantial more than his like you know battling oh maybe if this had gone right or you know he needs one more race. He's just sort of he's just sort of even Mm -hmm. um, in that spot. Yeah, um, it is a pretty contentious group, honestly. Like we made cases, and what makes it 
very intriguing from a handicapping standpoint Like we said is the pace if one of them Decides to get a little aggressive one of the The, the group of three or four and then the other three Kind of sit back that horse could Get a get a really nice trip you know If they push each other and press each other Even if they're not cooking but If they're all sort of make keeping each Other honest then then the race Will be a lot more honest right then We'll get a lot more opportunities for horses from the Middle of the back but I thought this was a really fascinating Race I'm kind of glad we started with it because It, it is really intriguing uh, Are there any others in here you want to mention Or anything yeah, else well I mentioned um, you, you know I think On kind of that point just to, to go one Step further is is the distance too Because you have yes. a lot of these horses that Have been running shorter they've been placed At shorter distances and that's usually kind of by design or longer distances in the case of um, two Emmys, which I've talked about, I think, with you and, and many other people that these kind of marathon type horses, when they cut back, they they can often get a little bit exposed. And that mm-hmm. was the case. In you got to go a little track. too fast early. Yeah, yeah. And it's just, you know, it's just it's a different it's just an overall different class level. Right. It's like when you have those horses, you see Mike Maker has a lot of those horses that they just show up. They look for those kind of longer 11, 12, because it's it's sort of a a great stakes level that they compete can compete at. But when they get to the mile, the nine furlongs, the kind of classier type horses just just stand out of the pack. And and while I'm mentioning that nine furlong distance, I think that's the the reason why we see at Amho showing up in this spot um, because of the distance and the distances he's been running at just compared to, I looked at this stakes book at Gulfstream park just to kind of see like, cause he's been down in Florida and, mm-hmm. and has plenty of opportunities to run there, but they seem like they're shorter, they're shorter distance, but there is, um, there is a marathon type uh, turf race. I don't have it at the top of my mind, but it's in April. So this might be kind of a good jumping off point, but I think mm-hmm. that is part of the reason that they are running here um, and picking this spot for his local debut is because of this distance. That's uh, Adamo or Jose Ortiz will be aboard for Chad Brown, and it looks like he's going to be one of the uh, the major players, at least on the betting board in here. Yeah, yeah I, I think, I, you know, and I, I mean, I could see using him just because he has class and he has good connections. Um just kind of watching him train, he just he kind of gives me the impression of they they might need one, but again, he he could certainly win. And and Chad Brown looks like he's he's got some live runners. Yeah, because there's nobody that scares you in here, right? Yeah. There's no like absolute like oh I want to get away from them. So if this horse is ready and he's classy, he might just be able to beat this group. But I I got the same impressions too that this seems like hey let's get a good setup. You know, maybe we'll get a good feel for for the U.S. racing, and then we'll be ready to rock for the rest of the year. Um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, really cool. Great three fairgrounds, a mile and an eighth. It's going to go as the eleventh race on Saturday. So let's go back one because we were already <laughs> talking in the we were already talking captivating mood there. Let's go to the mind shaft. You know, to like derail. It's your show, and I'm like, let's just go where I want to go. Well, that's what's great <laughs> is because it is my show. We can do whatever I want. Nobody has to tell. You know what I mean? Like. We don't have to worry about it. So all we can do is just say, hey, we're going to start with the 11th race and go back to the 10th race. I think most of our audience is smart enough to understand the route that we were going. So we don't, you know, I, I know sometimes horse racing wants to dumb everything down for people on the on the regular broadcast. But I think our, our audience can understand when we go one race and then backwards one. So Yeah, yeah. I, I, I give the, the audience, the horse paper crowd, a lot more credit than, than most. I think they're they're playing horses because they're smart oh, me too. people. This is not an easy, this is not an easy game. They're there's no, you know, there's no freebies. So I think no. we have a smart group. 
I agree. Um, and I least want to think so. I think I, I want to think I'm part of that group. So <laughs> we'll uh, we'll get to race number ten now. We'll talk about the mine shaft here. So we've got some older horses. This is a Grade Three event, and there are probably a lot of familiar names for uh, for some of you out there who have seen these horses through the years. You've got Silver Prospector, who was on the Derby Trail a couple years back. You've got a horse like uh, Midcourt, who Emily, we've talked about Midcourt many times out here on the West Coast, talking about some of his prep races, and he's. You know, a horse that I, I think some of us kind of thought would maybe be done. He's seven years old. He hasn't had a really good race. I mean, he had one in June, but then he showed back up again. He's had some issues. We'll talk about him. Then you got Obesos, who was sort of that buzzy horse in the Derby because he had that fifth sort of decent trip. And he had a pretty decent win to start his year. A couple lightly raced up and comers in Untreated, Olympiad, Miles D. There's. It's an interesting group from that you have these older horses it's kind of been around you got some up and comers so you get a good little mix of uh of some of these males going mile in a 16th in the mine shaft. Yeah, and I think that's kind of a good place to start is is sort of like do you want some of these kind of like old horses that have, you know, kind of proven themselves handicap types or are you trying to look at some of these, you know, lightly raced younger horses that that could be on the improve. And and looking at the morning line it's kind of looks like it's leaning more towards the younger side with Olympiad and um being favored at 3 to 1 and Miles D I just pulled it up. Um so thanks for for pointing that out. Um so I think that's sort of the way that the public is going to go and that's sort of the way I went, you know, assessing those two horses. I just kind of figured they would sort of be one, mm-hmm. two in here. And I also figured Olympiad would be favored. And he kind of looks like a, a sucker favorite. Um, I agree. I have to say. I agree. I mean, he looks great on the plot. He's a square in quadrant one. Um, but I just I feel like he's he's dressed up off those efforts. He had kind of that perfect trip last out, tracking a really soft pace not horses that are, are to this to this level on mm-hmm. um, you know where you know miles d if he is the second choice i mean that's just value because this is a horse with a lot of class a lot of ability um he ran a very good horse um that shug mcgahee horse uh speaker's corner mm-hmm. uh, i mean this horse was only third in the travers i kind of think we kind of forget with, about with that a very good effort with a very was, good effort and a yeah. very good speed figure so i mean this is a is a very classy horse um you know Distance wise, he's running two turns here. I think another horse that for for Chad Brown picking the spot by design. Um, so I, I, you know, in my opinion, I, I think he's very logical. He's value if he's the second choice, and I'm kind of leaning off off Olympiad in this spot. Um, you know, as far as the pace, I mean, sprawled on the rail. I think they've tried to rate this horse. Um, and they just, they've got to send, they've got to let this horse do where his best running is being on the front end. Um, you know, I, if I'm not really sure if he's good enough, he just, he was unable to kind of stick around last out without any excuse. And they kind of tried to rate that day. Um, so I think that, that, you know, they're going to have to send, maybe he gets brave on the front end. It's kind of a lot of one, what ifs, um, at that spot, but at least he's going to, you know, make Olympiad run a little bit quicker today. Um, with him being in the race, uh, of those two, I'm completely with you. Like I'm totally with Miles D over Olympiad, and I think that because of Olympiad, this is these. It's funny because I, as soon as I was looking at this race and knowing I was going to talk to you, I I could feel that this was the type of horse that we were going to play against. 
because it just always the, the te- like the template of a horse like this who kind of gets big figures or big numbers off of really perfect trips where they don't really have to overcome a whole lot and then they get over bet next time. Heck, he could be really good and win, but his win is going to be at a shorter price than I would want. And so that's just the way that I play. Like I'm always I'm looking to catch the horse who's going to have an Olympiad performance here, not play him off of that performance. And so I was I was like laughing at that like Almost knew that you were not gonna uh, like love him <laughs> in this race for some for some of those reasons. I just felt like a horse that I thought through the years we've talked about. Um, let's uh, let's continue on this race. So we were talking about the pace with Sprawl. Shout out to my son Milo. He's a fan of uh, Monsters Inc. One of the scenes in there is with the uh, the monster. He does the scary feet sprawl, scary feet sprawl, and so I do that with him, and he just laughs. I, every time I say the word sprawl, my little son in the back is just laughing over and over. <laughs> so reminds me of this every time uh, Sprawl runs. Who who are Let's go to midcourt because he's, you know, he's a total wild card. Midcourt is a horse who, uh, on his best day, he's super classy. He's capable of really, really big efforts. All we really know him from, though, is his workout on the the West Coast. And it sort of felt like he was, um, you know, he's up to seven now. I think he was uh, he was entered in a race and then scratched early on in the meet, and so it he was scratched really... in, the, in the native. Di- oh no, he was he was entered in a race and they scratched him early. You are right. But I think it was like was it opening it. day even or San the San Antonio maybe. I think one I of those. Think, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yes. then so yeah, we don't. I mean, obviously his A game is really good. Does he have his A game anywhere left in there? Do you think? You know, yeah. I mean, I. Well, to, to kind of dig a little bit deeper, I, I was watching his recent works, and then I went back even further, and I was like, what was this? Because we have the big kind of red flag to me, it just said any time with horses, when you see these excessive layoff lines, right? Because because horses, like, they're expensive. They you know, Their job is to mm-hmm. run, and anytime they have those breaks, it's like they're not taking a break because they want to. You know, yeah. there's there's reasons, right? And so he's got those three long layoff lines that are splitting his his season. So it's you're you're looking at a horse coming back off the layoff that's getting older and just sort of like where they are as an individual. So looking at his most recent works, they really don't wow me, and they're almost like I they're almost negative. Like I, I really don't want to say that like with an older horse because you're not expecting you know a horse like him to just you know really. I, I'd almost wouldn't want to see him do too much either. In the mornings, anyways. Him, yeah. Yeah. I want to see him like before the June 18th race, that allowance race, watching that work where he looked happy. He wasn't running fast, but he looked like he was enjoying what he was doing out there. And I don't see that in his most recent works. Like it looks like, you know, he's he's doing what needs to be done, but it's not not the most willing. And so it's so strange to me that they ship. I know. Right? Because you could, you know, I know yeah. you don't, you maybe don't want to uh, run against your stable mate because he did work with, with express train, express train, like rolled him. So I know mm-hmm. they don't want to run against, you know, they kind of want to split up the horses. I get that. You want to avoid a Baffert horse. Fine. But just to, you know, with a horse that's with those layoff lines, like why they're going to come out here. I mean, Jeril, obviously local rider, probably going to fit this horse well, putting him in the race. But, you know, you'd also think like Maldonado doesn't have anything crazy on the Saturday card at, at, out in California. Like, why isn't he, you know, along for yeah. the ride? You know, the, yeah, yeah. It's just, there's so much stuff that like this horse could certainly win. But, you know, I'm just not I just can't I can't quite get there. No, I couldn't either. I I liked him, and he was horse that we've made cases for many times. You know, out here, yeah. and his his good races are really good. 
And usually, and that's and that's another point too, and I'm glad that you said that because usually when we're making cases for them, it's in the spots that like make sense, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just don't, you know, it, this, it's too weird. But yeah. the fact that, you know, they are going to run, they put up a top rider, you know, those are those are all positives. Um, I don't know. I just I, I wanted to, you know, this type of horse is like one I want to like really make a case for. And I just couldn't quite do it. We finish up with the mine shaft. So, I mean, we've got Silver Prospector who was kind of flat. On um on the fifteenth, he didn't really have a great year last year, but he did run into a couple really sharp horses, Mystic Guide and Silver State, who were awesome at that point of the year at Oaklawn when he uh when he was facing them. He's a horse who, you know, he's he's put forth a couple good efforts. The one that jumps off the page that we remember is the Southwest. That was his nice little prep to kind of get him on the Derby trail. Then we uh we have Obesos who was in the Derby last year. Let's talk about those two. Um, either of them that you're interested in, that you're intrigued in, or that you're looking to play. Well, uh, um, I'm going to talk about actually Silver Prospects are entitled ready because they sure, ran, yeah. they actually ran in this That's race good, last year. Sure. Um, and as far as Silver Prospector, you know, this is his second start off the layoff. He was entered in the Razorback just last weekend. And I, I think part of the reason that they're running here instead is maybe they've just realized, like, let's get him out of Oakland Park. He's just kind of, you know, he's just kind of plotty. Like, even though, you know, he won the Southwest, and sometimes we see that with horses that, you know, they'll they'll kind of get a setup trip and, like, break their maiden at, like, special weight level, but, you know, they're, like, maiden claiming quality, but they just keep running them above their head, you know, certain horses like that. So maybe that's the case with him where he's, they've just been a little bit too ambitious after that, after that win and want to mix things up. And actually going back to this race last year, it wasn't a bad effort for silver prospector um because he was against the flow he kind of saved ground it just wasn't wasn't the trip um where title ready on the other hand got just like the perfect trip right and um so so you know i i don't i think it's kind of interesting that they are going to run here i think there is some upside i can definitely you know i can see making a case for silver prospector and the same thing for title ready i mean they they might have had this race like in their mind like let's take a shot in the pegasus you know because it's kind of a compact field maybe we'll get third you know it's why not run let's see what happens we know this horse when he's in you know when he's in good form he just shows up and runs his race and he just wasn't able to get into the into the race the way that you know life is good kind of separated there wasn't a whole lot of change in running order so you could almost just kind of like draw a line through that and if this race was sort of the plan all along um you know can see can see a move forward from him um and then as far as obezos this is a horse that just gets you know he's he gets a lot of uh public support you know he makes that late run that catches people's eye this is a step up in class for him i know he's running in those great stakes races last year but he was he was a little bit flattered maybe he kind of fits that silver prospector kind of profile um got a favorable trip last out and that was a a, a photo finish um, the race shape was kind of interesting there because they went, they went like a fast opening quarter and Obezos was able to kind of get in inside at that point in time and then sort of move up into a slower part of the race. So that kind of helped his, helped his trip and just kind of overall, this is a tougher spot. So he has to run a top effort and just seems like one of those horses that, that could be a little bit underlaid. Obezos here. Yeah. He, I, I feel like this is a horse that a lot of people are going to want to play in this spot. 
You know, yes. he just kind of looks yeah. like he looks like the second off the bench. So, so pri- like like anything, let price dictate it, right? Like if this horse feels like he's an underlay, don't. But if his price is fine, then I would. He's going to have to take a little step forward too, though, and improve. This isn't like a soft group at all. We're talking about you know some of the horses that have a lot of upside in some of these lightly raced runners. Anyone else in here? We didn't talk about Untreated, who comes in from Aqueduct. Um, he had a pretty brutal start, but he was kind of quickly up to fourth and was kind of just kept three deep in the clear, kept to the outside. He he was just better than that group, and he went by them. Do you think he can stack up at, at all in here? Um, yeah. I mean, it's just it's a it's a big class test um, for him. I, I mean, it's one graded stakes race, and granted, a layoff followed, but um, didn't really do much in there. So, you know, I. We're, we're gonna have to see another one of those horses. Um, I could see people wanting to look look for a new face and and shipping in um, and just I, I couldn't get too excited about him just thinking that miles D is a little bit better as just like as far a, as you know aqueduct form oh, um, and from a, pl- a price standpoint, if he's gonna be around nine to two ish and miles D is gonna be around seven to two ish. Give me miles D all day yes, of the week. Uh, yeah, ab- like, absolutely. so I think, I think you know that. That comes into play. I could certainly like make a case for there being some some upside there. And then the horses that have run um, here locally with Happy American and Big Dreaming. I mean, for Happy American, uh, a step up in class for him. Um, I think this horse, trying to follow my notes, that he was bet down very heavily in that race, in the Tenacious. Um, I forget what the morning line was. I think it was 12. And just was one of those horses that was just kind of hammered in all the pools where it was just one of those, like, they knew type horses. Mm-hmm. Um, so this being, you know, kind of a step up in class. And as far as horses getting bet down, that was the case for Big Dreamin' in that turf race where it was kind of a wide open, a wide open race. Um, I did that race, like kind of full card handicapping live, uh, I think on Twitch and just talking about just the nature of it and a couple horses at prices. And this was a horse that was just so wise guy-ish. Like a lot of the public handicappers were like, this is my price play. And then the horse went off as the favorite <laughs> where it was just no value. And there's, I mean, the ex- there, you could make a little bit of a Kayser trip, maybe not quite being the most comfortable. Um, and, and he does have some dirt form. Um, so at a price, if, if, you know, you liked him last time and you really wanted that price, you're probably going to get it today, but needs to run a, a top effort. And again, just kind of a step up in class for him as well, even though his dirt numbers do fit with this field, those were against much softer. Yeah, I like, this is a, a cool group, uh, in the, in the mind shaft, both of these races that we're talking about that we talked about the 10th and the 11th are great because I just on paper, there aren't standouts. There aren't anyone that's just like a oh they terrify you or it's just a really short price horse that feels like they have to win or they're going to be tough to get beat. So you can go in a lot of different directions here. Anything else to mention before we uh, move off the mine shaft? Uh, I think that's it. Yeah, I think we hit that one pretty good. Let's jump over to the three year old races. So we're going to go to races twelve and thirteen now. We're going to go to the twelfth race, the Grade Two, Rachel Alexandra, mile and the sixteenth here. So what we have is. On the inside, we've got a couple horses who have been in some of the local fairgrounds prep races. We have LaCrete, who won Gate to Wire in the Silver Bullet Day. You have North County, who is three for three and undefeated. She won the Untappable back in December. And those two are sort of some of the local, uh, the ones with some local success. You've got towards the outside, Awake at Midnight, who comes in from Doug o- for Doug O'Neill's barn. And Awake at Midnight has been. Doing some good work over at uh, in Southern California, hidden connection, probably the one they'll all have to beat. Maybe 
you know, who, who knows if she'll be all that cranked for this race. Um, last time we saw her, she was in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. She sort of missed the break, and that was that when Echo Zulu just crushed that group. So from a from a talking point, those are sort of like the the big name headliners. I mean, you got Dream Lip, obviously, who's a Grade Two winner. She won the great uh, the Golden Rod last time at nine to one. So some quality Phillies in this group. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm just looking at the morning line right now, and it looks like Hidden Connection is the morning line favorite. Um, and I, I would not want her at a short price. I understand Me neither. she had not trouble at all. and didn't get her trip, but she also just kind of overall looked like she was a little bit exposed on class. And so from that standpoint, going to have to prove it coming back off the layoff um, against some horses that have been able to kind of at least mature and have some recency on their side, hidden connection from the outside post. If she wants to be forwardly placed, she has a speed all the way on the inside with other horses that are kind of quick, you know, sort of in the middle of the field, um, awake at midnight, the second choice, another one that's kind of kind of have to prove it around two turns. Another one that's uh, at the second choice of the morning line, just really doesn't offer that much value. Um, I mean, I, I think it makes sense that they're, that they're running here. I mean, they do, you know, avoid the Bafferts, which I think, you know, we see O'Neill horses do this quite a bit, just sort of mm-hmm. over the years, um, and other connections coming out of California. So that's sort of the reason, which when you're taking a short price, you really don't want it to be like, because we want to avoid mm-hmm. you know, yeah. somebody. So, you know, just kind of keep keep that in mind. Um the two horse on the inside that you mentioned that had been running here, um, LaCrete, um, I thought that was a very good effort, you know, showed some grit um, to kind of battle back, you know, showed class. I think that was that was a good improving effort, but again, does have to improve. Just her numbers are a little bit lighter than some of the others. They're lighter than uh, North County, just to her outside one that's been running. Just some, some faster races. So, um, you know, you can definitely make a case from that standpoint, her being sort of one of the fastest. The one that I'm kind of most excited about in here is Divine Huntress. Oh, yeah. That's, yep, yep. That's yeah. the one. I mean, you're watching her races. I mean, she's just so good. You know, she's just, she's so cool. And, like, I, you know, you like these kind of horses. We don't see them that often because so many resources are split among, you know, a few horses. They get all the, mm-hmm. you know, all the connections and all the money and have everything thrown their way. And then you see one like this that's just so good. She's running at parks. Um, she doesn't even know what she's doing. You know, she's, she's just like so naturally better than horses that just they just like tip her to the outside and just go by. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she, <laughs> she's just a really good, really good filly. Um, and you know, this is she's gonna get class tested here for sure. But she just kind of has that when you watch her races. You're like, there's, you know, she's a private she, purchase. She reminds she's me a little and totally different horse, like totally different, like everything circumstance or whatever, but she's got a little like Catherine Sophia in her, the, yes. the, the nice one from a few years ago. And then she showed up as like a private purchase or she showed up at parks and it was or from, I think at Gulfstream in one of the early, like right around this time, early February stakes races. And it was like, Oh yeah, she's got some quality. I think this is going to be like, I would be surprised if this Philly doesn't run a really good race. Is that going to be good enough to win? I mean, I, I think I think so, but and I think she's going to run a really, really good race here. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, if like I had to make a pick, you know, which nobody's asked me to do, maybe here it is, but you know, she would be like my my pick for this race mm-hmm. just because I, you know, I like her. She's on the improve. She looks like a talented type, and you know, one I, I want to be good and want to you know, like keep following. Where you know, some of the other horses, just as we we kind of go through, kind of we went through the main players, they all have their little knocks. 
with mm-hmm. them, you know, um, and she's one that's just on the improve where some of the other horses we haven't mentioned, we haven't mentioned them for a reason. It's because they're a little bit too slow at this point. Yep. Yeah. She, her, even her debut, you know, you go back and watch all, like her two wins were awesome, but her debut, she missed the break. She was like nine lengths out of it. She ran right up into traffic and then she had to wait and she, she was looking for room. She angles to the outside and finally got clear and closed a ton, just missed second. And then off of those two, you know, she takes another, a little step forward to seven furlongs, wins easily, takes a, a little progression step forward to the mile 70. Super easy win. Like I said, they just, Tipped her off to the outside and just went blue right by. She she feels like the most fun with upside. Like I just yes. I get I'm most the most excited to play her in this race than anyone else. Like you said, with Awake at Midnight and Hidden Connection, could either of them them win? Absolutely. If they're in the three to one ish range, I mean that doesn't get me all that excited. I you know you were mentioning too with Awake at Midnight, she shows up here and yeah it's maybe it's to get away from Baffert maybe it's even just like oh yeah we we got slow down Andy in the you know in the third in the next race so let's let's make sure we we'll send a couple other out there too for some of those preps i just don't you know i don't always get the great feels with that one could, she could win absolutely what about turner loose who who had some good turf success last year she's going to try the dirt for the first time yeah i mean she's slow i mean that's yeah. you know her numbers on the turf are slow so mm-hmm. she's gonna have to make a 10 point improvement granted she's coming off the layoff but it's just a lot to ask you know that big improvement coming off the layoff um on the surface switch her races um you know were good i mean she you know has a, a good effort in a, in a grade two race um the breeders cup didn't have much luck there um as a as a pace setter not always a favorable trip but um, yeah, I mean, she's just, she's just too slow. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she's got to kind of prove it a little bit. Um, and you know, she was beat by a horse, California angel who said the outside goddess of fire is one who's going to go second off the bench for Pletcher. Anyone else in here that you want to mention or talk a little bit about? Uh, no, I mean, I kind of feel the same way about uh, California angel as well. Just another one that's, you know, a, a little bit on the slower side. And even though she has the dirt race here in the untappable, um, just class wise, just does not look on the level. So she's really got to kind of prove it. Um, maybe a little bit of an overachiever early on, and now the waters are getting deeper, and and she's she's kind of failed to step up. So t- time's running out if they're going to try to stick to this plan. So you used to do the you used to play the rollerball and stuff, right? Roller derby, yes. Roller derby. I feel like this would be a nickname for someone, the Divine Huntress. Are the horse oh. that we like, right? It might be <laughs> right, like the moniker. Like that feels like a wrestling name, you know, for someone. I'm a I'm a wrestling fan, so like, uh, here comes the divine huntress. She is gonna, you know, she's got a bow. To, you know, I just I like the name of it too. So I mean, divine... I can see it for every single horse in this field. <laughs> right. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's uh that's in the twelfth race on Saturday. We're talking about the Grade Two Rachel Alexandra. We move along. To the Risen Star, it is the highlight on the Saturday card over at Fairgrounds, race number 13. They'll go a mile and an eighth. Kentucky Derby points on the line here. And we, I guess from a conversation standpoint, can start towards the outside. There are actually three horses who will probably take a good amount of money that haven't raced yet this year. Smile Happy, he's done nothing wrong. And when you look at the horses that he beat, I think you were pretty... Dead set on Classic Causeway being like a nice, nice horse last week. And... Crushed you've got white Aberio who won The holy bull so I mean all the horses That he's been beating they've come back and they franked His form um, I, him Zandon and slow down Andy are kind of 
you know, the horses that are starting their years up here. So let's start to start with uh, with those three with Smile Happy first. Okay. Yes. First of all, I mean the the Kentucky Jockey Club race has been has been a key prep race. Um, people are just catching up on that now. They're a little a little bit slow slow to that, but that's been the case. And and since they've been a little bit slow, that's probably going to cut into the price of Smile mm-hmm. Happy because now that's kind of public knowledge. And as far as Smile Happy, he has the two wins, you know, improving speed figures, but at that time of the calendar, McPeak horses were all running like lights out in Kentucky. And I think that that just has to be taken with a grain of salt because it does kind of play into form cycle. Mm -hmm. And now he's going to come back and obviously, you know, he's talented and he's fast enough to to win this race, but he's giving up recency to some of these other horses. Um, He did improve in that second start. So that also sometimes can be a little bit of a tell, even though he did win first out um, that, you know, his, his, better race might be next out type mm-hmm. of a thing. So at a short price, um, I would be willing to take him on, especially because I, I think he will be a, a shorter price in here with the horse that, you know, has just as much class and speed right to his inside with Zandon, who seems just a little bit more forward at this point, has mm-hmm. some recency on his side. Um, you know, his form was was flattered because Mo Donegal came back and ran. Even though he didn't win, he ran a very good race. I, yep. I don't think that takes anything away from, from Zandon. Um, so just, and you remember, know, those, he was in that battle with, um, that was the Ortiz race, where it looked like Ortiz was kind of putting him into the rail. You know, and like late mm-hmm. in that race, he yeah. kind of got uh, everyone was like, well, how did he, Ortiz not get disqualified for that? Um, that was Zandon or who got, who you know, Johnny V was aboard him that day. And Irad kind of put him into the rail late. He was coming back on. It was a real, like, no, regardless of that happening or if he should have or should not have been, it was a fantastic effort because he battled with a really nice horse who you just mentioned came back and I think flattered the form in a sneakier way, right? Because Mo Donegal didn't win, so people will look and be like, "Well, Smile Happy beat Classic Causeway and White Barrio. They came back and won." But like you're saying, Mo Donegal was just getting himself set up for the next year, right? For the rest of the year, that was just the prep to start for Mo Donegal, and he ran really well. I'm, I same, I think same in with you in these two. I'm much, I prefer Zandin to Smile Happy in here, and I do think Zandin is going to be a better price. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the morning line. I'm kind of just like, I keep staring at it being like, is there, is there like a typo? Because he's, he's the co, uh, I don't know if, how you say it, like a co, like choice, choice about? because it's yeah. seven to two on Smile Happy, four to one on Papa Cat, four to one on Epicenter and Slow Down Andy and um, Zandon are both nine to two. I mean, the way I'm looking at this race, I, I think Zandon's the horse to beat. I do too. So. Uh, you know, I don't know if that, if how if that morning line stacks up, but um, I mean, in that case, there's there's certainly value. I mean, he's he's he checks the boxes, right? He's got tactical speed, he's got class. I mean, that's tough. Like, just as far as to as far as like how good this horse is. I mean, the reason I didn't like him in the runs in is because how hard is it for horses, even when they're super talented, to go from six furloughs and nine furloughs of grade stakes race? That oh, is God. not easy. And this horse, this horse impressed from that standpoint, mm-hmm. because that's a spot where, I mean, if he finishes up the track, you're easily like, yeah, that's a lot to do. You know, <laughs> like he almost wins. It's like, wow, that's, that's a good horse. So yeah. uh, that, that just kind of surprised me a little bit. I don't know how, you know, if that will end up shaking, out, but um, he kind of just seems like of that group um, to me the kind of subtle standout. Yeah, he's the he like he's he's got the mile and an eighth race under his belt already. He is the type of horse who can kind of make his own trip with his running style. You know, he 
we we play against horses sometimes they get perfect trips but then there are horses that can kind of make their really good trips a lot of the time because of their style i think he's that type who can sit you know just a few lengths off and he can kind of get the jump on any of the deeper closers in here like he should be a couple lengths in front of a smile happy i think when they're kind of stalking there um how do you see so who do you think is going to be in front of him let's talk a little bit about the way the pace scenario in this shapes up how do you guys have it stacked over there at optics yeah, I mean, you're, you're dealing with with lightly raced horses, and you know, doing doing something new. Uh, a horse like Zandon, as you mentioned, is still kind of a lightly raced type that's still developing, still developing his run style. But as far as the plot, which gives us, you know, what these horses have done this far, um, epicenter on the lead uh, with with uh, Papa Cap Pioneer of Medina kind of sitting kind of right right mm-hmm. off that group. Um, Slow down, Andy, also kind of right there with with Papa Cap. So. Um, I, you know, pop, I'm, I'm, yeah, right with Papa Cap, but Epicenter sort of the kind of clear kind of a front runner in here. And, and that just sort of seems like as far as those two horses, because they come out of the comp, that's just the prep for this race. And then for um, Louisiana Derby, um, I just feel like both those horses, we've kind of seen them at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen what they can do. Um, there's not a lot of, you know, progression and upside they can win if they get their trip, you know, if Epicenter is alone, um, he could win, you know, he could take this field wild, wire to wire. No one would, would be surprised. I mean, both those horses, you know, they got run down late by the closer. So they kind of have that, you know, sort of more obvious upgrade that people will see, but just sort of in an overall picture, I don't think there's that much upside just as individuals, um, sort of what you see is what you get at this point. Um, but coming out of that race, I could see a move forward for, Trafalgar, if I'm yeah. saying that right, mm-hmm. just because I liked I, him last I time wanted, out. I, I him really to show did. a little bit more last out, which makes me a little bit cautious. Me too. But just in the in the comparison of like Papa Cap and Epicenter, where it's like I feel like I've seen him. At Trafalgar, he could have a move forward. Yep, um, and, and, and maybe it's the blinkers that help him because he was. I agree. I really liked him coming into that race last time out. I'm. I thought his December second race was a little bit sneaky because he was really tested in that race in his first start in a couple months, and I liked that. I, I felt like he would take a step forward off of that effort. And you know, his first three races, you you didn't really have much to knock on him, and he was getting like a nice trip, and then he angled out and was just flat in the stretch. Like it was. If if he is able to get that same sort of trip and angle out, and maybe the blinkers give him a little more focus, I'm. I'm with you in that I'm willing to give him maybe one more chance than a couple of the others from the LeCompte, and we're, we'll probably get a much better price on him also. Yeah, and I mean, you just, you know, Elstall is kind of one of those horses that can develop a horse that where a lot of the trainers now that win at a high percentage, they're looking to win every single race. Mm-hmm. And Trafalgar, you could just kind of see, you know, was a layoff, was his first grade stakes race. Let's just get a good effort from him. They're going to, you know, put the blinkers on. So obviously, you know, they're, they're kind of trying something new where second start off the layoff with that change, with that conditioning, if the eyes are on the bigger prize, you know, getting this horse to develop um, with each race, that move forward could be there. Um, This is sort of like the time that he has to do that because I'm not going to make that case next time. You know, unless this horse has like significant trouble or something. But, Mm -hmm. you know, so this just sort of has to be that that time where if he is going to step up, um, we, we, we could see it today. Yeah, this has to prove he has to prove that he belongs sort of with this group and 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 he should be around for the next prep race as they'll move along from the Risen Star to the Louisiana Derby. Anything else or anyone else to mention in this race uh, before we finish up? 
And no, I mean, I, I feel like you can kind of sort of put a blanket on some of these. I mean, Russian yeah. tank is just, you know, he's a little bit below. I mm-hmm. should say is a little bit below. He's, he's well below. Yeah. Um, and then as far as uh, Tawny Port and uh, Bodoc, uh, Brad Cox, um, just horses that just have to improve. I mean, this is a tough spot for, yeah. for both those horses. Pioneer Medina is probably going to be forwardly placed, um, I would imagine. It could be a, a progressive type. Um, and one that could be uh, a, a bit of a pest for Epicenter mm-hmm. uh, in this race. But um, so you could maybe make a little bit of case of upside for him. But this is sort of just in terms of class where he is going to have to keep showing another move forward. Yeah, it's the, the class test for him to see where he really stacks up. I agreed with uh, with you on the, the Cox runners, uh, Tawny Port. They're kind of opposite. You've got the Tawny Port, um, the three-year-old son of Pioneer the Nile, who comes in from Turfway and has been on the synthetic and has been a stone-cold closer. And you've got... Bodoc, who stretches out, will probably be more forwardly placed in here, but they weren't really on towards the top of my radar. I thought Zandin was the one to beat, and that maybe Trafalgar was the one to bet if he was around ten to one, or, or kind of try to get some value in there. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, Zandin, just as far as like if the morning line is, I mean, that looks like you know type of horse that I don't want to say single, but at least you know as far yeah. as, as far as a key, you know, mm-hmm. a key horse. Um, but of the other horses, um. Yeah, I mean, Trafalgar just has a value in one. If you just wanted to, you know, have a little bit of backup, a little bit, of, a little bit of safety, uh, sure. certainly can make the case there. Awesome, I, I really like this, uh, this these late four races at fairgrounds because, like always, if you can find, and maybe we have four races where they they chalk up, and I go, oh, okay, a lot. But when you can find va- favorites or shorter price horses that you think are vulnerable, like, that's what I'm looking for all the time, you know. And, and I can make cases in each of these races for, you know. Pretty sizable priced horses And uh, as a gambler that's uh, that's Absolutely what we want so I, I like this card On Saturday Emily thank you so much for hanging out with us Yeah absolutely thank you And good luck to everybody Okay Emily let's um I just signed up yesterday for your Patreon uh, tell everybody About the different tiers that we have there so Like always you have all your stuff for optics uh, Packages You do all sorts of uh, of you know, releases on social media. You'll you'll do the plots and squares and stuff like that. But tell us what the different um, things that you offer on Patreon in some of the different tiers. Um. Yeah. So uh, Patreon. This is so kind of new for me, and I'm trying to figure out like what I want to do with it. And I had a little bit of a health setback. Um, <laughs> I'd have a little bit of a layoff. Um, I'm kind of doing what I want to do. So. Um, as far as the different tiers, I haven't set it up in in a way to where the more money, the more stuff you get. It's just more sort of like what you want to support and what you're comfortable with allows you the content. So I don't, awesome. you know, I, 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 I want people that, you know, I don't want to like kind of hold information back and maybe sure. that'll piss people off. But um, I, I hope they let me know if that's the case, just because I'm just trying to figure out uh, what, you know, what I want to do. Um, if I'm going to continue doing it, you know, versus doing other work, I mean, it allows me a little bit more freedom to to sort of just pick certain spots or certain, you know, if there's a carryover to track I'm not putting out content on, that gives me a place to do it. Um, if I want to write up a certain race, you know, lots of freedom. Having, having it there is 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 basically like. So I can turn down work that I don't want to do, right? So if there's like a race or a sequence that's like, I'm not going to play that, or I just don't think that's really worth diving into, but we're going to because it's a stakes race, for example. Um, I don't necessarily have to, but I can look at a certain other sequence that I think is more playable or given a better opportunity and that I can put my energy there versus having to write something that I don't 
really think has that much value, if that makes sense. It just gives me a little bit more creative freedom to write and, you know, sort of go in a direction that's a little bit more player friendly. Um, I don't know, just as far as work. Really good way to support Emily. You've heard her on these shows uh, over and over and over again. And every race that she looks at, every track that she looks at, it's the same. It's always that same uh, amount of work that she puts in. She's never going to go go out there and uh, and be half assing it with you. So that's you know, I, the write ups alone are worth it. Are worth uh, I, I'm I'm on the ten dollars a month, I think, or the nine dollars a month. Which again, think about a lot of the things out there that we're paying for. We have a lot of. Nine or ten bucks a month to really help you feel comfortable with a lot of your racing stuff is not bad when you know the type of work that Emily is going to put in. And you're, she's always going to be trying to like when we're having conversations. We're not going to be being like, oh yeah, four to five favorite, circle them up, go, and then boom, now we got a winner. Like let's build our uh, our winner stats. This is not the way that you do things either. You're you're always looking to get creative to lead people to horses that they probably won't be finding you know analysis for or uh, endorsements for in a bunch of other places. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it just really comes down to like wanting to provide value for for the reader, right? For the for your, like fellow horse players, people are supporting my work. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, if there's a horse that I think is going to be a short price, you know, I will say, you know, this horse looks legit. Like, you know, mm-hmm. let's move on. Like, you know, this yep. type of thing, which is value because sometimes Absolutely. you feel like, oh, I like this favorite, but maybe I want to go a little bit deeper. You know, things like that. So again, it just it does provide value because it helps. Um, maybe help people form opinions of, oh, I did like that horse. Oh, they think it's legit. Um, that's where I want to single and then maybe spread in some other areas or vice versa. You know, here's a favorite that that I like that I was going to single. Oh, this is making me think a little bit more about this horse. Look at this race in a different way. So, uh, you know, I, I hope I'm, I'm kind of helping in that way, you know, being another, another voice in the room um, where maybe people don't always have that. Yeah, I, I, that's exactly like you said When I'm reading through something and it's like Ah, there's this chalky horse I And then I see that you or someone else that I very, I really respect Also feels that way It's kind of like, okay, are we going to play this race And look for some under Or maybe just skip it, kind of move along Let's look for value elsewhere, right? Like it it does, it's a massive help um, For someone like me always So I will be uh, I will be using it as a resource Moving forward uh, on big days and any of your posts, thank you so much for uh, for giving out some extra help for people out there. I know a lot of the listeners of this show are big fans of yours, so I'm uh, I'm sure you'll get some of them signing up soon. Go give Emily some support there. Check out her social media at Emily Optics EQ, and then you can find the the link to the Patreon right in her. Um, in her bio there, you can click right to it And uh, you can be signed up in just a few moments Emily will be back here with us Anytime that she can, we always love to have her I, I usually wait every few weeks or so So I don't annoy her over and over and over again Because uh, I know you usually have these fun Long conversations where we really break everything down So, Emily, thank you so much You have a fantastic rest of your week And good luck this weekend Alright, thank you so much, good luck again Do not go anywhere folks, we have a lot more to discuss On this episode of That's What G Said Big thank you to Emily. Love catching up and talking races with Emily, one of my favorite people to uh, to really dive into uh, a horse race with. So just a little recap for race number eight, which is the mine shaft there, uh, or excuse me, race number ten, which is the the mine shaft there. Some of the uh, the horses who I'm I'm looking at including in exotics. I thought I thought Miles D was the one to beat. I will include Obesos in a lot of spots. I I, I was a little more favorable with him than uh, than Emily was. The two. Silver Prospector, if you're looking for more of a price. And then, uh, you know, I, I'm not really all that sold on Olympiad. He could beat me at a shortish price if you're playing some exotics. Those would be 
I think the three I'd, I'd want to use in a lot of spots. I think Miles D, Obesos, and Silver Prospector, untreated, kind of the wild card. In the fairgrounds, the 10 Largent, probably one that's going to be on a lot of my exotics. I will include Santin a bit. I, this is going to be probably the race I spread out. Adamo is the one to beat. I'll throw in Monarchs Glenn, even though we were talking about how he does need a perfect trip. I, I think that he may be getting an opportunity to get a really good run through in here. So I'll spread out a little bit using some of those combinations uh, that we discussed. I love Divine Huntress there at Fairgrounds in the 12th. I think she really is the one uh, uh, that's got the most upside and the most intriguing there. So I'll play a ticket where I single her, and then we can spread around and and use a bunch in others. In the Risen Star, Trafalgar will include Epicenter and Xandin on the tickets. And that's where, you know, if you're playing any kind of pick fours, pick fives, that's, that's how mine will be built there on Saturday over at Fairgrounds. Thanks so much to Emily for helping out, and if you're a fan of Emily's, go check out the Patreon that she has. You can um, you can have di- you can support her with uh, d- different tiers, all sorts of great information, and it's worth it. It's worth uh, however much. I think I signed up for the the nine dollars. So when I'm playing the races too, I can check out all of the notes that she has, and I can uh, I can see if what she thinks complements some of the stuff that I was thinking. Great stuff always from Emily. We're going to get into wrestling with Chad Cooper in just a moment. Before we do, we have to give a big shout-out to one of the longtime sponsors of That's What G Said podcast, Cindy Carava, full-service realtor Cindy Carava. Now, as a full-service realtor, she can help you out in many different ways, like with buying, selling, leasing. She can help connect you with the right kind of vendors if you're looking for home improvement. You know, gardeners, landscapers, all sorts of people that she's used in her own homes. Now, maybe you're having trouble with a loan. She can get you pre-approved for a home loan and connect you with the right type of lenders. CindyCarava.com is the website. You'll find reviews of her on Yelp and Zillow, all sorts of listings for her current projects there on the website. And she is going to be honest with you. She's going to be genuine. She's not going to BS you. She's going to make your life a lot easier with that checklist of uh, what you need to take care of for any of your projects CindyCarava.com, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. Let's talk a little wrestling with Chad Cooper. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. And trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's this week's wrestling recap. All right, calm down. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only Chad. Cooper! Yes, Sam, for this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper. And this week, Chad is helping me out because I am heading out of town and I'm leaving early Thursday morning. So we wouldn't have been able to record on our normal Thursday. So this week, we're only going to talk about WWE stuff and NXT stuff. Next week, we'll kind of double up more on AEW. Although I guess we can talk a little bit about <laughs> some AEW right up. American <laughs> Dream. I, I got to hear him use that music one day, right? That's got to right, come out. Right. It's got to come out. Cody Rhodes is gone from AEW. Um, I don't, from everything I've read and looked at, I don't think this is a work. This seems pretty real. No. Tony sent out a, a release and now, 
you know, we'd heard rumors for a while, Chad, that there was some fighting be- between some of the uh, executive vice producers uh, uh, over there and vice presidents, EVPs, and you know, Cody and the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega basically created this company that Tony Khan came in and was the backer, and Tony has took has taken over, and Cody. He's been in a weird spot at AEW because I think in the beginning he was so worried about not coming off maybe how Dusty came off when he was the booker or how you know someone like Triple H, how the company guy that immediately Cody what t- took himself out of title contention right off the bat. Which and was, was the, I think I think we both said that was a horrible move. It was it was bad for him. Because he could never be in a top tier title feud And he tried to make the TNT and TBS title Like a really strong belt And Cody did a lot of good work in AEW uh, You know he's improved a lot from when he was in WWE His in-ring work is a lot better He's a much better promo And much better on the mic But I don't know what was going on Really behind the scenes We don't know you know, But, but it seemed like He just him and Tony Khan Weren't getting Along as far as how much to, uh, Cody should be getting paid Compared to some of the others I wonder you know when you're someone who Makes a lot of decisions early I wonder if Cody's decision making And power has become less and less The last couple times he's been on TV Have been sort of weird You know it was like he was yeah. doing a, Kind of like a face Heel it was like a real, really weird Back and forth Now all that being said it's a it's a pretty big deal having a huge star like this from AEW, one of the founders of AEW, leave the company and now, like very likely, with all reports that I've read, head back to WWE with a, a possible big mania match on the table. There's a lot to take in uh, with this. Uh, I'm 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 surprised, literally. Uh, there was, I mean, it was out that he and Brandy's contract uh, was was coming up and negotiations were in place. Um, but this this is this is a little shocking, and it, it's one of the founding members of AEW. Remember, he left WWE. He didn't like you know. We let's go back to Stardust, that character, which some people liked it, not many. He didn't. Um, then he comes over with the the arch enemy and creates a new wrestling company that rivals and begins signing free agents. I never thought the booking for Cody Rhodes was very good in AEW. From the no, me neither. I, I'm with you, and it starts with when at the very talked. beginning of the, their company, Cody yes. was really hot. Yes, on the on the independent scene, he did some fantastic work. When Cody was going around and he was do he he showed up in Impact for a little bit, he showed up in New Japan for a little bit. Cody was in Ring of Honor for you know, and it was the Ring right. of Honor champ, you know, I think, right? Or uh, was yeah. it, it was the NWA? They were showing up at they, they were showing yeah. up at indie promotions and just surprising people, you mm-hmm. know, for the longest until this got up and going. Uh, you know, as, as I dig, as you know, I, I don't know if you've had time as well, but I, I was just digging deeper. Uh, I was reading some stuff in Sports Illustrated uh, about this whole deal. I mean, uh, let, let's, you know, Cody and Brandy got their own reality TV show, which was renewed for a second season, which it probably, we haven't heard anything about it. So that's probably gone. He was a judge on uh, the Go Big, or was it Go Big show on TBS with, uh, with Burt Kreishner as the host. He was a judge on that show, I believe, on TBS. I, from what I gather, there has been some falling out backstage mm-hmm. 
um, regarding his power of being able to book. And whether that was taken away by Tony Khan only or others, um, you know, it, it's also out there that he and Brandy were asking for, you know, a significant amount of more money. Um, and all indications now are uh, he is heading to WWE. And I found out today that Brandy, it looks like Brandy will not be heading to WWE. So, you know, she was trying to, you know, she was in the WWE. She was a ring announcer. Eden you know, Styles. Yeah. That was her name. I, I mean, yeah. So, uh, and Brandy was was wanting to wrestle. Um, then she got over to AEW. Uh, then was over the women's division. Then had some injuries. Then she had a baby. Uh, some other things. So this is uh, whether he not whether he shows up in Saudi Arabia. I have no idea. But all indications are that he is going to play a big part in WrestleMania. Uh, there were some rumors that he may be just be an executive v- VP for WWE. But what for what I've been told is he is going to be in ring and he is going mm-hmm. to play a big role in WrestleMania coming up in Dallas here. I in, think so too. That that would be a big that would be a big get for WWE. Cody was a WWE guy for a while going up. That's a massive. This is a massive get. It, this, and this is huge from AEW. Just shifting back from AEW. This is huge. Um, and it, it all comes down to how Cody gets handled in WWE. If if right away they put him in a big spot. Cody will feel like a big star Right If they don't He can quickly be shuffled back to the mid card Where he kind of was when he left Right I agree And that's like You wonder with Vince sometimes When they When guys go And then come back Does he get the respect for them Or you know Is Cody gonna come in And is he gonna say pretty quickly Ah screw it You know we're gonna put Cody back down there And we're not He's not a main event type Either way He's going to the pay window that's yeah, yeah said, look, right? look, hey, mate, yeah, that's great. I love that line. I mean, look, we remember him, you know, was the pay per view entrance, uh, you know, with the sledgehammer to the to the throne there, uh, a little paying uh, homage to to Triple H. Um, yeah, I, I mean, there's some AEW marks that are not happy, and they're blasting Cody. Um, we, you and I have been on this since day one. His booking has just been not good in AEW. It's not. It, it, you said it. Over the last several television appearances, it's been weird. We don't know if Cody's face, a heel, and then, what, two weeks ago, we have Paige Van Zant and Brandy just going at it, and now, you know, that will never be finished. We don't think. I, I couldn't see Brandy sticking around AEW and with, with her husband at WWE. That That's not going to so, but the very, this, this is monumental. This is, look, AEW is going to sign a lot of WWE talent. <laughs> Uh, just before you called, I, I hear Buddy Buddy Matthews, aka Buddy Murphy, uh, has just signed a contract with AEW. Uh, there's a lot of 60, 90 day uh, non compete clauses that are up now, and you're going to see a lot of guys and girls from WWE on AEW television soon. But this is pretty big. This is your founding member of AEW who is going back home to WWE and. Uh, We'll see what AEW does in, in, you know, in you, return. Ho- yeah, hopefully, he, they you know they just don't start up and signing every WWE name they can get because you're gonna you're not gonna win that battle. No, know? but this is and, big, man. This is really big. And this is a, you just think about where Cody is now, and this is something that Dusty did. It reminds me a lot of what Dusty did when Dusty was was the Booker in WCW, and he had a lot of power. And then you know Vince told him, "Hey, come over here." And wrestle and like just don't worry about any of that stuff 
You know, I'll pay you a ton of money and you can wrestle And then Dusty came to WWE He had that little run, we remember his stuff with the Macho Man Macho King and bringing out Miss Elizabeth at Wrestlemania 6 And he had stuff with DiBiase And Sweet Sapphire, you know And um, yeah, and it was fun And it was good And it was at the end of Dusty's career And so what it, what that did was That helped set up Dusty and his family for a while Think about where Cody is now He's getting 36 older, years old. 36. he's got a kid He's got yeah. a kid now you know, he's got a family now. They, he just bought a huge house. Um, like this mansion. He bought a bus, like the tour bus thing that he, he was driving around on all the time. Yeah. So, and Cody's always expressed interest in acting, always. Sure. And so maybe you come, you're thinking about where you are, and it's like, hey, I go this, like, I'll go sign a contract, three or four years, whatever it is, make a ton of money, go take my shot acting a little bit. Maybe that works out. Maybe it does, but. You could see what he's doing You could see him plotting this out And why it makes some sense And then also on the flip side You wonder As you said right off the bat This is a guy who was not happy When he left WWE Not at all So this he, isn't a thing where You know at, at first I went Okay this will work But you me know, too. You know uh, Somebody pointed this out And I always like to give credit And it was Sports Illustrated And you always like to give credit I noticed one thing in his in his post uh, when he was naming, you know, when he was thinking, you know, the, you know, Young Bucks, Matt and Nick and Tony, um, he said Kenneth Omega. And I just thought that was odd that he, I, I've never. In like a real professional way, right? Like yeah, it's not even yeah. like a friendly way of saying Kenny. Yeah. You know, so like it was Kenneth. Just, you know, I, I just, again, we've been on this from day one. We didn't like the way Cody was booked. The last several months have just felt weird. I don't think the fans knew what to do with him. Um, love it or hate it, you you can't knock someone uh, for for taking a big payday because damn it, I would too. You know, I I would have too. You got to do what's best for Cody Rhodes. And uh, if you if you're a founding member and you start losing a lot of stuff, uh, look, there's a reason why they couldn't agree on contract. I'm not saying that AEW, Tony Khan, these people didn't want him there. If they did want him there, he would still be there today. Let me mm-hmm. say that. Abs- so. Absolutely. And there's another, I mean, we don't know, but WrestleMania could be really intriguing this year because there are rumors <laughs> that Stone Frickin' Cold Steve Austin <laughs> could have a match at WrestleMania, which is just nuts. That's, that's he massive, has not dude. wrestled since 2003. I believe he's 57 years old at the at the time and Austin has been one that has been very adamant about how he's not coming back to the ring. He's not in great shape. He doesn't want or like he, you know as every time he said I'm not I wouldn't be in the shape I would want to be in and I'm you know health issues but money talks sometimes. WWE has to sell a bunch of tickets in uh, in Dallas, Texas and man, I I would have I would have never guessed in a million years If you would have no. said all the people coming back And this isn't 100% sure But Fightful is pretty good About these things, I think they broke it You know, they don't, they wouldn't put this out there Unless it was really close And they 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 put the news out there because it was about to get Broken, and if you look at the way Kevin Owens has been on, on <laughs> Raw Recently, with all the Texas Stuff, it feels like it would be A good match, Owens it Would be a perfect guy in the ring To take a bunch of bumps like get a good match out of Austin. They don't have to go 25 minutes, and nope. yeah. and it could be fun. They could do like a, they could do a no DQ kind of match, you know. So it doesn't have to be crazy work rate because all we really need is 
Austin doing the stunner Austin drinking some beers at the end like, and, it, and it's interesting that KO does the stunner That's, what's that's even, why, you know, that would be know, perfect It'd be perfect. And I'm also look. There's also word that w- w- they're they're working on another big WrestleMania type moment, uh, an Austin type surprise. Whether it's Cena comes back for one match, maybe The Rock. I I don't know, but they they are they're working on it because that is a big building to fill up for two days, right? And. Uh, I, Look, man, you got love or hate WWE. WrestleMania is the top of the top. I know there's there's some things that happen in Japan that are that are just as big. I'm not familiar with that. I grew up with WrestleMania. This, this is the top of the top in professional wrestling in North America. I don't care what talent tells you it's not. It is. It it just is. They're gonna go big, and they have to go big this year. Um, so it, it, it's going to be really interesting, man, who returns for a match or two. And, hey, maybe Austin could come back like a Goldberg-type contract where you mm-hmm. get one or two matches. Maybe like Edge. You get a couple of matches out, out of for me, you know, for a year. So it's – uh, Man, it's, it's exciting. It's, we keep saying it week in and week out. It's an interesting time for professional wrestling. But it really is during WrestleMania season, right? Wow. It I mean, really is. When you think of – you know, we, people always talk about the all-time best and – on those short lists, you'll always have Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair, and you'll have, you know, Shawn Michaels getting thrown on list and Bret Hart, and you'll have, uh, you know, you'll see other people pop up here and there. But the the biggest star at the biggest point of pro wrestling in history was Stone Cold Steve Austin. Without the, a doubt. The window of him, I mean, bigger than The Rock. Rock's a bigger star Absolutely. now, obviously, because he's gone on and done the movie stuff. But The Rock was never as over as Stone Cold in the WWE. He was always sort of. Number two behind Stone Cold And then when Stone Cold wasn't around The Rock would be the guy You know when Austin was hurt Or when things were, were happening And there was nothing like that glass shattering man If and, <laughs> and that's what would be cool about The match Just the the knowing it was going to come Because that moment when the glass shattered Because normally when Austin will come out At WrestleManias and stuff They'll maybe announce him But you don't really know He'll, he'll be just come out and cut a promo You know something sure. like that so it'll be like, oh, Austin's going to show up, but we don't know if he's coming at the beginning or when he's coming. So you don't. But w- if they were to have a match and they show that video package, you know, and then you know that Austin's coming out for the match next, man, that music, when that glass hit, when that shatters, that would be one of the biggest pops of all time the return of Stone Cold Steve Austin. We'll tell you more about it in the coming weeks here on um, That's What G Said. So, Coop, let's, let's preview Elimination Chamber. Okay. We'll hit the card, and as we go through the card, we'll kind of talk about what happened on Raw and SmackDown, and then we'll get into uh, Vengeance Day. We'll talk about uh, which was a really good show on Vengeance. It was Day. good. It was really good. good. So, on the card for Elimination Chamber, we have the two, the men's and the women Elimination Chambers. But the one, one of the um, matches that has recently been announced was built on SmackDown: Ronda and Naomi. Versus Charlotte and Sonia And that Charlotte Naomi match On Smackdown Was incredible It Shout out to Naomi She doesn't get opportunities Like that to have a 20 minute Match you know in a main Event setting but she Showed that if you give her the opportunity She's going to nail it and we know what Charlotte Is going to give you in big moments And I feel like with 
I feel like these two girls like each other. I don't even know that, but it feels like Charlotte like likes Naomi and wants to, you know, makes her look good in the ring too with the, the both of them. I just thought a really great chemistry, a great match, and the tag match should be fun. And then sort of what they're doing is Naomi is cheered in a baby face. Sonya's hated. They kind of know by teaming up Naomi with Ronda, it'll probably get Ronda more cheers and it'll get Ronda a little more on the baby face side heading to Mania. First, the match uh, you're talking about on SmackDown, it's hard to get 20 minute matches on pay per views, much less Monday or Friday night on live television, on cable television. So, kudos to those two ladies for, you know, not only putting that type of match on, but they main evented SmackDown. I, you, you don't see that in another company anywhere else, regardless uh, what level. Um, let me play devil's advocate a little bit about this match. Does this take away from Ronda Charlotte at Mania because they're going to be in the ring with each other? Or is yes, this no, it be... does. It does. Okay, hundred percent. I, I know, and I think that's a. I think they. It, think they'll and stay I don't, away from that. I don't, and I think they got worried about. Maybe they forgot. I don't know because Ronda should be a heel. She just should. Yes, 100%, she's so much. Yeah, she's just so naturally a heel, and I think what ends where it gets tricky is like. When she shows up, people are going to cheer her because she's a big star. So right. the first time she shows back up, people are going to pop for her and stuff. But then, when you start to to put her across the ring from the people that your fans really like, then she's probably not going to get cheered. Even with Charlotte, the fans love to boo Charlotte because maybe they think like, "Oh, I, I'm sick of seeing Charlotte," or you know, Charlotte's flares. But Charlotte is like. Is ours to boo you know what I mean it's like we're WWE fans she's a we can boo her But she's still the WWE one Ronda's kind of coming so I think I think they're so worried about Ronda getting cheered that They're like hey we, we got to put Ronda with a Baby face here put Ronda With Naomi have her do some baby face Things people will get a little bit more Behind her they'll boo the people on the Other side because it's Sonya who people hate Along with Charlotte I think that Was what a lot of the point of this match Is honestly we have to have a Naomi Sonya payoff sooner or later, right? Mm-hmm. And, that should be a Mania. Yeah, one would think WrestleMania. So does Ronda submit Sonya here? Because Charlotte's not going to take the pin. Or do you see Naomi and Ronda losing, and Naomi taking the pin? Because we know Ronda Rousey is not going to. How I don't. Do you, how do you see? Yeah, I mean, if it would be if they would want to keep building the Naomi Sonya stuff, it could be in that sense where Naomi gets pinned. She does something to cheat to help Charlotte get the win over Naomi, and then post match, Ronda and Naomi beat crush them, and and they get to do the beat down, and everybody cheers. But I don't, I don't, I don't think it's the best idea for Ronda's team to be losing right now, or Ronda to be like Sonya feels like she would be the most, the best to sort of take the, take the pin in this situation because they just don't have the most. Like Naomi, I'm kind of. Naomi's got some equity now coming off of that match. I can, I, I can really think she does. And I can see Charlotte leaving, leaving the ring and saying, "Hey, look, this is this is on you." There you I go. I mean, there's a couple, there's a couple of different ways. I, I just, I, it's an intriguing match. You know, it's no, Saturday, but you're right. I don't you know, like noon. when they put the people who are going to be in a big match. I, I don't want them to touch a whole lot. Maybe in non in non wrestling scenarios, okay, right? right? In the build up, the few weeks before, if there's going to be some brawls, that's fine. But I don't like them in the ring because then it's okay. We saw a lot of them matching up, so the least amount of Ronda Charlotte interaction in this match, please. 
um, you know, on, on Elimination Chamber. What else we got? Uh, on the SmackDown side, Drew versus Madcap Moss. So, <laughs> I mean, they keep giving uh, Madcap shots. And you know what? Madcap is fine, sort of in his role. And what's interesting is, like, Madcap Moss has a match on this card. The New Day is not on this card. No, well, <laughs> what? The, first, let's talk about New Day. They they lose to open the show down to Los Lotharios. <laughs> I mean, whew. Um, my it, how the mighty have fallen. Have fallen, right? Uh, at least they got a stipulation added to this match. It's a falls count anywhere, so it's a little bit more intriguing. Still, don't know what we have for Drew at WrestleMania, right? Um, so okay, real quick, we were teasing a little bit earlier. So while we got the, that conversation, who would be the person if Cody comes in and has a WrestleMania match? Because for Drew, I'm kind of looking like I don't know if Cody Drew like that would be a fun match, but I don't know what the build is there. Who would who would be the? Because I'm looking the same thing for Drew, and I'm wondering Cody's out there, maybe like an AJ or even an Edge, someone like that for Cody. Yeah, uh, I mean Triple Seth H would Rollins? be. Seth would be great. Triple H would be great, yeah, but Triple H, H I don't think health wise is. Yeah, I don't think so. I, I don't know. That's why I'm I'm interested to see if he shows up in Saudi Arabia. Me too. Uh, on Saturday, um, I, I just you don't know. If not, uh, do do you wait to bring him in uh, over the next couple of weeks? Because I I would do it as soon as possible. I, I, you know, he's in the headlines already. Me too. I think he's watching. Monday capitalize on the buzz. On don't Monday. wait. Yeah. Do it. Don't wait. Either do it now, now or next Monday or two I, Friday. I, I, I or would whatever. assume that he's probably going to be a raw guy. I don't mm-hmm. know that. Uh, Vince is at both shows. I don't know that. Um, could you see him in Austin Theory? I, I, I don't. And know. like, is he a baby face or is a heel? I'm really fascinated. Like, what's the angle when he too. comes back? Is he like, hey, I'm back, you know, and. Cody Rhodes and we just kind of lean back into Like Cody Rhodes is back And American Dream or does he play into Any of the stuff I left I came back I made it right. on my I own mean, does he, I don't, Is he a Lashley do you maybe immediately put him up With Lashley right Lashley because retains because I mean, Lashley, Lashley doesn't really now? Have anybody if he does retains it? I mean this the person that Is a perfect fit obviously that everyone Make them like they all have a big history is Orton sure you know they they were legacy and everything, but Orton feels like he's kind of involved in something with Riddle at the uh, you know you would think, but yeah, it's a it's a good question because we look at the lay of the land for Drew and that that sort of sparked that for me. I wonder what they have planned for him at WrestleMania. Drew Madcap Moss on the card for the uh, Elimination Chamber in Saudi Arabia, the SmackDown Tag Team Championship match is going to be the Usos versus the Viking Raiders here. This feels a little cold. It is. I don't know. The Usos feel a little cold recently, even. They do. For a while, they were involved a lot with the Roman bloodline stuff, and they felt like a big deal. I don't, they just, they haven't been quite as much lately. They just kind of been really just like standing there. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely agree. And uh, look, somebody is going to cool off sooner or later. They always do. It, it, Roman Reigns will. They they all do. Um. You know, the tag team champions on uh, in WWE, whether it's the men's side or the women's side, it just seems like, hmm, I don't know what's going on here. Because, especially on the women's side, uh, you know, Carmella and Queen Zelina. Where have they I, been? 
have they even defended the title? I know. I don't, know. I don't want to get off in that tangent, but but yeah, like no, you're SmackDown. We're, we're getting one of the Usos versus one of the Viking Raiders um, on SmackDown this Friday night. I th- this is. I don't see the Viking Raiders win it. If they do, how do you? It's hard to take them serious because they've been losing so much. Then all of a sudden they have a title match. So, you know, maybe they'll surprise us and have a good match. I could see this maybe starting the show off. I don't know, but this, I, I, this is really, I'm not really interested in this, in this match. The Usos are fantastic, yeah. and I hate that they're cold, but I just can't really get into, you know, them and the Viking Raiders right no, now. No, no, not at all. The we do know that we're not going to get on this show, but we will get next week, or is it this week? I guess on Friday. It's is it this Friday, Friday? night? I know the Sami Zayn. Yeah, Sami yeah. Zayn versus uh, Nakamura. Now, the because of the travel, the Friday night show is actually taped delayed or uh, is right. taped already. They've already taped, taped it last week, right. and then Saturday morning is when the Elimination Chamber is in Saudi Arabia. So because of the you know the the difference in time, um, everyone is going to be gone. So that's coming up, and I think Sammy, being um, his uh, um, his faith and his uh, nationality, he wouldn't go to Saudi Arabia. And yeah, I believe oh, yeah. reading, um, I mean, he wouldn't be allowed in. I mean, the, 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 there's obviously a, a lot of uh, a lot of history there. And I believe I read somewhere that Ko kind of was not wanting to go because of his buddy, which is yeah. kind of cool. So yeah. um, it, talk about you a know, good dude. Yeah. So Ko, who if. Because when when Austin Theory ended up beating him to be in the Elimination Chamber, it seemed a little weird. Not that Austin Theory is in, but just that Kevin Owens wasn't because he'd been involved in the Rollins stuff so much, you know, and in 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 that picture, even with Lashley and and had been in with Big E for a while, so it felt like he was perfect to be in there with them. But now maybe we're starting to see because maybe they had plans for Owens also with uh with Austin stuff. Sure. So sure. Yeah, and, and and now that you look back at it, we were all so pissed off. What are they doing? Why is KO just resigned? This is what they do to people who do sign contract extensions. Then we let a couple of weeks go by, and it it starts to play itself out. And I would lose every match if I had to to know that I I have a possibility and chance to work Austin at WrestleMania. But um, I think unfortunately. <laughs> We're getting a Sammy Knoxville, Johnny Knoxville payoff type match. I know. Um, it sounds like we're going to get that at WrestleMania. It we're sounds it. like and it. Look, I'm not giving any spoilers, uh, but it looks like uh, Sammy's got to win the title. Like Sam- Sammy has to win the title because now. Sammy's been doing fantastic yeah. work lately and knocking the red carpet. You know, oh, and, that was and so he, funny. And then it he's was got so a, funny. Yeah, and he's got these. Say, last Friday night, he had this great segment. Um, uh, insane or something or insane mm-hmm. insane but yeah and, and it's definitely gonna set up knoxville sammy and you know what they last year it was bad bunny who bad bunny this week is in houston for two nights at the toyota center um that has been sold out for like a year and a half now um if this is the payoff and you're gonna do it with someone sammy zane has just been phenomenal at what he's doing it's kind of been like what, which, you know, Chad Gable has been able to do this on on, oh, on yeah. Raw. But yeah. Sammy, who I have just never really, and I've said it on the show, I've never really gotten into. But, man, ever since that golden egg segment, <laughs> you know, with Vince McMahon, you know, it's just, I kind of got into the conspiracy stuff with Sammy, but it kind of got old because mm-hmm. he would go away for a couple of weeks and come back with it. 
But Sammy needs to win the title this week on SmackDown and go into it with WrestleMania and just have a whatever you're going to do with Johnny Knoxville, all the jackass guys and gals will be there and just do some some crazy, interesting stuff. It's going to grab headlines. That's what WWE likes. So that that's what we're going to get. But um, yeah, Sammy needs to win the title. Uh, so we, we thought we were going to be held out till Mania with a ladder type match, but no. Let's uh, let's go ahead and put put the strap on Sammy. So Sammy and KO both recently resigned. Yes. With WWE, and it was because I think it was Wade Keller who I was listening to the other day, and he had said, you know, a lot of people just assume that guys like Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn aren't happy. And like you hear, Sami Zayn was like, I don't know why people think that. I'm having a blast. <laughs> He's like, I'm having a blast. Yeah, I'm on know, TV all the time. I'm doing these really cool segments. Kevin is my buddy too. Like, I don't. And they both resigned. They both seem super happy. And it just goes on. It goes without with to you know without saying. We never know what things are like behind closed doors. We never know the relationships that people have. Heck, Brian Danielson, Daniel Bryan, when he left WWE, he wrote like a love letter to Vince. Yeah, I yeah. I hope you're like you've been like a a father to me. I wish people could see the side of you that I've seen, you know, and all this stuff. And so we, when it looked on paper like up oh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, they're gonna head to AEW, right? They're gonna be there. Well, no. And now you look at the both of them, and <laughs> they're not main eventing WrestleMania, but they're in a better spot right now in WWE than if they would have gone over to AEW. They get a lot more TV time. They're on a bunch. Sammy's going to be right in the intercontinental picture And KO looks like he's set up to Be having some sort of interaction And if it's not Austin It's going to be Shawn Michaels Or someone who's going to end up coming out And laying him out And you know being team Texas when it's all said and done And Shawn Michaels would be a good uh, be great You know because he's from San Antonio Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah you know Look there's always uh, it, we, there was a report that came out that said, oh, morale's at an all-time low in WWE heading into this WrestleMania. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, there's always going to be people that are very upset. Mustafa Ali. I mean, this guy is just, I mean, he's taken to social media and just, you know, I'll see you guys and I, in and two I'm years. not saying they're great, right? The stuff they're doing to Mustafa Ali seems pretty and, trivial and shitty. Honestly, it yeah, does. It, it, it does, but... I'm here to tell you right now, Gino, and the 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 world, and the and we we got to come up with a a nickname for your listeners. The um, genotypes. Yeah, the genotypes. I'm here to tell the genotypes. Not all is is uh, Louis Armstrong. It's a wonderful world in the dressing room, in the locker room, in, in AEW or Impact. Mm-hmm. We just I see it right you now. It's not. I promise you, it's not. It doesn't leak as in, much. There's and again, no I'm why, not sticking you know? up for WWE here. But no, not at all, because they've done some terrible things to to, to people. To, and that's but crappy. Would, that's crappy. But some of the people that we're finding out now they released, you you start to find out why. You know? Like at the beginning, it's like, oh my God, how did they just let Braun Strowman go? But then it's like you look at Braun Strowman and you you it's start nuts. to hear and it's like, <laughs> oh my gosh, this guy is a little crazy, you know, like he's and then Nia Jax. Oh, well, you're finding out that. And even someone like like Keith Lee, for example, who I don't know if some of the stuff that's been said about Keith Lee, how much it's true, how not, but apparently the guy has a, a, a very high um, you know, ego, a big ego, kind of he feels very highly about himself, which is great. A lot of 
Sure. A lot of people do. I do. A lot of people do. I do. It, I'm right? the best we all, so, so that's fine. But can't you tell? Yeah, <laughs> right. Like so much that he doesn't like or doesn't want to lose in spots, or he doesn't think a lot of times he needs to take criticism on getting in better shape or how to work a match or his move set. And he does look like he's he's a little bigger. It yes. makes sense because he hasn't been wrestling as much. So he's just not in as good of shape. And he had some health issues and a health scare. So he, you know, he was he hasn't just been com- completely in 100% shape for the last few years, but the point is is that we kind of hear that they get released and then we immediately react and want to go be like, "Oh, screw WWE." And some of the times that's the right reaction, but then other times after we start to find out like, "Oh, they, they it seems like they probably <laughs> had a very valid reason because if that person isn't a good part of your locker room and you have to pay them a lot of money, it's just not really worth it." Correct. One hundred percent. So look, there, there, there's, as you said, we're we're not defending. There, there's there's issues. Uh, there is, and Mustafa Ali has just been. And one could say the same about Big E. You go from world champion to you're losing. Uh, you're a curtain jerker on Raw, and you're losing to Los Lotharios. But you know, it's uh, he, he's also getting paid very handsomely too. Yeah. Right. I'm not saying Mustafa Ali. I'm talking about Big E. But let's it, it, it's it's easy to jump on things because of what certain one or two people say that have some influence over the mm-hmm. wrestling. News they kind of want to steer a, a steer a narrative in this in this direction, you know. Sure, but um, one thing is for sure: Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn are having the time of their lives right now. And they're and you can see it with the work they're doing. That Kevin oh, Owens Texas promo a couple weeks ago was hilarious. I was laughing. And you can tell Sammy is having a blast with what he's doing, the red carpet stuff and the stuff with Knoxville. This yeah, Kevin perfect. what did Kevin Owens say on Monday night if 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 he didn't mean all of the good things he said about Texas? He I, the one thing that stuck with me was if 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 uh what did he say? If 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 America or if this if this nation was a human body that Texas, Texas is the ass. It's ass. It's ass. It's like, come on, dude. Don't say that. But, you know, look, they're in great spots in their career right now. As you said, look, they're on the descent. Um, they would not look. They were. You're vying for time every week, and the time these two guys have been getting uh, in the best wrestling, uh, whether you call it entertainment or wrestling, it's still got wrestling. The best wrestling company in the world. They are getting a ton of time each and every week, um, and it's it's hard to do. Sami Zayn is on. Like he's in mainstream publications and stuff right now yeah. because of the stuff he does with Knoxville. They're showing yeah. the clips of him on Entertainment Tonight and on other shows. Like that's those that's cool for some of them. And you think about what we were just saying with Cody for guys like Sammy and K- and KO, they have spent a lot of their life on the independent scene. They they traveled. They put their bodies through a ton of stuff to get to the point. To get a big contract like this from the big company Like that's what you work for And so now they don't have to go out Every single night and throw their Body all over the place because they've earned it They can use some of their other skills Both of them are fantastic on the mic So we won't we won't see them this weekend But we will see them on fr- uh, Friday on Smackdown and then we'll see KO again next week uh, Talking trash about Texas Most likely <laughs> Yeah <laughs> the final uh, SmackDown match that's uh, that's on the card for Elimination Chamber is the title match: Reigns versus Goldberg. Oh, um, you know, <laughs> Goldberg. 
Like we said, whoever was going to be slotted in here was going to lose to Roman. And Regardless. it's a Saudi Arabia yeah. show. They they like Goldberg out there. Might and, as well let them pay for it, right? Right. And and <laughs> his last match, I will say, against the match against Lashley wasn't awful. No, it, it wasn't. We were sort of surprised by it. How they, you know, it was pretty good for the most part. And then towards the end, the finish got a little wonky, but it wasn't for the title. And at least this is a like I don't think anyone feels like he's going to beat Roman or not. This shouldn't go that long. They can, they can get put a bow on this because this was supposed to be the title match two years ago at that, WrestleMania. That's, that, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, and they and brought so, that up in the promos, and that is a Genoism right there. You have mm-hmm. you always say if you will bring up old one, old one thing storylines. That's it, it. Just it would, one thing. Would, and guess what they did? They did that. Boom. They've been listening to that's what G said. I can tell the numbers have been good. We're in fifty. <laughs> last year we were in fifty-two countries. You're, you know, you're so we top, got we got top. Look, your top market is Stanford, Connecticut. That's what I've been told. I heard the same thing. Vinny Max got us on in the background repeatedly trying your to get some info, some tidbits there. <laughs> so, uh, uh, looks like Roman will get the job done. And as we head on over and talk about the matches that are from Raw on uh, on the Elimination Chamber, we've got one that they just recently added. Which is fun, Mysterio, Miz. You know they'll uh, they'll have a singles match on the card. These two guys have been sort of feuding in with Dominic. It's just I don't know where they're going with the Dominic stuff, and it's felt like it just every week we felt like okay, it's gonna turn, and then it's dragging, and it's gonna. It's just I they should almost I know they would they should just almost come out and be like, hey, you know we screwed up. We're just not gonna turn these guys. You know <laughs> they're gonna just be together now. So don't be expecting some turn. You know because like right. Otherwise it's just. It's fine. It's on the cart. Like these are two guys that good veterans. They're going to be Hall of Famers, and they'll have a fine match. But it's. I mean, I can't expect it'll be anything too crazy or spectacular. No, this is going to be placed uh, after a hot match. You know, um, looking at this, I, I, you know, I would assume the Elimination Chamber match um, is that your main event, or is Roman and Goldberg your main event? I'd say Elimination Chamber is your main event because okay, I don't think so- Goldberg and, and Roman will go that long. No, not for a main event. Um, so Ray and the Miz will be look. It, it's not going to be a bad match. Uh, Ray is still, oh. you know, uh, very good in the ring. The Miz is the Miz. Maurice will be with him. I, I just hope this kind of ends. Maybe it carries over to Monday, and we have one little segment. I, I wouldn't mind the Miz being the the driving force that broke up Dominic and Ray. Sure. And and if you want. The Miz to be that guy. Let let Miz go over Ray, uh, which you probably won't um, at Saudi Arabia, and and let him be a driving wedge. And maybe that's the way you, we can get Ray and Dominic in. But I I don't want this to drag on anymore. No, we have to see the payoff for Ray and Dominic at Mania. Miz, you know, needs to. You know, there's there's a lot of people that's going to be involved in WrestleMania. Of course, it's two days, but Miz is not going to be in no battle royal. He's going to be with somebody different. I, I mean, Miz Dominic makes zero sense for WrestleMania. The I only know. thing that, that that makes sense is Ray and Dominic at Mania. So if Miz wants to be the guy that that pits them against each other, let's start it this weekend. I would let Miz go over, uh, and maybe Maurice kind of causes issues. Between, I agree between father and son. Yep, that that seems like the the way to go here. We've got the women's title match: uh, Becky Lynch versus Lita. I've been really impressed with Lita on the mic. You know, I continue. I think she's done a really good job setting this up, and she 
I don't think Lita's going to beat Becky, but I feel I give Lita a hell of a lot more of a chance to beat Becky than I think Goldberg could beat Roman. Oh, well, one hundred percent. I'm going to sprinkle so, a little cheese on this, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. Sprinkle a little money, a little money line, yeah, a little, yeah. a little yeah. legal line, <laughs> a little legal line. Um, they they've done very good uh, promos. Again, we talk about it every week uh, on the podcast. It's just you know. Becky is so over and everyone likes her. It's it's hard for her to be a heel. And uh I, I know she she's a good one, but man, they look it's it's hard to to not like her and root for yeah. her for everything she's been in. She just is a mom, she's a new mom too, and she just yeah. came back and she like looks fantastic. She does. And so she was I, someone I mean, who look. was not like Becky. The difference is, is Becky isn't Charlotte. Like Charlotte was always supposed to be. This Becky wasn't yeah. when no, Becky came in. No. The reason why we love Becky is because she was like the forgotten one. You know, Becky was kind of like a Daniel Bryan. She, we, we as the fans feel like we created Becky a little bit. So that's why sure. we are so invested in Becky because Becky was going to be the fourth of the four horsewomen always. She was always kind of, she would win some big matches here or there, but she was kind of laughing and, and goofy and funny, which I actually liked her character. I thought she was hilarious <laughs> a lot of the time. But she she was never really treated like she was on the same level with the other top top women in the divisions. And and now because the fans got behind her so much, they don't in in like the in our belly, you just don't want to boo her if you you know you, you want to root for her. And so She's doing a great job trying to make you boo her as much as she can, being Weasley, not wanting to match with Lita, kind of being scared here. But I've enjoyed the buildup for this. I really have. I thought it, I think it should be pretty good. Yeah, it's going to be entertaining. Um, Becky will retain, and that leads us to the women's, the Raw Women's Elimination mm-hmm. Chamber. Um, it, it looks like if if Bianca is the way to go, then Becky is going to have to be the heel. Uh, mm-hmm. g- going into WrestleMania, so are you dead set on Bianca Belair defeating Liv Morgan, Dewdrop, Nikki, Ash, Alexa Bliss, who got um, uh, that that sixth spot or fifth spot? I mean, uh, it, sixth spot. Yeah. On paper, it cannot be anybody but Bianca or Alexa, and Alexa doesn't really make sense. I mean, they can like they can shoehorn it in, like Alexa can well, win, and then they'll have the build, but. Liv I'll Morgan. say this. I'll say like, this, Gino. Uh, Rhea had a very okay, good show on Monday this, Night Raw. That was and, like a Kofi. Remember that? Is, that was a lot like a Kofi. Tease? Are they because telling us something? Man, no. she. The building of this match is so obviously slanted to Bianca. Now, I would have zero problem if Rhea Ripley wins and they shoot Rhea Ripley to go face Becky. Me neither, and that's I where would, I was I going. I would with very this. much. Very much like that Now I would feel very bad for Bianca Because it does feel like Ever since the moment that Becky came back and and Had the quick win over her That they have been setting up Bianca For the payoff to get that Win over Becky back at some Point now she doesn't have To have it at Wrestlemania here she could Get that at SummerSlam or any other time But you don't want to go You don't want to go too long With Bianca to where Okay, she had three or four times where she didn't get the win back from Becky, and then she was in the Rumble, and she didn't get the win in the Rumble, and then she was in the Elimination Chamber, and she didn't get the win there. You, you know, you don't want to go too far to where we look around and all of a sudden Bianca doesn't feel important. But wow, if you're gonna 
I would love I, I love what they've been doing with Rhea. I Me love too. it. Once they the one got out that that tag team title picture, um, she's bit Nikki. Uh, you know, would she go forty five minutes? Yeah, man. This this Rhea? was look. I love gauntlet matches. Me too. I, I love them. They, they're really. It doesn't matter what level, indie level, WWE. They're just really good, and when you give them time, they're really good. WWE, um, for some reason, they do a lot of things that we critique. They do the gauntlet matches really well. Right. For do. whatever reason, they set and them up well. I would rather have Bria versus Becky, but why would you build Bianca up for Raw, you know, winning this, and then mm-hmm. she goes to the el- Elimination Chamber. Look, Liv's not going to win it. We've no. been there, done that. It's just not happening. Do drop. They just did that. Drop, Nikki Ash is just Nikki, there to get nope. out quickly. Nope. Uh, Alexa, don't think she needs to. She's Me still either. doing this kind of goofy <laughs> thing. Um, I don't know where they're going with her. Um, I, I just think WrestleMania is a storybook type ending event. For storylines in the WWE And if Bianca does win the Elimination Chamber match And she does work Becky Lynch at Wrestlemania She has to win the title Because she does. Do- if she does it, it's over She does, she's got to win She's got to beat Becky And then like I said, immediately I don't think it hurts Becky I really don't Are you, are you afraid though That if, if, if they do go with Bianca And she wins the Elimination Chamber match are we going to be okay with Bianca Lil or Bianca Becky or, or is the fans are like eh. Becky's going to have to do something pretty evil in the build up, right? Like in the build up, she's going to have to t- attack her and take her out, and we're going to have to like be bad, yeah, yeah, it, like yeah. um, like something and do something even with maybe get Montez Ford in the mix too, you know, because like yeah. they're they're um, married and sure. I, I I could see Becky doing something sort of evil to. Make you cheer her and then afterwards You know that's when I was saying Becky goes away for a month or two And then you know she comes back You know and she can come back With like a clean slate and let me go after Rhonda You know yeah because I I, I Think we're I I think you know we talked about This last week uh, or the week before WWE does have a pay-per-view In uh, right after mania in May I, I think they it's backlash So you're probably going to see Some Run it back style matches I don't know if Becky and Bianca will be involved In that but uh, I, I do like The way they, they've not Repackaged but have turned Rhea Ripley Into a badass and it didn't take uh, long it, You it know why she's long, uh, No goofy promos Nothing goofy None. just let her go in there and wrestle And get over That's And it. you know she's got her body Language and everything just feels better when she Comes out now too you know she was Walking for a while and you could tell it starts to weigh on your confidence a little bit Sure When you're not doing well And you could see she was kind of like Sloped Like slul- sulking a little bit When she would walk out Like now she's bouncing When she comes out Her entrance well, man, and- Look man People read their own headlines They do uh, you know, They do uh, Look I'm not saying everyone does there, There's some guys and gals out there That do not care what you say about them On social media There are a lot that, that do though And she may be one of them And, and look this, this did a lot for her um, on Monday, it I did. just hope if she doesn't win, I just hope she's not forgotten about. Maybe if she doesn't Bianca, win, she should get a match with Lita. Sure, maybe her and Bianca do some things uh, to determine a number one contender for sure. Becky Lynch. You know, I, I don't know, but uh, it's going to be interesting. It, it's a it's a twelve o'clock Central Time start uh, on, on Saturday. It's hard to get into, but these shows usually uh, 
um, produced some very good content. So I'm looking forward to this card on Saturday. And the one final uh, main event match for the men, the Elimination Chamber. Bobby Lashley oh. is the champ, defending against Brock Lesnar, Seth freaking Rollins, Austin Theory, Riddle, and AJ Styles. I mean, I mean, it's I, yeah, that, that's solid, man. Right? right? I mean, it's a good. This is a good lineup. This match should be awesome. And I'm pretty confused in what they may do because it, the most simple, basic thing would be. Lesnar gets screwed over again And then you have Lesnar versus Reigns And you have Lashley versus Anyone else that you want Now, it does. It's, the problem is that It just doesn't feel like there's a, like a natural contender For Lashley on the yeah. Raw side Right now And they do like to do they, I, they know they think so highly Of Roman, they would love to do something Like a champion versus champion thing I could, where they would, Roman would have both belts They'd love him carrying them both around For a while I just don't know if they're going to go to a situation where they don't have a championship on Raw, you know, or they, or maybe sure. between now and WrestleMania, Brock will be on Raw still, and they'll be on both. But I, I would prefer if Lesnar doesn't win this match, and then it'll give somebody else a title match with Lashley or whatever they want to go in that other direction. But I could very easily see Lesnar just winning this match. I don't think. So I don't think I could see Austin Theory winning I don't think I could see Riddle winning No I do think I could get to Seth or AJ though Okay And I I mean AJ is one who He just lost to Priest Which was weird After beating Priest the week before I didn't like like their back and forth at all I just didn't think they needed to wrestle each other for two weeks But there was all that buzz about AJ before the Rumble And then since then There's been a lot more Presenting AJ like how we wanted him presented Like a top Like a top tier kind of guy You know he's cutting his promos He's on his own He's not in the tag stuff anymore Lashley winning would make the most sense And then he could defend against whomever they want And Seth has been really hot lately Man Seth Seth for a while was kind of in a weird uh, Weird spot But with the Rumble match Leading into the Rumble The build up stuff with Roman was very good And then all the stuff he was doing with KO Has been very good So and I think the rumor at day one was supposed to be for Seth to win that title, but they changed it around when Brock ended up coming over and winning the title. So I, after all is said and done, I still think it's going to be Lashley. Where do you go? Uh, you know, what would you be, what do you think the WWE universe, the fans are thinking right now? What would shock them more or what, what would make them say, oh, I knew that was going to happen. Lesnar winning the title and them having a big unification uh, because we're not going to get any DQs or anything at WrestleMania with 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 that match. No, with those two with, guys with, in that. with a with a with a, especially with a unification. Right. I wouldn't think so. Um, then you're really going to piss some people off. Uh, so with that or with. Lesnar being screwed over Again in this match Because that's what I was kind of was saying with Bianca Even a minute ago Surprise you yeah so you know because you, you don't if, want him losing at the end I guess he won the rumble so it doesn't It just feels but if, if you don't want him Losing at the you know he lost that title match And then he loses this and then he's going right. to be The guy that's going to go on and win your your main Event of Wrestlemania Well that, but, that's that, that's my point if he yeah. loses This match or if he can't be pinned Saturday, so he he needs to be screwed over somehow, some way. Because 
if he goes into WrestleMania off this loss, I don't like it. Uh, it feels is yeah. he gonna beat Roman Reigns? And if he does, it's like uh, you're kind of just giving it to him. But if it's, he takes the belt with him, it's like ah, you know. So now there's nothing on Raw, so those guys don't I, even I don't, have a title. I don't see these titles being unified. I just don't. I don't either. I don't I, think I, I, with the the separate networks, the separate no. rosters, it feels like they both now, need this, one. If so this, if Raw and SmackDown were both on the USA Network or they were both on Fox, I could definitely see it happening. But I completely I agree. If, or if this was all WWE Network, right? You know, yeah, if everything I, I, was on I, the I, same. I see the dude getting screwed over somehow, some way. I don't know. Um, I, I don't know how. I don't know how they're going to do it. But a loss here would not be good. A, a sh- yeah. a, some kind of screw job would be. Would. Yep. That's the, that makes the most sense. Give me a schmozzy. You still have the Usos on the card, right? Yeah. So. I, I mean, maybe this is the reason why they're on the card. Mm-hmm. Um, to, You're right. To do something. But, you know, I, I just, uh, you have to be very careful here. Um, because if AJ wins. Or if Rollins wins, I mean, Lashley's going to have to have an immediate title rematch. And you're not going to wait till WrestleMania to get that. We, we we don't want that. We would definitely want AJ or Seth to defend it against somebody else. Yes. You know, other than Lashley, because they're, you know, Lashley's much bigger than them. So this is interesting here. I, I, I think it's Lashley's to keep. Me too. And then, uh, I'm not saying he headlines uh, a Saturday or the Sunday night. But, he goes uh, on the mat on the one with Ronda and Charlotte, and that's sure. the headliner. And then his Absolutely. match is, is the second from the top. On that card. I don't know who with, it's going to be. Maybe it's Cody. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's it is not. Cody. Yeah, because maybe, maybe, maybe afterwards maybe he comes out on way. Monday. Triple and it's like, who's my next challenger? There's nobody here. I just beat you all in the elimination chamber. You're not worthy. And then, oh, as long as he doesn't come out and focus. I don't know. There's no uh, polka dots or Mabel. Yeah, that's uh, that's involved. <laughs> so let's get to Vengeance Day. As this was a good show, man. Yeah, it was. Uh, I thought this was a really good show. We kick it off with the steel cage match: Pete Dunne versus Tony D'Angelo. It was the weaponized steel cage match, and I mean, at the end, this thing got just nuts. We got the crowbars all over the place. Pete Dunn ends up getting the win He hits the bitter end on top of a bunch of table debris And I think both of these guys Come out of this match looking good I probably would have preferred if Tony D wins Just because he's more of the young up and coming guy With upside but if they have plan If they like Pete and they want to put Pete As like your next title contender Or have Pete as like the next guy to face Maybe Carmelo for the North American championship Then I could see why they had him win this And it doesn't hurt Tony D at all I thought both of these guys had a really good showing yeah, it was strong. Uh, it was a really good match. Both did a, a very good job. And I think they're going Pete Dunn Carmelo because later in the night we have a promo with Pete and he says something about, you know, that uh, that North American championship is uh, whatever he said. Uh, I think they're going to go Pete Dunn Carmelo. But I, I, look, it, it was a good opener uh, to an interesting show. Um you, you got to get look. We, we there was some cheese ball stuff with Tony D in the very beginning, right? You either thought this was fantastic or you thought this was the worst thing ever. The one thing is, right now after this match on Tuesday night, you got to respect the guy because they 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 did work their tails off in that match. So um, Raquel Gonzalez calls Cora Jade on the phone. <laughs> I thought this was actually kind of funny. It was. Let's go do some training. And she's out <laughs> at five o'clock in the morning. And Cora's like, "What? No, it's ten o'clock." And so we see them train. Some of these times they do um, 
little skits or vignettes like this They can be really corny But I actually thought this was fine Like it was kind of funny And you know there's there, I didn't have a problem with the, with it And she says we're going to do this all again tomorrow um, <laughs> So we, uh, we then got the Women's Dusty video They just started talking about how it's going to begin next week right. And that led us talking to the Creed Brothers and Malcolm Bivens On their match tonight in the final against MSK, nothing too crazy. Just cut like a little basic promo here, talking about how they were going to win. As we then uh, just a lot of things happening backstage, but just kind of little looks. Carmelo and Trick arriving, and Cameron Grimes getting there earlier. They're going to have a match later on in the night. But next, it's the women's tag team title match: Indy and Persia versus Toxic Attraction. And um, Toxic Attraction ends up getting the win here. The this is a fine match. These these women all did a really good job. I think Toxic Attack Attraction continues to look strong. It wasn't anything, you know, groundbreaking, but it was solid. And Indy's good. Persia, I I think of the four, she probably still feels like the weak link to me in this in this match. Um, Gigi's really good. Oh Gigi, yeah, like stands out to me. She's fantastic, oh, yeah. and she's got a great yeah. look and a great presence. And this was fine. You know, Toxic Attraction continues on you know, with their winning ways and. Um, they got a, a nice win here. Yeah, you know there was some concern that uh, you know Mandy had her match last week. Uh, there was some concern that the belts may be changing hands, but uh, they stayed strong here. Um, I think Gigi, which is known to many of us uh, as Priscilla Kelly on the indie circuit, that's a main roster uh, uh, worker. There, she's uh, she's good. Um, she's got a great upside. She's fantastic in the ring. Uh, don't know really much about her promos yet because, you know, they're still kind of, even though they're tag champs, they still kind of walk behind Mandy Rose a little bit. Um, so it'll be interesting to see who wins the women's Dusty Cup uh, and see if they challenge for, uh, you know, I, it, I don't know. I just think that the women's tag team titles on NXT has been done so much better than the main roster women's tag team champions. Completely you know? agree. Yep, we had a uh, Mari Miller and Wendy Chu backstage. Wendy's looking for <laughs> for um, tag team partners, so she it looks like it's going to be Dakota Kai in her. Is uh, then Kai says talk about it uh, with your imaginary friend. We'll see if it's going to be Dakota and Wendy as a team. We'll find out next week when they uh, when they have uh, everything set for the women's Dusty uh, backstage. Grayson Waller was with the cops. Because uh, in just a moment, Waller is going to try to get LA Knight arrested for violating the restraining order. <laughs> and um, and then uh, quickly we saw our guys Briggs and Jensen said uh, <laughs> in a bar in a bar talking about the Valentine's Day date and the uh, yeah I mean these guys are oh, they're I guess they're like I didn't like them initially they're, I don't like love them. But they're sort of fine. Like they're growing on me a little bit. I don't. I just don't. I guess I don't hate them as much as they did before. It's just corny. It's it's corny. It is. I don't know what's going on here. Um, me either. <laughs> no, they're in a bar. The one of about. who is it? So the one, the one of them that's always like, okay, Briggs is the guy who Jensen is the is more of the like dorky guy who couldn't ask out, who, who couldn't ask out, or you know didn't know what to do, how to ask a girl out. 
So I, I don't mind Briggs Briggs better because Briggs kind of makes funny faces at his buddy that make me yeah. chuckle a little bit, you know. And um, but this is this is definitely a, a WWE thing trying to squeeze these guys <laughs> into the, is, you know, yeah, into the I don't know country what gimmicks. You know, yeah, and I, I don't know what the payoff here is. Uh, you know, I, I thought that you know with these little vignettes that they kept doing leading you know leading up. Uh, to this, uh, you know, the Dusty Cup Classic, I thought these guys were were probably going to be pushed. We saw those silly little knockoffs that, you know, they were training together and they were doing this. Now they're asking, uh, he's asking chicks on dates and he's not getting them. So they're in a bar and he says, oh, and the bartender is, uh, shoot, uh, her name's Fallon in NXT. And she was uh, the AEW jobber for a long, long time who... It was Owen 30 on dark and dark elevation or whatever it is. I, I don't know. It's silly. He's in the friend zone. Yeah. He's yeah. in the friend zone. That's it. He's in, he's in, the, friend he's in zone. the friend zone. He's in the friend zone. I don't mind it, but I, you know, it's, yeah, it's corny. You know, it, it is. It is. LA night, man. God, Dude, he feels he's over. And oh, he just yeah. points to the crowd and they go, LA night. I mean, sheesh, this guy Even is us. Adam Cole for NXT. It, and it kind of, it feels it, that way to me what they're doing to him. They want him to – I'm not saying to fill those sh- – look, I'm not saying that, right? I just – it feels like uh, they, this is the I, guy. It is, and he – it it kind of came out of nowhere in that I didn't – like all of a sudden the people were just behind him. Yes. Like immediately, and now they're just cheering him. And we've always liked the guy quite a bit, and his his promos and his magnetism, his energy in the ring are, are great. And now it's just he's getting the support from everyone out there. And I don't know how Vince can watch this show and not think, uh, this guy's a star. I need him on the main roster. Uh, he, he's I, I don't know what they're waiting for. <laughs> yeah, I really don't. Um, maybe you get the pl- the blow off thing with Waller. You know, maybe they have one more something mania weekend or in the next few weeks. And then I'd love to see him on the main roster just after mania because this guy, yeah. he's got it. He's got the it. We. So it looks like uh, Duke Hudson in the in Persia. <laughs> They're going at it. They go hand in hand. As, yeah, everyone's uh, dating on this show, whether this it's real a, or not. We got to connect yeah. the dots here. <laughs> it's the love connection. Now I wonder if we're gonna go in the direction of a Champa Ziggler one on one, or do we have a triple threat? Do you think maybe with those two guys in Braun? I wouldn't be shocked if that was like a Mania weekend match. If we got like a Champa versus Ziggler versus Braun, the champ. Versus the old versus you know a vet a WWE vet who comes down, but we're gonna get a Champa Ziggler at least, right? And you have to have that on NXT 2.0, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, you have that. You know, we had Champa, you know, guest appear on Raw at the announce uh, at the announce table, right? We we got that on Monday night, which was a nice surprise. I, I would just yeah, next week. That, that's that's it. Next next Tuesday, we're getting Dolph Ziggler versus Tommaso one on one. But oh. Ziggler made a, a comment about the title, so I'm not. I, look, I don't see him winning the NXT 2.0, you know, championship. But, but I him in, in a title gonna, match could yeah, be good. Think, yeah, because there was some interesting things and some observations uh, in the main event that we'll get to in just a little bit. Um, with Broad Breaker, but I, I could see Dolph and Tommaso getting involved in, in, in a triple threat since Tommaso and Braun are such buddies. And Dolph Ziggler tried to 
tried to cost them the the championship in the main event with uh, with the super kick. So, uh, but I like it. I, I'm a massive Dolph Ziggler fan, and uh, the more he's on TV, the better. And this um, is something new for him and fresh. It is. It is. It's not just it the is. same old like, oh, I'm in a tag, I'm losing this match, or I'm yeah, gonna go for this dial. title that I've yeah. lost. He gets to be. He, he feels like a big deal yeah, he when he's interacting with these guys. Yeah. So uh, like shout it. out to Ziggy, 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 Ziggy. As man, we got a. Uh, this match was fantastic. Cameron Grimes versus Carmelo Hayes. Yeah, I. I mean, I thought Cameron was gonna win a couple times towards the end. And Carmelo is good. He's good, man. He's good. Like he makes you hate him as a heel now. Like I keep wanting to see him get beat repeatedly. It looks like we're gonna go in the direction of Carmelo and Pete next. And I I like what we saw here from Grimes. And I don't want him to get shuffled down the card, but man, I like like give he doesn't need to win uh, all the time. He, that's fine. The crowd loves him. He's got a good gimmick. He's one of the most complete packages in NXT. Cameron Grimes and Carmelo, he's got a ton of upside. I, I really like this. I, both main roster guys already to me. I, I think when uh, for the little time that Carmelo has been there, he's done really good things. And Grimes, since day one, we've known his ability. Um, we've got to see more personality. But I'm with you. Uh, a little concerning after this loss, where he goes from here, because uh, uh, I, where you know. Where does he go from here? I don't know. It's going to be interesting because we have no more 205 Live. So let's see what happens on Friday nights uh, when, uh, what is it, NXT level, level up? Level up. Let's see what happens on that show. I, I don't think they're doing this uh, this show just as a quote-unquote replacement. I, I, I'm going to give this thing a chance. So look, I'm going to be honest with you. I never watched 205 Live. I've never been in. Me neither. Interest in that? I, I just wasn't. So I'm not. Maybe the very, that. very beginning. At the very beginning. Like sure. the very beginning when we were still on the network, and I watched a few of them. But Enzo was in there. Neville. That Look, was when and, uh, Hawk and, and they, yeah. Yeah, they they had some quality, but then you kind of forget about it. And mm-hmm. Nothing really. They they never really promoted it. Nothing really. because well, no, the the cru- it was the cruiserweight it. championship tournament was awesome. It was that fantastic. tournament they had, and so I was be I was really excited for a lot of those guys coming out of that tournament and how they were going to handle them, and they treated them really serious, like stars in that tournament. So you kind of got to feel like maybe this show will be pretty good. And I think like a lot of WWE new shows, the first couple weeks or month, they'll want it to be a big deal. Hell, I remember main event. You remember the first episode of main event? It was Sheamus versus CM Punk, champion versus champion. They did an hour long the the format of main event used to be a 1 hour long show and it would be one match that they it's would that, build yeah, up yeah. and they would do video packages to build up the whole match. They'd show they'd have both guys cut promos like backstage. They do like a 10 or 15 minute build up and they do like a 30 40 minute match and then That was the show and the first few Weeks it was like that we actually had Really cool big matches And then they just stopped with it with main event And now it's, <laughs> and now it's literally Just like the people that can't get on Raw or Smackdown they'll have on, on main event But and then, uh, yeah and then Over the last couple of weeks And maybe the month Last couple of months that's how I know Not a lot of people a lot of people were crying about oh two oh five lot look you weren't watching it you you weren't because there was a lot of NXT talent NXT two talent who were working those tapings so I, you know 
will this be a chance for a lot of these, like the Draco Anthony's and some, you know, the Tiffany Stratton's? Will we see more of them, or will this be an extension of their two-hour show? Um, I'm kind of glad it's on the network because uh, it it gives me another opportunity to use the Peacock app because mm-hmm. I don't unless there's pay-per-views. Because look, I'm gonna be honest with you, I haven't been using that Peacock app to go find old WWE programming that I used to watch. I used to watch WCW Thunders, the old Nitros when it was the WWE app. I really haven't went over there to it. It's a little, it's honestly, in just the most lazy sense, it's just a few extra clicks and like a little bit more of like getting into, you know, and then in in the format, the layout of the Peacock for the WWE network, if you're going to like, for example, they have it based on seasons, which is bizarre. So if you go to find like the old, you want to find the first ever SummerSlam, like 1988, it says season one. It doesn't See, say 1988. I don't even know that. I, I and it even doesn't. Know that. So it's really the formatting is not user friendly whatsoever. You literally have to in your head. So you count. I'm like, okay, hmm, I want 1996. <laughs> so I'm like. One, two, three, four, five, one? six, seven, eight. I'll click on it. I'm like, ah, oh, damn, that's 95. I got to go to the next, you know? And, it, and then it's just like, it ends up taking you a few minutes. And it's it's like, a t- we're total like first world problems, right? Like our, our apps are a little bit, bit worse. But, but seriously, if you, when you make a change like that, the WWE Network before was perfect. Oh, it's Honestly. It was Phenomenal. beautifully run. There weren't as many issues technically with it. Now, technically, they've been pretty good lately. I, I haven't heard as many technical stuff w- uh, from people in the last couple shows, but yeah, that was uh, 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 that was uh, the the changeover that it, I don't think has been quite as great. Two matches. But this, yeah, but this will give me, this will give me a reason to go over there and use it because I I, I do like NXT 2.0. So I want to see how they do this hour, and um, I, I I'm gonna be interested to see if they build new stars or if they kind of mix it up continue I, I think they're going to give some of these younger names um the the more of the uh, performance center names uh an opportunity so they can get them even more ready for the usa network on tuesday nights two uh first we got kaylee ray and eo shirai smashing stuff with bats this is kind of funny um <laughs> eo eo like let me just say this Instantly, I like EO and Kaylee Ray better than I like Stark and EO. Like just, oh, 100%. Like, in a million percent when she was just like, grab a bat, you know, aren't you mad that you don't have any weight, gold around your waist? And she's like, ah, sh- you're right. So she starts cracking cracking some stuff with a bat. Um, and then we got our two... This was a great show, honestly, when you're going through it. Like, we got two good matches to end. The men's... Tag team classic, the Dusty Rhodes final, MSK versus the Creed Brothers, and hey, it's the going over party for the Creed Brothers. They get the job done here, and they look great. The fans were loving this. This is about as long of a match as we've seen from these guys. You get contrasting styles from MSK, who are flying all over, and the big brute bruiser tag team here. And I, I mean, I've said it a bunch. I loved this show. I thought it was a really good episode, and I thought this match was great. Uh, they're behind Diamond Mind, aren't they? Or somebody is. Somebody really likes this group. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, the Creed Brothers have been, they're just different. The first time they debuted on NXT, you and I both said, this is our NXT 2.0. This this is uh, this is really good. It was good to see them get a win. Bivens has been more Bivens, if you've known him, going back to the Ring of Honor days. 
I don't. I don't think they've ga- given him more of a, uh, a a platform. He's been doing a lot of talking, but it seems like it's more. Hey, you're going to say this. It's more scripted. Now it seems like they're giving him a little bit more freedom on the mic, and uh, it, it helps it even more. Now we'll see what happens with Ivy Nile and Roderick Strong, but you have two stars in the Creed brothers, and uh, again, that that's another. You can just see who's probably going to make the main roster, and I think the Creed brothers are are are, are part of that. The main event was Santos versus Braun Breaker, and. There, oh yeah, we had the little segment where we got uh, Pete Dunn and, and Carmelo Hayes. So mm-hmm. it looks like that's where we're going to be headed next. An Imperium, yeah, an, an Imperium, yeah. Um, so, so he, you know, Gunthar, Gunthar. Oh, okay, yeah, I'm sorry, the Gunthar. He screamed. He he screamed at them. <laughs> Gunthar. <laughs> yeah, that he was, mentioned that he strange. wants to go after the title. Right. So I thought that was interesting. So I went, yes. hmm. and then out comes uh, Solo. And I thought, oh man, if they're gonna have a match, who who's getting who's going over here? Right. Because they are high on both of these guys. Yeah, and I don't love it because I like Solo. I what they've been doing yeah, with him I don't, too, I don't and like it either. and Gunther needs to win because he should be. He is a big, the big deal. Him versus Braun Breaker feels like a big match. It is that that feels like a yeah. good match, and that feels like if you if that's how you set up this so. We got yeah, we got the little uh, little segment from Gunther how he mentions that now we're gonna get looks like Gunther in a, a little something with Solo Sokoa and we're gonna get the Creed brothers with uh, with Imperium. The title match was Santos Escobar versus Braun Breaker and very good. But what was weird is the crowd towards the end was really behind Santos Escobar. That's I, I alluded to this earlier. Um... Braun got some booze, man. Um, I don't know if it was just because it was now that I was, type of crowd. Yeah, I was trying to read was, into this. Apparently, there were either just some, I don't know if it was his family, or there were some huge Santos fans there that okay. were really getting everybody else to kind of get behind them. And but but it is no like that is noteworthy when your top babyface that you just have crowned. Isn't getting and it's not as if we would have thought of Santos as like the most popular guy on the card. We like him and stuff, but he doesn't. He's not someone who's generally like oh crazy over out there. So this not was, a, not 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 in not at NXT two point no. no he's fantastic in the ring and he's great. But this was this was interesting. This was an interesting dynamic to hear some booze on this guy because Braun has been he's won us all over even the dirt sheets. That hate the WWE. That's like, okay, this guy needs to be in the Royal Rumble. He needs to be at WrestleMania. He needs to be on Raw. He needs to be on SmackDown. Whether or not it came from Escobar's people or not, I, I just think that's it's weird. They could have drowned that out, maybe some. But I thought mm-hmm. it was really weird. There's no way we these people are turning on this guy already. Is there? No, I don't. Th- I don't think so. I don't think they because he's. It's been too quick, and he's he's good. Like it's not like he's someone who's bad that's getting forced down your throat. He didn't immediately win either. He lost his first time to Champa. It was sort of like a he didn't just come right in and get handed stuff. So I, I don't think so. I you know we'll, we'll definitely find out on the next couple weeks and, and see. But if they're trending really well, Coop, if we're gonna end up maybe on that Mania show, uh, Mania show, which is gonna be in the day. Remember that's gonna be eleven um, o'clock in the morning. Central in the morning. Time. Yeah. So American Airlines Arena. 
on Saturday, right? Saturday or Sunday and Saturday. Yeah, on Saturday, a day one of WrestleMania. If we get a Gunther Braun, a Braun Breaker for the title match, if we get something with the North, uh, Carmelo and with Pete Dunn, that yeah. could be really good. If we get a Ziggler it, you know, involvement somewhere, maybe it's a, another with Champa or something along those lines. That looks pretty good. And then you think about on the women's side, you know, probably something involving. Cora, I, I I don't I mean I I was kept thinking Cora and Raquel and maybe it's the three of them with Mandy or something along those lines again which we did but maybe Cora sort of felt like the one for a while maybe it ends up being EO there's a there's so many talented women think about you know you're gonna have combinations of them probably either with EO uh, I mean with like EO Kaylee Cora Raquel they're probably gonna be involved with Toxic Attraction in some ways tag yeah, or singles we'll we'll know a lot here. Um, the the women's Dusty Cup starts next week. I, I don't I don't see Raquel and Cora winning this. Somebody's got to turn on the other. I don't see Cora going heel. Um, yeah, Mandy needs a challenger, and, and it kind of feels like it was one of them. And then, but as you said, EO is involved, and EO and Mandy would be fantastic just because EO is so good in the ring. I think her and Mandy would have a really good match, but. There's a lot of different ways you can go with this, and I like that it's, you know, we, we were wondering if they were going to continue, not with the TakeOver name, because they told you they weren't, but we were wondering if NXT 2.0 would have a show on Mania Weekend, and Stand and Deliver is, again, this is going to be another one of these type shows that we said uh, last month or two that was, really was going to be kind of like a make or break for them. You have an opportunity to set the bar and look, this is the big wrestling weekend and this is going to be another massive milestone. You know, you're going to set, you, you've already raised the bar, you know, with that first big event on a Sunday night that we had, uh, what, January or, or December. Mm-hmm. This is another type show where you're going to see all out, all out from these guys and girls. And uh, again, I'm an NXT 2.0 mark. And uh, I'm looking forward to that show. This was a good show. This was a great night for them coming off a really good night for them. If you haven't checked out vengeance day, go back and check it out. It was a really good show. Koopa loop, my man. Thank you so much. We're going to talk AEW next week. We'll, uh, we'll double up on what we missed from dynamite and anything going on there. And uh, I hope uh, all is well for you out there. We'll start in the next few weeks talking a little college basketball too. March madness is on the way. So if you have any uh, plays to dish out my man, I'm heading to Texas this weekend. So, Keep the weather good for me over there while I'm there, please. Yeah, hey, do, look, do the don't, dance. Don't pull a uh, don't pull a KO, and you get over there to Sam Houston Race Park, and, and I'm going to cut my promos. promos. Oh I'm yeah, no cutting promos. I'm going to do I'm it on up. the broadcast on the live feed earlier in the night. Yeah. You Texas, God. I'm going to do my Rick Rude. Yeah, in a cowboy hat. In, in a, a cowboy, cowboy hat, hat just to make oh, it worse. Just to make it worse. Coop, my man, thank you so much. I appreciate you being flexible and coming early this week, and I look forward to talking to you next week. You got it, bro. Chad Cooper, don't go anywhere, folks. Still a lot more on That's What G Said. Hey, big thank you to all of this week's guest, Eric, pulling double duty with a little NBA and a little Super Bowl recap. Martha Claussen helping get us set up for the big Saturday at Sam Houston. Cooper Loop, 
Chad Cooper with This Week in Wrestling and Emily Gollickson talking fairgrounds. Don't forget, folks, if you need help with Friday, Sam Houston, look on my social media. It's me, Gino B. I'll have a full video posted for Friday, Sam Houston stuff, and then I'll be on the broadcast on Friday night there. If you need help with Santa Anita for Saturday, same thing. Check out the social media. I'll have a video posted Friday with a couple Santa Anita plays on the card. We'll roll through using the DRF formulator past performances Good luck this weekend. Tune in and uh, check me out on the broadcast over there at Sam Houston. Hope everyone has a fantastic weekend, and we'll be back next week with a lot more. That's what G said.